On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. To the jungle. It's hot. It's sweaty outside. It's snowing in Denver where it's below freezing. And yet here it's getting hot, hot, and hotter. And by the time we kick off in a few hours in the annual Salute the Israel Day Parade, I wonder how many Alta Cockers will be able to make it out there. I know I'll be out there. The question is will you? And as soon as I finish at 6, I'll be uh, on to the annual breakfast in support of the parade. And then in the parade itself, back in time to be on from 3 to 5. Been so nice. They flip the script. I come back on at 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. And then the hour most listened to, most requested, most called into of the many hours that I do on the weekend where WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, is the Animal Welfare Hour. Oh, and it's already going to be chock-packed full of issues that my wife, Nancy, the animal rescuer par excellence, will handle. And later on in the show, we're going to talk about the stubborn one, Frank Morano, who does The Other Side of Midnight. As you know, Monday through Fridays from 1 in the morning to 5, that's five days a week, five times four is 20, 20 hours that you all have to listen to because I need you to continue to rat him out to me because he tries to slip me a few mickeys. He actually was talking about problems he had with his cats, three cats at his house. And instead of turning to the cat expert, my wife, he probably wasted hundreds of dollars that he doesn't even have, that he could easily have been shooting craps with in Atlantic City because you know the moment he gets any money in his pocket, he's thinking, gee, where's the first game of craps that I can hit? If I can't make it to Atlantic City, maybe I can get a Gambino wire room somewhere on Highland Boulevard. That's right. I couldn't believe that. He wouldn't even tap in to my wife who is the animal welfare expert and especially an expert on cats, having rescued uh, dozens and dozens in her lifetime. We'll deal with all that later on. 
But it was hot out there, ladies and gentlemen. A big difference to what we had seen in the past few weeks. As the temperatures inched up to the 90-degree mark, and expect to be back there uh, today, Sunday. Well, if you happen to be out on the boardwalk uh, from Coney Island to Brighton Beach to Manhattan Beach, no lifeguards. So you couldn't go into the water to refresh yourself. Not to suggest you'd want to go into the water in Manhattan Beach. The fecal matter is uh, not too good. Or Brighton Beach or Coney Island. It ain't the Rockaways, that's for sure. But I'm wondering, out there at Robert Moses uh, State Park at Jones Beach, I believe they were swimming. I think they had lifeguards out there. Ladies and gentlemen, if I'm incorrect, please give me some constructive criticism. But I can feel it right in my Robert Moses marrow of my bone that there were lifeguards out there on Robert Moses State Park and Jones Beach on the south shore of Long Island. Am I correct, ladies and gentlemen? one 800 That's one 800 wabc In my many uh, going out and returns from my apartment on the Upper West Side, where even the pigeons were schwitzing, the pigeons that follow me all the way here to the east side where we broadcast from, they were sweating, uh, maxing and relaxing. It was just too hot for them. So I get home, and naturally my dogs were talking. I mean, my my feet were like barking. Coming out of that subway system, which is like a schwitz. You don't even have to pay for a sauna. You could have gotten one of those, oh, yeah, one of those biggie, yeah, one of those biggie metro cards that they were ripping you off for, suckers. We'll get into that later on, too. I couldn't believe lines of people in the heat. Oh, I got to get my biggie smalls metro card. Yeah, like you're not even going to use it. And nobody's going to care. And you just got ripped off by the money-taking agency. Anyway, we'll get to all of that momentarily. But I'm telling you, it was right after I finished the show with Anthony Weiner from 2 to 4 that I had to put my feet in the turlet. That's right, in the 328-square-foot uh, apartment that I share with uh, my wife Nancy and the 18 rescue cats. The cool, refreshing water in the turlet as I just kept... I just kept flushing it over and over. Because you see, if your feet are cool, the rest of your body is cool. It is the poor man's jacuzzi. Trust me. It's toilet water. Some of you, you throw it on. You think it's like uh, cheap cologne, right? Like Old Spice, like high karate. It's toilet water, right? Oh, God. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then I'm just imagining what it was like on the Jersey Shore. From Point Pleasant down to Belmar, you know where all the beamers are, all those suckers. I mean, the uh, folks who come across the Outer Bridge Crossing uh, from Staten Island and get ripped off by the townies there in Belmar. Or as you go down to uh, the Irish Riviera there, Spring Lake, and then down to Wildwood. I wonder, was there swimming along the Jersey Shore? Hey, is this audience stung God? Uh, did they all pass out from heat exposure? You know, it's not Frank Morano. It's Curtis Lewa. We're jumping and pumping, and I'm going to take you to the break of dawn at 6 in the morning. And I'm going to go through that later on in terms of what the meaning of being an insomaniac and joining in this fraternity and this sorority 
of those who just can't go to sleep at night or refuse to go to sleep and want to stay awake until the break of dawn. Although from time to time you need a little bit of help, like clothespins uh, underneath your eyelids, just to make sure that you are alert, you're wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm beginning to believe that there's some sabotage on the way here. Wow, there has not been one phone call. I cannot believe that. I put out a call to people who were at Coney Island today, Brighton Beach, Manhattan Beach. People who were in the Rockaways. People in South Beach in Staten Island. People who were at Robert Moses State Park and Jones Beach in the South Shore of Long Island. People who are all along the Jersey Shore, and you're telling me not one call has come in. I'm telling you, this disgruntificator probably melted down earlier today in the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, the Tower of Power, that has made us the number one news talk station in the nation. Now it does occur, even in the hot, sweltering heat. In 38 states, parts of Canada, a strip of Europe, and down to Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle. Our crack engineer, Dan the Man, who's always hanging out at Bada-Bing, the strip joint there, which is called Satin Dolls in Real Life, Bada-Bing in Goodfellas. Uh, one of our listeners got a Curtis Lee booby prize, don't ask, don't tell, because I'm so cheap I throw uh, nickels around like manhole covers. We uh, are going to expedite that Curtis Lee booby prize, the uh, WABC hat with my name on it, because they uh, guessed it correctly. The Satin Dolls was bada-bing from The Sopranos. And that's where Dan the Man can be found most often, adding to his Facebook uh, posts. You know, what he had in the morning for breakfast at Denny's, the Grand Slam. What a on While he's getting a Brumski and a lap dance instead of climbing the tower and figuring out why maybe our disgruntificator has melted down in his heat. Oh, no, he goes, they don't pay me enough to go up there in this heat. No more Brunskis, no more lap dances, girls, girls, pole dancers out there. I know you listen. No more lap dances, no more Brunskis for Dan the Man. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And to all the Trendoids, Freakasoids, and Jet Setters who are out in the Hamptons listening to our FM sister station, WLIR, which is uh, fed, fed our signal through the disgruntificator to the spectometer. And that's how we're able to uh, receive your phone calls, because that is what this show is about. It's about you. It's not about me, the host. We don't have guests like almost every other show. They got to have their guests. Me, it's a crutch. You got to, you know, you know what the guest is going to say. He's got it all written out, right? You ask him a question. And he, how do you know? How do you know he doesn't have it written out? He's not in the studio most times. He could be re- reading from a prepared text. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that Frank Morano's doing it, but, you know, throwing him softballs. Uh, that's why they hit it right out of City Field in Yankee Stadium. None of those tough questions. Boy, that was a great interview the other morning. If you missed it, you got to go to the podcast. Sid Rosenberg hosting the morning show, top rated as it is in the marketplace, uh, by his, uh, his uh, own self because his uh, partner, Bernard McGurk, recovering from some chemotherapy to deal with his prostate cancer. And he was, like, interviewing Lee Zeldin, Andrew Giuliani, Bob Astorino, going back and forth. He did the trifecta, the trinity, the troika. It was a series of great one-on-one interviews. I, I, I actually texted uh, Sid Rosenberg and said, well, man, 
That was really good stuff. Did it when I listened to the best of the morning show after uh, this show. Uh, the Saturday edition, uh, you're now into the Sunday edition. I haven't heard back from Sid. Now, you know Sid. Normally, you stroke the peacock, boom, you get his attention. So uh, he must be involved in uh, family matters. That It's keeping him uh, hush, hush, mush, mush. Very unusual for Sid Rosenberg. If you stroke him, if you pull his chains and chew his, uh, his actually... Uh, <laughs> Iron BVDs. Oh, yeah, he irons his BVDs in his Fruit of the Loom. That's how meticulous this guy is. I need to know, will he be at the Support the Israel Day Parade? He was the Grand Marshal one year. I wonder if he'll be out there in the Schwitz in a few hours. You know, he wears those uh, Eric Adams-style suits, you know, in this kind of uh, (laughs) humid weather. (laughs) Those customized suits. With those pocket handkerchiefs, they don't hold up under that. Oh, no, 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 no. I know it's 1-800. You know and I know that it's all about the swagger. (laughs) No, we're getting to you later on. He's not yet at Club Zero Bond. I've got my rats out there, little birdies, keeping an eye on his entrance time. He's not out there yet. Uh, But he probably will be in order to make it to the break of dawn, the private club in which uh, whatever happens uh, in Zero Bond stays at Zero Bond. And that's where you do business with Eric Adams. That's where you wine him, dine him, pocket line him. We'll be talking about that later on because (laughs) he's running for president. I told you that. Oh, no, you're making that up, Sleewood. No, 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 no. I've been keeping you abreast of that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Nobody has called in yet to let me know if there were any lifeguards out there on the American Riviera. You know where the American Riviera is? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, another trivia question. Because trivia leads to long-term conversations. Uh, Unlike what Frank Morano says, which... uh, I'm brain dead. You know, trivia, his guest. Trivia, huh? Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. You couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. We'll discuss that later on when we do our review of that scam. I mean, that contest that Frank Morano does every uh, 4.30 in the morning, you know. You get 10 answers correct uh, within a minute, and you can win a $1,000 prize. Yeah, 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 right. It's right. I mean, it's it's a little difficult for his listeners because, well, they're not Mensa. You know what I mean? We're talking about <laughs> they inhale, they exhale. That's about it. They can't expect anything more. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. So what is referred to as the American Riviera? Which beach system? I'm surprised at some of you. And whether from Point Pleasant down to Wildwood and every one of those beaches in between, public or private, were there lifeguards out there and were people going into the Atlantic Ocean? Yours truly needs to know. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 848-9222. By the way, that's a really horrible situation. I remember doing this as a kid. Uh, out in the Rockaways, where we would dig beach tunnels. Remember, you dig a beach tunnel. Although you might have seen those uh, younger folks from Maine. I think they were on the Barrier Island near Tom's River. I'm not quite sure geographically the exact location. But they were down here from Maine, and they were digging like a 10-foot hole with Frisbees. Boy, that's, that's a lot of digging. 
And remember, it collapsed on that young man. Uh, I think he killed him at 18, and his sister was injured. Building a beach tunnel. I mean, that that was a tradition of ours. You know, see how far down you could go. Maybe you could dig your way to Peking, China. Yeah, yeah, some schmucks, some putzes, some uh, schmageggies. You know, like Frank would think, oh, that's conceivable. You know, you can start digging, uh, you know, right there in Coney Island and go right down to Peking, China. That's what they used to call it. It's now called Beijing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But now let's go to the call of the races here. Broadway, Bill Lee. Because- I was hot. It was sweltering in Pimlico and Baltimore for the running of the Preakness. And uh, although it didn't have uh, all the horses that people were looking forward to, especially Rich Strike, Lucky Strike, Last Strike, uh, you know, those uh, hillbillies pulled him from the ways. The 80-to-1 winner of the Kentucky Derby, 80-to-1 odds. So some of you, I know, you figured, oh, the 50-to-1 uh, last moment to entry, Fenwick was going to win, not. In fact, here's the call of uh, the tape. A mile, I think it's, um, I don't know, like I said, three quarters of a mile out. 47 and two-fifths seconds for this half mile as they continue up the back stretch with Armagnac in front moving for the far turn. Early voting on the outside is second. Armagnac in early voting will take them into the turn. One, two, and Creative Minister is right behind them. In simplification, meanwhile, Epicenter is on the rail. In behind a wall of horses, he's five lengths off the lead as they round the far turn. Early voting comes up to the neck of Armagnac and pokes ahead in front. Secret Oath has made her run now, and here she comes from the back of the pack. She has stormed up into third, Creative Minister fourth. Epicenter cuts the corner in fifth, and they're into the stretch. And it's early voting who comes into the final furlong with a three-length lead. Secret Oath is second. Epicenter is on the rail. Behind that creative minister, then it's Armagnac. It is early voting, reaching for the wire. Epicenter closing on the inside. Early voting, Epicenter. Early voting comes inside and wins it. He wins the Preakness by a length and a half. Epicenter was second, and then comes creative minister in third. Simplification was fourth. Early voting was weaving in and out there toward the finish, but he wins the Preakness in 154 and two-fifths seconds. No, I lost again. I didn't get the winner. But I will tell you this. I should have uh, thought of it politically. Early voting, of course, Baltimore. It's all Democrats. There's no Republicans in Baltimore. Uh, They have a Republican uh, governor uh, who wants to run for president, who's not a Trumper uh, in Annapolis. But really, it's a Democratic state. So naturally, you would expect early voting to win because Democrats love early voting. Republicans, they're stubborn. You know, I'll vote only on the day of the election. Even if you have to take me from the ICU, I'm not doing early voting or mail-in voting. Absolutely not. Or absentee voting. Yeah, it was rigged by the Democrats. Ah, I'm not saying we could prove that through Dominion or Smartmatic. Let's see. Final tally there was... Um, Early voting, won by a length and a half, and Epicenter finished second again. Creative minister, I don't know, simplification was fourth. I had picked simplification to win. 
uh, with the great Johnny Velasquez riding the rail. Although too many gunshots, uh, I think, spoofed. You know, it's Body Bag City, Baltimore. Too many gunshots just spoofed simplification the night before in the barn. And, of course, there was the Philly uh, secret oath that all the uh, all the stallions were eyeballing. And that's what took their eye off the prize. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Karen in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Karen. Oh, that's interesting. I, I think I was the first one to call in because you look like you're warning callers. Uh, about the beaches in uh, New Jersey, I saw on the news that Asbury Park was Marbo City. I mean, it was wall-to-wall on the beach and on the boardwalk, but they uh, there were no lifeguards. And they were telling people not to go in the water because oh, how stupid the water is that? Like, I know, but how stupid is that? It was about fifty degrees. The water, it's swimmable they water. Like forty, they said it was like forty degrees, and you could develop hypothermia. Oh, real get out of here! Come on, Karen. You know that's bull feathers. They just didn't want to pay for lifeguards. You know that, Karen. <laughs> no, like. They have lifeguards Memorial Day weekend. Wait, wait, wait a second. Hold on, Karen. They knew this heat wave was coming. They could have jump-started their lifeguards. Get them out there, you know, putting all that white stuff on their nose there, you know, flexing for the girly girlies. Although now you never know when they flexing for the guys, the transgenders, the 72 uh, different people who identify themselves sexually from day to day as being different. I don't know, but they put that stupid white stuff on their nose. I never could understand, Karen. Why do they put that white stuff on their nose? So you have something to talk about. No, nah, it looks so <laughs> stupid. It's not on the rest of their I body, know. only on their nose. All that white stuff. And I say, what is that, Noxema? <laughs> right? Oh, sunscreen so their noses don't. Yeah, but wait a second. No, no, that, yeah, that's that white pasty uh, sort of Noxema-like stuff. Why is it so different and only under schnoz? And, you know, some of those lifeguards, they got, like, shotgun schnozzes. So they're looking, they're having to take a whole a whole handful of that Noxema and smear it all over their schnoz. <laughs> but they're no the lifeguards are all in Denver where the snow is. Yes, snow. I mean, remember, Colorado Colorado was burning down there for most of the month. Now, all of a sudden, it's snow. It, this is... And they had they had a graduation at that Red Rock Theater yeah. outside. You yeah. think they would have put them inside? I'm, I'm telling you, it, there's a lot of... Uh, let's just say it's Michigash. It's Michigash, Karen. <laughs> And uh, instead of Del Blasio running for Congress, why don't you run for Congress? Oh, we're going to be discussing that later on because, you know, Frank Morano is still lobbying away to get me to run for Congress. The clock is ticking. Some people are saying he doesn't want the competition here because I'm the only one who's close to him in terms of the rating. He blows everybody else away. And I'm the only one who rats him out, right? Let's face it. And I got all of you listening to rat him out. So he figures Curtis Lee, who runs for Congress, I get him out of my hair, I rule the roost at WABC, and I don't have to deal with that hemorrhoid in the Red Beret as Frank Morano tries to find all the preparation H in and the Dwayne Reeds as long as they haven't been ransacked, that he can smear all over me and hopeful uh, that I just uh, dry up and blow away. It ain't happening, Frank. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Brian in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brian. 
Hey, Curtis. Curtis? Yeah. I uh, just want to apologize. Uh, I, I was the crazy guy calling up with the horse who got mad when he said hillbillies with the horse that won. Yeah, now, now Brian, I, I need to ask you a question. How come you always talk so close into the phone that we, oh, he, that we hear oh, you gotta... inhale and we hear you exhale? Oh, I'm sorry. It's a flip phone. I'm still using a flip phone. I don't have an iPhone. Hey, you know who also, and, um, you know who uses a flip phone now because she doesn't want to get caught in the iCloud? Rihanna. Yeah, and Rihanna uses a flip phone. So you're, you're actually very hip. You're very trendy. You're very happening. <laughs> I, I, you still, am I still breathing in and out? I'm, I'm pulling it further away. You well, this is what you do. Yeah. Why don't you hold your breath while you talk to us? Yeah. Okay. I'm a little nervous. I- I just want to apologize. No, uh, no, no. It's okay. In that fact, I love I love your show, and and you're a great guy. And I I'm a radio fanatic, and uh, you just love it. Anyway, I just want to talk about Rockaway. My dad used to bring me there all the time since I was a little boy. Oh. And uh, when we went to Rockaway Beach, there were never any lifeguards. I'm like 50, I'm 53, so he took us in. He used to take us there. We live, I live in Valley Stream. I'm, I'm maybe a few miles from. Uh, maybe five miles from Rockwood, uh, and uh, there were never any lifeguards. It was all abandoned. The bungalows were all abandoned. Then it was, I can't remember the street, maybe 116th Street, where the, just around where the high-rises used to be. Where the, they had the high, you know, they had those, the high-rise buildings there, um, like a few miles from Beach Channel. And when we went there, it was all like abandoned. And uh, people would still, there'd be some people at the beach. This was like in the 80s, the mid-80s, late 80s when I was a teenager in high school. Mm. And I just remember that memory with my dad. And uh, we used to go there all the time because we were close there. He used to go after work. He used to be a, he used to work for, uh, after, he used to work midnights. And after work, he'd always go to Rockaway. And uh, I just remember. Great now, now, when, you, all that. when you went to Rockaway, Brian, did you drink some brewski, you know, some cerveza, some beer? No, I was only a kid. I was only a teenager. Hey, look, that didn't stop a lot of those Irish guys from drinking no, beer at like 12 dad, years old out well, there. My, can I tell you a story, Curtis? My, yes, dad was a, my dad was a heavy drinker, and he got his car stolen, a little Toyota Corolla. He, uh, after he worked midnight, he, was truck, he worked on the docks at the trucking company in, Carol, in uh, Carolina Freight in Brooklyn. Oh, let me and, tell you uh, something. Those Toyota Corollas, boy, number one in chop shops. Let me tell you, Brian. We're going to be talking about that later on also. Yeah, a whole panoply of issues because my goal is to make sure that I keep you awake until the break of dawn. Brian there with his memories of Rockaway Beach when he was a kid and the rest of you. And I haven't gotten some answers. What is called the American Riviera? I can't believe it must be the Frank Morano audience here. Or the leftovers of the Frank Morano audience, because this should be a natural. You should be able to bag it and tag it. I'm going to give you an opportunity to win a Curtis Lee with booby fries. Which beach is referred to in our tri-state area as the American Riviera? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Bye, 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 bye. 
Let me ask you a question. I heard that promo for our sports yackers. Who's that guy saying he would bend over for anybody? Like, he, you know, he says that in this environment, he could get that monkey pox. We'll be talking about that later on, too. What kind of a freak is he? Oh, I'll bend over for anybody. Yeah, let me tell you, kid. You end up in prison like I've been. You don't be saying that in prison. Because all of a sudden, Bubba will come over and say, You're mine. You're my Maytag. I couldn't believe he was saying that. Oh, I'll bend over for anybody. Man, I'm going to have to pimp slap that guy. He has no idea what the hell he's talking about. He's young. He's frivolous. He's like, oh, I'm going to be hip. I'm going to be happening. I'm going to say things that are going to get me attention. No. You can act like a man. What's the matter with you? It's going to get you into double trouble, pal. We'll talk about the monkeypox later on. Eric Adams, our mayor, who has not yet arrived at the um, Club uh, Zero Bond. We've got our little uh, rats out there letting us know of his coming and going. He uh, insists nothing to worry about monkeypox. That's why I'm worried. <laughs> well, what is he, a freaking doctor? Oh, nothing to worry about monkeypox. It's just spreading all over the place. Is it like smallpox? Is it like chickenpox? Are we going to have a chickenpox party up at Club Zero Bond? But you see, Eric Adams says, don't worry about it. I need to be talking to those crypto monsters. You know, the Ponzi schemers up there at Zero Bond. Because one day, Bitcoin will rule, and I will be president over my dead body, Eric. We'll talk about that later on. We'll talk about that later on. You know, uh, so many of the jockeys, a Puerto Ricano, a lot of them who uh, were riding horses uh, in uh, Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby, and the second leg, the Preakness. The great Johnny Velasquez, my favorite, although, hey, my horse didn't win. Too many gunshots, I'm telling you. Too close to the rail. That's Body Bag City, Baltimore. That horse was scared. <laughs> it was like uh, jumping up, simplification. Anyway, uh, not just the great Johnny Velasquez, but a whole bunch of other jockeys. A Puerto Ricano. Johnny Velasquez has actually lived in Puerto Rico. And I'm saying to this, when you go to the backstretch of the Belmont uh, Stakes, which is coming up uh, on Saturday, June 11th. I'll try to figure out a way to get there with all the programming I have to do. I don't want to miss it because I want to see how many uh, of you folks actually show up now that all of a sudden the Miracle Horse, the 80 to 1 long shot, uh, Rich Strike, Long Strike, the Hillbilly Horse is not running. Or will he run? I don't know. Will the winner of the Preakness run? I have no idea. Because, uh, let's face it, half of Belmont is in Nassau County, which is Republican now. The other half is in Queens, which is Democrat. So uh, I don't think early voting has a chance. But I don't think they're going to run early voting. Anyway, I love Belmont just walking around because it's one and a half miles, that race. That's the toughest race. And for some of you out there, tell me, is it... Elmore, New York. They tell me Elmore, New York. Well, where the hell is Elmore, New York? To me, it's always been Floral Park, Garden City. Elmore. Hey, Elmore. Yeah, here's Elmore right here. Look at here. Huh? 
the hell is Elmore? I'm saying to myself, it was a time I remember my uh, uncle, uh, my uncle Jimmy Scavone, a real degenerate horseplay, was cursing because I think it was back in what, 64, 65. Uh, they closed Belmont for reconstruction. Remember, like they did for Yankee Stadium, 74, 75. And then we had to go over to Shea Stadium and that third world stadium for two years. It was miserable, Yankee fans. But I think they did the same thing to Belmont. You know, they had to reconstruct it. So everybody had to go to Aqueduct. Oh, my God, what a letdown. You go to Belmont and then you go to Aqueduct. And it's like, Aqueduct? Ugh. I think of all the great horses who have won the Triple Crown. I'm thinking in my mind. Citation. Probably the greatest of all, Secretariat, Affirm, Seattle Slough. And the most recent one, you know, owned by that Egyptian Jew. Uh, an Egyptian Jew. How likely is that? Now, Coptic Egyptians, Christians, Muslim Egyptians, but it happened to be American Pharaoh, owned by a Egyptian Jew, not by birth, he was a Muslim, but he converted to being a Jew, and he owned a brewery in Egypt, which for Muslim is a no-no. I think they had like 100,000 people at Belmont for that one. They hadn't been uh, triple crowned in 37 years, and then all of a sudden it was American Pharaoh. But, oh, the hillbillies, they denied us. Try to get, try to find that hillbilly for me. I mean, he, so disappointing. Probably has a rich strike out there in the fields plowing, uh, you know. <sighs> I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And this is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But... And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, they know who he is. I didn't see him uh, mount uh, a thoroughbred earlier. Not a mare, not a filly, not a stallion, not a thoroughbred. By the way, what is the name of a horse who has had his uh, <clears throat> his uh, male memorabilia removed? one 800 That's uh, 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Sue, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sue. Hi, Curtis. Um, the uh, the Riviera, Riviera, American Riviera, that's Orchard Beach. Orchard Beach? Yes. No, no, no. On Orchard Beach, you hear... You would hear Bad Bunny all over the place. Uh, I mean, it used to be when I went to Orchard Beach as a kid, you had like four sections. You had the Italians, you had the Puerto Ricans, you had the blacks, and then a little side area with the Jews. They were very nebbishy, schlubby. They were sort of minding their own business. They said, yeah, let the, uh, let the goy battle with one another, the blacks, the Puerto Ricans, and the Italians. <laughs> You know, we just want to get in here and out of here. Maybe it would have been better if we went to our tar beach, you know, on the fifth floor of the tenements uh, on the roof. They call that tar beach because these goy look like they're ready to rumble. (laughs) So, Sue, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. The America Riviera was never and will never be called Orchard Beach. Oh, I remember that. You have your radios out there. 
Uh, a lot of folks, uh, not that many listen to WABC on Orchard Beach, I got to tell you. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't listening to WABC. I was a WMCA guy, you know, better than the top 40 of WABC. There was WINS, they had top 40. WWRL, my favorite, R&B. You didn't hear WABC, no. Italians, they didn't listen to that. Puerto Ricans didn't listen to that. Blacks didn't listen to that. Yeah, a few of the nebbishy, schlubby Jews there. Oh, yeah, WABC. Oh, a lot of our people there, right? Uh, Herb Oscar Anderson, with a name like Oscar. He must be Jewish, right? Our number's 1-800-848-9222. Oh, Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey. He must be Jewish, right? We'll listen to him on WABC. 1-800-848-9222. So disappointing. Sue crashed and burned on that. Boy, this is a simple one. It's like this is like a thirteen-inch clincher. This is like I'm serving you a beach ball, and you got a softball bat in your hands. You can't miss this one. Let's go to Shelley all the way down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Shelley. Hey, Curtis. This is the Redneck Riviera where I am. Ah. Still stuck here. That's right, the Redneck Riviera. You're absolutely right. Yep. So I think. Um, on um, where I'm originally from, that area is, well, I think what I would say the Hamptons would be the the Riviera up that way. Uh, so it could be Southampton, the Hamptons in general, that, that, that whole area of Long Island, South Shore, North Shore, that whole area. I'll, I'll give you that wide breath. <laughs> Shelly, okay. you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Really? Let me say one more thing. Look, a hell of a lot closer than Sue was seeing Orchard Beach. Curtis. Uh, yes. Okay. I my my description of you is you are a panoply of cacophonies. Oh my God. How's that? That is multisyllabic. I don't even think I can pronounce that. I, I'd be stuttering. You always say the word pan. pan wait, pan, Panoply, right? Yeah, I sound like Joe Biden when I'm trying that. Panoply, you're a panoply of cacophonies, oh and my. you've used the word cacophony before too. Oh, like a loud, loud sounds, like nice. Well, I don't know if they're nice. But you know, I would not point. be able to read that off the teleprompter like President Joe Biden. I'd be stumbling and mumbling. <laughs> but you say those two words a lot. You oh, do. maybe it's a knee jerk reaction. I mean, you say those two words, and I said, that is, it describes what he is. He is so, I, you know, I love you, Curtis. So you're a pan of, a panoply of cacophonies. Whatever the hell that means. We'll have to get Frank Morano. You know, he's the wordsmith. The, the other night, they had like an hour. Uh, he had people talking about words I had never heard before. Oh, that's, uh, that's going to attract a big audience there, right? You might as well read from the thesaurus. <laughs> I said, what the hell is this? Linguistics uh, for the highly intellectual? Yeah, I want to show you how smart I am, how much of an academia I am. So I'm going to mention words that nobody has ever heard of. In fact, they haven't even entered into the contest of the National Spelling Bee. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to William calling all the way from Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, William. Good morning, Curtis. Uh, the American Riviera would be Jones Beach. 
You couldn't be more hopelessly right. You are absolutely correct, William. It took a guy from Pennsylvania to nail that. Are you actually from Pennsylvania or just driving through? Uh, I was born and raised not far from Philadelphia, but I have visited New York City many times. And I, as much as I hate to say this to 80 million people, none of the beaches in New York that I have visited compare to those of our favorite state in between us, which is New Jersey. They're just the best anywhere in this part of the country. Yeah, no, I, I I love a lot of the beaches on the Jersey Shore, but I'm telling you, the biggest disappointment I ever had in my life was to look at the beach in Atlantic Beach. Uh, excuse me, Atlantic City. It is uh, maybe the ugliest beach I have ever seen. Well, it's pretty wide. It's, it used to be, but it's wide, but it's got it, – it just – it doesn't have the feel of a beach, William. It really does. I think – they, they keep it that way because they don't want the degenerate gamblers leaving the craps table, the roulette tables, and then going out and hanging out on the beach. Well, let me ask you this as a native New Yorker. Why is it that the most natural place for the potentially most desired resort in the world, in the world, with casino gambling, is not brought to... Coney Island. No, a little too congested, a little too crowded, although uh, they probably could have one casino there without really killing it. But I think a better place, William, with lots of space, open space, and it's been talked about for years, but the politicians are so greedy, they've got their beak in the trough, would be far rock away. The beaches there are unused. They're pristine. There is so much empty space. Uh, it sort of reminds me of the way Atlantic City looked when it was uh, on the down low, you know, when it was uh, falling apart and then all of a sudden it got a revival. I think you could easily put one casino in Far Rockaway and then you'd have people coming from the south shore of Long Island because they'd be coming in from five towns in Long Beach and all those areas. And people would be coming in from Brooklyn and Queens and you'd have the beautiful beach there and it's not too congested. Uh, but you know something? The politicians have been so corrupt over the years, they've never, never pulled the trigger on that. That's exactly what someone else told me when I asked them 15 years ago. Oh, I had a, I had a long conversation uh, with the former uh, borough president of Queens, Claire Shulman, who was there a long time. She and I got along well. And I remember I was in a Dunkin' Donuts and of all places, Flushing. She, her office was there, but she didn't want to meet me in the office because, you know, you're a Republican. Can't be seen with you. Uh, but she was a good woman and she had these massive plans to develop Far Rockaway and have a casino and hotel there. And she admitted to me, she admitted to me, she goes, the reason this never gets done is that all the political entities, they want to get greased. They want to get a handout. They want to rip off uh, the uh, developers so the developers have other places they're being invited uh, as far away as Macau. So they don't even want to they don't even want to contemplate. They don't even want to contemplate. That's why I asked you, because all of the great international uh, gambling meccas, so to speak, like Macau, look just like Far Rockaway or Coney Island look. They're little spits of land. Um. And, and they seem to be perfect for it. And New York has the best designers, the best architects, 
the best builders, if you know who I mean, I could just never figure out why it doesn't happen there. Right, but uh, unfortunately, William, uh, the most crooked politicians who always want to get greased, uh, not just Democrats, but Republicans, too. Stay on the line, William. Stay on the line. Uh, Avery, we have a winner. Make sure you lock down his information. I don't want to be getting a call from William a month of Sundays from now. Say, hey, where's my booby prize? You promised me. And then Avery's going to tell me like he told me uh 24 hours ago. Well, I don't have those names. <laughs> By the way, if you did win a booby prize in the first hour of our program, Saturday morning, 12 midnight to 1, when we were discussing the potential winners of the Preakness, call in. We'll get you that booby prize. Yeah, we took it out on Avery. He was like, I'm telling you, he was talking to Joyce in Rockland. Joyce, who had been offered to be a stripper at Bubbles in Rockland County and worked the pole, and Avery was all for toots. He had never spoke to a stripper before. This was a could-have-been stripper. And he got engaged in like a 15-minute conversation. He came out. He was schwitzing, not from the weather, but from the conversation, and he missed all the other winners. You know, he was uh, sowing his oats, so to speak. He was having a theater of the mind, fantasizing about Joyce on the pole in Rockland County at Bubbles. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Al in Amityville. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. Yeah, Curtis, how you doing, buddy? Listen, I got two serious things to tell you before you hang up on me. But I was down at Coney Island today, and I see this woman by the water with two bags for laundry. So I go, why are you washing your clothes uh, by the water? She says she's trying to save on detergent. She says she was waiting for the tide to come in. All right, listen, Curtis. Oh, oh God. Serious. Oh, my listen. God. Curtis, listen. Uh, serious. You, you, can't, you can't whip these things up. They're so dumb. Yeah, my jokes are so bad, they're funny. Curtis, on the serious side, though. <laughs> Curtis. Curtis. Yes, yes, on the, Al. Kurt, on the serious side, two yes. things. First of all, let me tell you something. I tell you, it's a, it's a shame uh, Anthony Weiner screwed himself with that, uh, with that, uh, with the porno and all that kind. This guy, I tell you, you listen to him on the radio. I mean, he really, I tell you, you feel confident when you know when he when he's talking about these particular things. He would, I tell you, he would have been a hell of a mayor. He, you know, he seems very. Legit, you know. I mean, if you don't like him, you don't like him. But he, you know, he breaks things down. You don't feel like he's BSing. You know, I, I, I really. And I'm, I'm a conservative. I'm a Trump guy. But he's, I tell you, he just don't come off like a politician unless he's putting the, he's pulling the wolves. No, no, no. Look, uh, he would have been mayor if he hadn't had uh, so many uh, personal uh, problems. He would have been a damn better mayor than Comrade Bill de Blasio, who oh. single-handedly destroyed this city. Without a doubt. He couldn't even fill his shoes. And, Curtis, one more thing, if you don't mind. You know, it just came to me while I was waiting for you to call. There was a movie. I haven't seen this movie on TV in God knows how long. But I tell you, you talk about nostalgia. The movie was called Coney Island. It was made in, like, the early 50s. And it was this little kid, and the mother, it was like a kid 12, and then the kid was like five. The mother told the 12-year-old to watch the five-year-old while she goes to work. 
and they made believe uh, they made uh, they made believe that the kid shot his brother, and they were just doing that. He ran off to Coney Island. Make a long story short, he runs off to Coney Island, and you see him in Coney Island with steeplechase and the water, you know, just the, the 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 concessions under the boardwalk. And, you know, that's my, you know, I'm a baby boomer. So you see the movie and it really touched, it really hits home. It was, it hasn't been on TV in a while. Are you familiar with that movie? Oh, I need a little bit of inspiration right now. See if you can help me, Broadway Bill Lee. Let's see. Yeah, I got my inspiration there, Al. Yeah, connected with my roots. Connected with my roots. It's a hell of a, you know, Curtis, let me tell you, I got Alexa in my house. That, I tell you, that that piece of machine, I don't want to say a name, she'll end up going on. But I tell you, it's a phenomenal piece of equipment. I mean, it does any, you know, just as far as like with music. You, you, you know, the information, it's just an amazing piece of thing. You just got to be careful what you say or how you, what you say to it, you know? Yeah, maybe you could crack your corny jokes to that piece of technology. Al, Al works on these jokes that are so lame. Really, he's like a lounge lizard who never had a laugh in his life. But he keeps trying. You know, fail, fail, fail again, and he believes you keep trying. Eventually, somebody will laugh at those stupid jokes of his. Anyway, let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy's engrossed in a conversation. Hey, Jimmy, what's so important about the conversation you're having there? Yep. That's what happens. You're not going to be fully focused and attentive we're going to drop you like a bad habit. You thought what you had to say was so important, didn't you? Let's go to Cherry calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Cherry. Hi, Cherry. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Uh, unfortunately, I got baby John's speech, but a male castrated horse is called a gelding. Very good. A gelding, that's right. And I know quite a few guys who are geldings. I know quite a few that should be. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they're married. That's part of the process. You get that ring through your nose, and then all of a sudden it's like you look down your trousers, and it's gone. You're a eunuch. It's gone. And then all of a sudden, your old lady is like, you say, God, I, I feel like a gelding. You know, that's uh, really uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope. His wife really wears the pants in that family. He's like a total Maytag to Charlene. But anyway, you couldn't be more hopelessly right, Jerry. Stay on the line, Jerry, and uh, you have earned a courtesy of a booby prize. Uh, make sure Avery nails that. I don't want these uh, disgruntled uh, callers calling back, you know, Frank Morano Monday through Friday from 1 to 5 minutes. He, he screwed me. He didn't send me my booby prize. I don't want to have to blame Avery, but, you know, I'm not going to take the weight. I'll blame Avery. Let's go, if we can, to Roberta in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Roberta. Hey, hey, hey Carter, so I get a booby prize for correcting you that 
Belmont is in Elmont, uh, not Elmore. That's um, a lot of, um, besides the racetrack, a lot of cemeteries there. So, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, it's, so you, it's Elmont, Elmont, not, uh, Elmont. not Garden not City. Elmore. Oh, God. Also, um, not Floral I, I, Park. I may have mentioned yes. they want to have casinos in Times Square. I think it's a good idea. Wait, wait, wait a second. Hold on. You want a casino in Times Square. Already you have to wear a bulletproof body condom to survive just going from one side to the other with all the thugs and thugettes there. You got guys who have these card tables open. They're selling nickel and dime bags. You got trucks. They're selling all kinds of marijuana products. You got gangbangers strolling through there totally strapped. Uh, The cops are doing nothing there because they've been told not to do anything. So you really think that that would be good for casino workers and for people who want to partake in the games like Frank Morano to go in there uh, and get mugged before you even make it, or even if you're lucky enough to win, walk out with your winnings and get mugged by the thugs and thugettes in Times Square? My, my husband once got mugged, and Harris, he, he had, had once a money at the craft table, and, and as he was leaving... He got banged on the head, and, and they stole his money from his wallet. No, no, I, I know, but I have a feeling. I have a feeling the United States Supreme Court is going to pass that right to carry permit. If you have a premises permit, uh, going to be a lot less thugs and thugettes sticking up people because they're not going to know. My God, you think you think that old country has a toolie? Look at it; it's a forty-four Magnum, and he's saying. Make my day. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Little birdies have informed me, they've texted me, that our mayor, Eric Adams, has arrived at the Club Zero Bond, where whatever happens in this private club, stays in that private club. So I anticipate he'll probably be there till about, not the break of dawn, he normally is there till about 3, 3.30, and then he, wherever he goes, apartment 22H in Fort Lee, hell yeah. You don't see him over at Gracie Mansion. Come on. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> then Trump Tower. Yeah, Trump Tower. Uh... The two restaurant brothers that he knows, uh, one who went to prison for extortion, but Eric believes in giving everybody a second chance. They let him lay up in his crib. Their crib, yep, yep. Oh, no, no, no. I, I know, I know, I know where the swagger man goes. 
And it ain't in the subways. And it ain't to Rikers Island, that's for sure, where he needs to go because the rock is ready to explode. First off, um, you got to set your clocks, ladies and gentlemen. You know, my job here is to make sure that you stay awake to the break of dawn and you don't end up snoring on me like Eileen in Queens did. Uh, Chris Libertini, that Weisenheimer, made a promo about it. And it's very embarrassing for any talk show host or hostess to have callers fall asleep on them, cutting uh, logs. Then there was one in Boston. You remember, a guy from Bolivia fell dead asleep on me. He wanted sleeping. Yeah, see? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do I do this to people? Do I put people to sleep? Mm-hmm. Can't do that. So later on, I'm going to give a dissertation on the trouble with sleep aids. Because I realize it's not the content that's putting you to sleep. It's probably the sleep aids that you're taking. All the antihistamines that dry up your nose and then cause you to get drowsy. Or even when you're pumping, the Kennedy's favorite sleep aid, Ambien. Ask Tiger about Ambien. We're gonna we're gonna get you back on track, ladies and gentlemen, because you're not going to sleep on me. No, 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 no. Till the break of dawn, till six o'clock. And this week, uh, for your lunch, your brunch, you have yours truly, Curtis Lee. Uh, in honor of Ed Koch, who used to do a magnificent job after he was mayor, 45 minutes a day here at WABC, Monday through Fridays. He was on at 11 o'clock mid-morning to 11.45, really great show. And then Paul Harvey finished off the hour with 15 great minutes. Uh, at that time, Ed Koch was rated number one. That's right. Had better ratings than the king of talk radio, my mentor, Bob Grant, who was on from 3 to 7. And Rush Limbaugh was on from 12 noon to 3. That's how good it was until a year later he decided to drop Rudy Giuliani like a hot rock and embrace Al Slim Shady Sharp. And then the WABC listeners went click, 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 click. They still had good ratings after that, but he couldn't compete with Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, and uh, Rush Limbaugh. But I need you to be listening this week uh, because I'm going to show you what 45 minutes can be to rock your world. Not going to be taking any phone calls. Going to do a rip and read with commentary and give you more information than you ever thought you could get in your life with some really good riffs. Monday through Friday, 12.15 to 1 in the afternoon, right after the 15-minute commentary of Bill O'Reilly. So let's talk about Eric Adams. I warned you. Uh... Broadway Bill Lee, uh, didn't I warn him uh, for like months that this guy was running for president, right? Said it all the time, openly. When he was in the Democratic primary that was very contested against Maya Wiley, who was the AOC choice, uh, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know, they've uh, done a school book about her. We're going to talk about that later on. But anyway, we're going to talk about so you had Maya Wiley, who had been the uh, consigliere to Bill de Blasio. He dissed her. 
Uh, then you had Kathy Garcia, who was the savior for de Blasio as a sanitation commissioner, and whenever he had a problem, which were many, she was the fixer. He dissed her. And he did everything he could to support Eric Adams behind the scenes because originally the deal was it was a quid pro quo. Eric Adams, who was term limited out, would run for mayor. And there's Charlene McRae, who then just swapped the seat and she would run for Brooklyn Borough president. That was the deal. They had to sit down, a lunch over it. But things got so hot, so heavy for Bill de Blasio that Charlene said, are you crazy? I'm going to be Brooklyn Borough president having to carry your baggage? Forget that. I'll do my own thing. And so it never happened. It never happened. But in that heated primary, Democratic primary, where all the attention was on the Democrats, there were like 13 of them running. Uh, I barely got any attention. Uh, My opponent, Fernando Mateo, barely got any attention. It was all Democrats all the time because they had ranked choice voting. And it made it uh, pretty interesting because they were neck and neck. So Eric Adams had to raise a lot of money because uh, Maya Wiley was uh, right behind him and Kathy Garcia got the New York Times endorsement, which meant everybody in the Upper West Side in Greenwich Village is, oh, Kathy Garcia, oh, she's Joan of Arc. We'll send her our money. And as you know, in the very end, it was very close, but Eric Adams won fair and square. But and his fundraising, which he was uh, like morning, noon, and night fundraising, especially out in the Hamptons, he would tell the people who were donating, and by the way, you know, I have a 10-year plan to become president of the United States. You know, I'll do two terms as mayor, that's eight years, and then I'll prepare for the two years that you need to run for the presidency of the United States. So a lot of people say, oh, yeah, that's good. And they gave him extra scattered figuring, I grease them now, uh, you know, I'll be able to have input and feedback at City Hall, and plus, they'll remember me because I'll grease him when he's running for president. But then all of a sudden, Team Adams began to look at President Joe Biden like all of us did and said, boy, this guy's a dollar short and a day late. He'll be lucky if he makes it through four years without being sent off to a senior citizen long-term housing unit. So now the plan is four years, and he's going to run. And he's telling people, and his aide-de-camps are telling people. Everybody in City Hall is saying, oh, yeah, you'll see. Eric's going to make a make a move for the presidency. And if it's not good enough to be president, uh, he'll be the vice president. But he's already preparing. So they had a political article, uh, which was very meticulous in detail. Everything he and his team are doing to prepare for a run for the presidency and a New York Post article, and then all of a sudden he realized how goofy it looked. I mean, the guy hasn't even made it six months into his mayoralty. We have more violent crime than we ever had under the eight years of Bill de Blasio, and he was supposed to be the law and order guy. Ah! (laughs) And so he put the brakes on it, and so he did an exclusive interview late in the day with the Daily News. Fake news. Fake news. Wait, 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 come on. Come on, Eric. It's not fake. I've been reporting on this for months. For months. And then you may have remembered. Oh, I, I need a little music for this, please. Uh, my astro here. No, 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 no. We played that already. A little more serious tone here. I want you to go to my eclectic musical collection and go to uh, 158. To live and die in L.A. by Wang Chung. <laughs> 
to Live and Die in L.A. by Wang Chung, 158. I need, I need you to uh, play that for me. Because uh, we remember that Eric Adams was out there milking, who should have went to prison uh, for selling uh, junk bonds. Uh, Rudy had busted him. But ended up uh, getting a serious case of prostate cancer and has set up a great foundation. He was having a a um, presentation of uh, heavy hitters. No politicians. The only one invited was Eric Adams. So he flew across the country to L.A. with his campaign money, paying for the trip. And then all of a sudden, remember, he showed up front row at the Hollywood Bowl for Dave Chappelle to win his comedy uh, routine. When that crazy guy, originally from Brooklyn, jumped up on the stage and attacked Jay, Dave Chappelle with what looked like was a gun, but actually it was a shiv in the gun. Luckily, Dave Chappelle didn't get injured, but Dave Chappelle and his homies like beat the living daylights out of him and put boots to the back of his head. He just got indicted the other day, not for the attack on Dave Chappelle, but his roommate in Los Angeles attempted murder. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, hey, Dave Chappelle, that's what happens to little people every day. So he's in there in the front room, and he's uh, doing interviews. You know how Dave is. Really? You know Dave Chappelle? Yeah, you know Dave. You know how Dave is. Yeah, you full of bull. And so he's going to all different kind of parties in Hollywood, the Palisades. I was tracking him like, you know, we had GPS on him. And then all of a sudden, for a few hours... He hadn't surfaced. There was nothing on his schedule. Couldn't get anybody to say what the hell he was up to. He had already announced that he wasn't coming back to New York, that the flight, the red-eye flight was canceled. Well, hey, schmuck cuts. You know, I made that trip many times, the red-eye overnight, and there are multiple red-eye flights. You miss one, you get another. You miss Deltas, you get American. I mean, there's a whole host of red-eye flights. But he claimed... That it was canceled. And then you would have thought the reporters, you know, sophisticated fourth estate reporters of New York, crack journalists that they are, would have said, wait, that doesn't sound right. Let's find out what he was doing. Curtis Lee would said that. Because <laughs> I could smell the scattered money. He went out there, paid for with campaign funds. Okay, he's permitted to do that. But that meant he had to replace that campaign money with more money. That's why he was going out there. So this uh, this idiot posted on his Facebook, Dave Dubinsky, Hey, I hosted a fundraiser for Eric Adams in Beverly Hills because we're helping him run for a second term. So I wrote to the guy, said, idiot. He hasn't even made it through six months of his first term, and we have more violent crime in New York than you even have in L.A. So the guy uh, unfriended me. (laughs) Think I went a little overboard with the guy. You think I was a little harsh? You think I was a little bit too much uh, in his face on his social networking? But what an idiot. What a pisser. What a schmendrick. To put that up there, you know the Eric Adams people had to be going ballistic. Damn it, that's Sliwa. But nobody in the media. No, 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 no. They're on to other things. You know, they're on to other things. Today, Eric Adams promising us that none of us are going to catch monkeypox. 
<laughs> I don't know how he knows that. We're going to discuss that later on. But let's go. Get, 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 continue to give me that. I need the stimulation of Wang Chung. Great song. So by July 4th, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Adams will have served as our man. Swagger man with no plan. Except we now know he does have a plan to run for the presidency. No plan to deal with crime. And public safety and quality of life issues or to get all the office workers back. Only 8% of the offices are occupied in New York City. 8%! I wonder why they're not coming back. You think it's COVID-19? Or do you think it's crime? But anyway. So by July 4th, he will have had six months. And I think uh, that's a fair enough uh, amount of time for him to at least establish himself. Uh, I haven't held my fire since day one. You know, I was like shooting at him to begin with. People say, oh, you're taking it personally. But it's kind of obvious now. The office buildings here in New York, it's a ghost town. They're largely empty. We're like in a donut. Storefronts are closing. You heard uh, uh, earlier today it was... um, it was uh, Anthony Weiner who gave the bad news that his brother, after 17 years as a restaurateur with a very famous restaurant, is closing. Can't make ends meet in New York City. Violent crime is up. And then Eric Adams, he must think we're stupid. Well, he's not the only one. All politicians think that people are stupid. Like you're never going to remember what they said the day before. They count on that. They bank on that. You're all like, all sheep. Stupid, lame, can't think for yourself, and that you'll buy whatever pablum they feed you. So, you know, I watch uh, Channel 5 in the mornings. I used to be on in the mornings there on Channel 5. No more. But he was on Thursday morning, and he said, I have never witnessed crime at this level. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You were a cop back in the 70s and 80s. There were abandoned buildings, gangs all over. 2,000 murders a year under your mentor, David Dinkins. 5,000 unsolved shootings. And you had the chutzpah, the huevos, the culiones to say, I have never witnessed crime at this level. And you know what the, uh, the question in the answer, the inquisitor said, oh, really? You would have thought they would have slammed him like I would have said, like, really, Eric? Have you been sampling the product up there at Club Zero Bond? Because I realize it's decriminalized. But you're not going to try to sell us that it's more violent now than it was during crack? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now he's got another problem. 4,000 members of the NYPD were slated by June 1st to be fired because they refused to take the vaccine. They were sent letters by the uh, the uh, the resource division of the NYPD, one police plaza, informing them that prepare for a new career because you got one last chance to get vaxxed by June 1st or you're out on your tuchus. And then all of a sudden, Eric Adams, tough guy, you know, when it came to health care workers and firefighters and sanitation man uh, who wouldn't give an inch and said, no, you don't get that vaccine. You're fired. I don't care that you can't get unemployment. I don't care 
that you might lose your houses. I don't care that in the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020, we came out at night and we applauded all of you who crawled into the belly of the beast. But if you're not going to get that shot, tough noogies. Then all of a sudden it dawned on him. What the How the hell are we going to get through this summer with 4,000 less cops? Crime is already off the hook. So all of a sudden, he's had amnesia, an etch-a-sketch. What? Did I say I was going to fire civil servants? Cops who haven't been vaccinated? Did I say that? Yes, you did. Thankfully, he's not. But maybe, just maybe, as he pauses now and recognizes how crazy that would be, he says, you know, we fired a hell of a lot of good civil servants, firefighters, especially health workers, sanitation workers, others who just for a variety of reasons, religious, um, medical, and most importantly, they didn't trust the government. Wow, shocking. They didn't trust the government. I don't trust the government. I don't care if it's Republicans or Democrats. But that's it. They were fired. That's it. No unemployment. Many of them have lost their homes, lost their condos. They don't even have money to move. Maybe now, maybe if Eric Adams has any passion, compassion, empathy, he realizes, God, I can't fire 4,000 cops. The criminals will really run the city in the subways and the parks and the streets. So maybe I should just bring everybody back. Wouldn't that be great if he did that? These heroes that we applauded in the aftermath of the crackdown and the lockdown of March 2020 when they crawled into the belly of the beast and many of them were seriously made ill, family members made ill because they brought the virus home, and some of them who also perished in the ICUs and the ERs. The mayor uh, had a gift from... uh, Joe Biden, the president, as you know, as most cities did, that stimulus money. That's why he said, hey, Eric Adams said, hey, I'm uh, I'm uh, Brooklyn. I'm uh, the Biden of Brooklyn. And that's helped us in this budget, a $100 billion budget. That's the same mess, same fiscal disaster that Bill de Blasio left us with. And look, Eric Adams and uh, the city will survive for a year. But next year, there's no more stimulus dollars. You're going to have to cut at least $20 billion from that budget. And you know what that's going to mean? We're going back to the days of Ed Koch in the beginning when he inherited the city from A. Beam. And there was a fiscal control board put together with Felix Roatan, the bankers, and Victor Gottbaum, the union leaders. They pooled their resources and saved the city. But... Ed Koch was under fiscal restraint. He had to lay off 9,000 civil servants, cops, firefighters, teachers, social workers, sanitation workers. The city was a mess. One of the reasons I started the Guardian Angels in 1979, there were no transit cops at night because they were laid off. We're moving in that direction. And what is Eric Adams thinking about running for president of the United States? And this all came about because um, he was at an uh, educational forum last week. And he said, you know, I discovered I was dyslexic in college. And I might already be in the White House if I didn't have dyslexia. You wouldn't be calling me Mayor Adams. You'd be calling me Mr. President. And he was serious. 
as a heart attack. You think maybe he learned from de Blasio, who ran, remember, in his second term, disappeared for four and a half uh, months, uh, was out there like Don Quixote, trying to get corn stalks to vote for him in Iowa, where there are more pigs than people, at fish fries in South Carolina, out there at the casinos in Vegas, trying to get people to vote for him. Nobody did. Nobody was foolish. He crashed and burned. And he was a laughing stock. So you think maybe, Eric, you know, you do the job as mayor and you'll be able to run for president. Uh, common sense. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So the news story of the day, even though he is in uh, massive denial and his staff in massive denial because they recognize the cat is <laughs> out of the bag. The same cat that I've been telling you about, and many of you said, come on, Curtis, you're just angry. You're just making this stuff up. No. He is running for the presidency of the United States. And don't feed his ego so big he needs a crane to get himself in and out of a room. And don't feed the beast. Let's make sure he does the job that he promised to do. Because I want to see him do a good job and save our city right now. Our city is a hot mess. Our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Joe in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, Curtis. Uh, you were talking last weekend about uh, CU Hospital uh, in Staten Island, and um, I'm sure you remember decades ago, back in the early '80s, how crazy it was back then. And uh, me and my friends would be going to, um, you know, the Black Order on uh, Amboy Road, you know, in Staten Island. We'd be taking a ride across, and then we'd stop at that hospital, and it was abandoned. It was closed up. Now, the whole thing is that there were devil worshippers hung out there back then, back in 1980, 81, 82. What do you know about when you were working, I mean, basically, in because uh, some people that lived in that neighborhood back then as well, they said, these guys are lucky you didn't get in trouble over there, but the whole thing is that, it was very scary. It was very, it was, it was off the side of the road. It was a softball field across the street. And we were driving there. There was like several buildings in the windows. It was like, it was, it was like really something out of a horror movie. What would you, what, what are your recollections about that back then? Well, I remember that per capita, per person, uh, Staten Island had more than its fair share of those kind of facilities. We all remember the horror house at Willowbrook in Mid-Island. Oh, my God. Those images that Geraldo Rivera was able to convey to the world of how we were treating people who were housed there so inhumanely. Incredible. Uh, I didn't have as many experiences at the psychiatric facility there at Seaview Hospital. Uh, But I I believe what you're saying because I've been in enough abandoned facilities. There's There's one way up. I'm trying to figure out where that is. <laughs> it was the one by Father Capadonna Bill, uh, Boulevard. And then there was the one way up on the hill as you're sort of coming out of the North Shore, going to Mid-Island. And it looked like uh, the Munsters. It looked like the Adams family. You know you know which facility I'm talking about there? I, 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 I think I do. But the whole thing is that uh, what happened one time is that one, uh, one thing Saturday morning we were driving in. And um, we parked the cars. It was about ten of us. We walked in there, and the whole thing is that from the top, 
ran about the three flights up, was waving us up and opening his feet, ran into a, a, a table with a, 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 like a sketching of a body with an ex knitted heart. And I, I, I never talked to someone at work. This is years, back in 1982, 83. And the whole thing is that they said, well, you're lucky to come after because the whole thing is that they had devil worship that building. And the whole thing is that there's about four or five buildings in the Staten Island morgue was right down the road because we, 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 we ran. And also, I, I remember seeing the, the lights down the, down, down the hill, and we saw hearses parked out there, and that's where the morgue was parked. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's like the whole thing is that what happened was just like, uh, like I said, it's just like it was surreal, but the whole thing, I guess because, uh, you know, you just wanted to thrill of it all. But, I mean, this place was scary as hell, and uh, I know it's been torn down many years later, but I just wanted to see brought up last week. We were talking about Seaview. And I just that that's one thing that always stays in my mind because yeah, well, I, I I remember too specifically there was Seaview as a children's hospital. They had a lot of tunnels there because, as you had described, it was so old. And then there was the Merchant Mariners Hospital that was on Bay Street. It is now a psychiatric facility for the state, although it almost seems like a haunted house there on Bay Street. I remember going there with my father when he used to get uh, uh, physical uh, therapy, as many other Merchant Mariners did. Uh, It was ironic because that was a place long before the Merchant Mariners uh, were able to get their health care there that they would bring uh, people who were coming into the country. If they didn't pass mustard at Ellis Island, if they had like a cough or they had anything physically that was wrong, before they would ship them back to their country of origin, they would keep them in that hospital on Bay Street. And then one time, a flu broke out. Not monkeypox, not COVID-19, not corona, some other kind of a flu-like symptom. People were dying in the South Shore because they were downwind. And they were getting so upset, they showed up with pitchforks. And they burnt the hospital down, right to the ground, Joe. Yeah, but you're not Curtis, when we walk into these hospital wards, I'm talking about the ceilings like 40 feet high, big windows. You see uh, wooden wheelchairs, and it was just like walking into like it was almost like walking into a tuberculosis uh, type of situation there. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I remember that up the Winding Hill, Seaview Hospital. I know it used to house uh, children. There were tunnels there. Boy, these were huge institutions back then. And Staten Island had too many per capita per person. Too many. Way too many. Just think of Willowbrook, the psychiatric facility there near Father Capadonna Boulevard, not far from uh, New Dorp High School, where all the wild turkeys are now. I've described that before. Driving down there, and the turkeys are in the tree. Wild turkeys. More wild turkeys than people. You know, gobble, gobble, gobble. And they come at you. They're like, yeah, you want to throw down? Yeah, you think you're tough, Curtis? Uh, we'll throw down with you. They're like seven or eight of them surrounding me. And they want my bird seed, you know, for the pigeons. And I look at the pigeons and I say, sorry, man, I got to give them the bird seed. They're not, they're not letting me go down Father Capadonna Boulevard or Highland Boulevard or Seaview. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight, 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. 
tell you, in preparing for the campaign, I believe that Eric Adams listened to this song, Morning, Noon, and Night, because he would be showing those pearly whites always with that smile, that Eric Adams smile. And you know, I feel right now, Broadway Bill Lee and Avery, I feel like... uh, I could be doing the quiet storm there at WBLS, inner city broadcasting. Got to ask Dominic Carter because that's where he busted his shoes in radio broadcasting. The WBLS, Percy Sutton. I could easily be the modern day white Frankie Crocker. What happened to that song? Oh, this is such a good song. Oh, oh. Imagine if I wasn't doing the other, other side of midnight right now. I could be at WBLS. All right, maybe Frankie Crocker is a little beyond my ability. I remember when Frankie Crocker came from Buffalo. Yeah, Rick James, the Mary Jane Girls, Buffalo, right? It reminded me of a horrible shooting, but said to myself, that's right. Frankie Crocker came out of Buffalo. What a set of pipes. The Quiet Storm. Who else has done The Quiet Storm, ladies and gentlemen? I've heard uh, Vaughn Harper. What a set of pipes. Ron Harper. Lenny Green. I love that show. And these songs. What is this song, ladies and gentlemen, for Curtis Lee Booby Prize, one of my all-time favorites? Two sirens, two songstresses, side by side. Boy, when you hear this jam, you don't want to yell at anybody. You don't want to get mad at anybody. You just have that urge to merge. Who knows? Curtis Lee were doing the... Hey, look, most people named Curtis a black, right? African-Americans. Curtis Lee were doing the quiet storm. And in his city broadcast, WBLS. Oh, yeah. It's one of my all time favorite songs. You imagine? I said, White Boy, what do you know about R&B? I said, What do I know about R&B? I was weaned on WWRL. That was my station playing the jams back on Orchard Beach. So what was I saying? You weren't hanging with the brothers, were you? Well, the brothers didn't want me hanging with them, and the Supreme Cuisines didn't want me hanging with them, and the Puerto Ricanos, they didn't want me hanging with them, but the Nebishi, Schlubby, Pisher, little Jewish guys... Could you please hang with us and protect us, Curtis? Oh, what a great song. 1-800-848-9222. Who are the two sirens? Who are the two songstresses singing? One of the most incredible songs that I've ever heard. And I must have played that jam hundreds. And I think wore out the vinyl. Hey, yeah, 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 you both snurdly. You tell me, you got better musical selections than yours truly, Curtis Lewa? The other day when he said, oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire was better than Sly and the Family Stone? Ixnay on that. And then, oh, yeah, Dominic Carter. Oh, God. 
He decides to sing on the air. The guy has no pipes. He needs to save it for the shower stall. And Frank Morano's song selection? Rudy Valley, brother, can you spare a dime? Oh, nowadays with this inflation, you need it. Al Jolson? Are you kidding? Where are you going to get music like this? Curtis Sliwa on the Quiet Storm. Inner City Broadcasting. In honor of Percy Sutton. WPLS. FM. FM stands for Freaking Morons, Feeble-Minded, Fornicating Manly, Free Marijuana, and Frank Morano. I don't think they'd let me say that there, right? No, no, no. That would be it. Hey, white boy. Out you go. Then I'd have to be uh, talking to the pigeons in the park. You know, broadcasting to all of them in a Dixie cup. With no connection to anything except a hundred hungry, hungry pigeons looking at me saying, This guy is Mashug. He's Ubats. He's Titch. Just give us the bird seed, please. Anyway, uh, our number is 1 800 848 That's 1 800 848 WABC. You gotta guess who this siren and songstress, this dynamic duo is. Probably not. I have a feeling a lot of our listeners uh, not listening to the quiet storm. Of course not, because they're listening to Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5. And then yours truly, Saturday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning to Sunday, 12 in the morning. Let me hear, let me hear that, oh, that crescendo, that crescendo. Oh, 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 so good. You know Eric Adams ain't jamming out to this now, right? Oh, see, he's smiling. See? Yeah, he smiles. When the mayor has swagger, the city has swagger. We've allowed people to beat us down so much. That's Eric Adams. Big smile, pearly whites. He's the swagger man with no plan to deal with crime, but... He's got a plan to run for president. So good. You know, I should just, I should leave now and just keep listening to this, right? Hey, some of you would like that. No chance. Anyway, let's go to uh, Maxine, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maxine. Uh, Good morning, Curtis. I wanted to say that the name of that film um, the man who called in was talking about this film taking place in Coney Island. It was made in 1953, and it was called The Little Fugitive. Hmm. So it's like an indie film, and uh, they used all uh, non-actors in leading roles. One of the directors, because there were three directors, but one of the directors was Ruth Orkin, very famous photographer, wonderful um photographer who shot in, in black and white and did a lot of photos around New York City. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention about Willowbrook, I went there on a college uh, trip and it was intense. We went down to what I call the catacombs where there were people laying on the floor on very paper thin mattresses. It was like being thrown back into the 14th century. It was just unbelievable, even way beyond what um, 
oh, I can't think of his name right now, who covered and brought to the light what was going on, uh, Geraldo Rivera. Oh, he did a great job. What was going on there. He did a great job. And you're right. It was like unimaginable that we could be so inhumane. It was a state-run facility. Robert Kennedy, when he was U.S. Senator for New York, uh, went there and said, you've got to shut it down. The state swore up and down that they would make changes, you know, that they would improve the conditions. It got worse. And you say to yourself, how could you allow that, that Dante's Inferno, dozens and dozens of adults and children who just wallowed in their feces and their urine and they were banging their heads against the wall with no protection and no supervision and no nurses and the the inhumanity of it all. And you know, you know, you know, Maxine, who said during the campaign they should have never closed Willowbrook. Who? Eric Adams. Oh, God. Yep. Oh. It was with. And he uh, wants to run for president. Yep. He wants to run for president. Let him take care of the city here first. Yeah, well, Maxine, I, I will tell you this. He probably didn't have the experiences that you had, that I had. Uh, uh, he was sitting there with Al Slim Shady Sharpton, who was on Coffee Joe with Mika on MSNBC. And I think even Al Sharpton was shocked. He said, oh, they should have never closed Willowbrook. And I said to myself, are you crazy? So I went out there to Willowbrook, which is now the university out there. And I did a press conference. And how many uh, media do you think showed up for that, Maxine? Not much. Two. Two outlets. I mean, that's a major thing for him to say uh, yeah. they should have kept Willowbrook open. Now, look, we all make mistakes. We all say things we regret. But he never took that back. He never said, you know, uh, you know, Curtis was right. You know, I was wrong on that. Uh, I, I, I really, it needed to be shut down. It was a horror house. Oh, that you know, some people their their ideology will trump any other connection with anything else. And to me, him making a statement like that was pure ignorance. Yeah, but pure again, Maxine, we all make mistakes. Once you realize yes. it. Are you man or woman enough then to come out and correct it and saying, you know, on this one I was wrong. A lot of people right. have contacted me and let me know that I, 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 I just didn't have the information that I needed because – and I've been to so many of them. Pilgrim State out in uh, Central Islip in Brentwood in Long Island, uh, which are now closed, thank God. Greystone uh, over in Jersey. My guy looked like Shawshank Redemption. It was like a horror house. Uh, so many of these facilities. And, you know, you notice we have psychiatric facilities now that uh, have maybe 30 percent of its capacity full, is like 70 percent over. You never see reporters go in there and do an expose like Geraldo Rivera did because he had exactly. he had to go over the fence. He had to sneak in there. He had to break the rule. I'm saying to myself, how come reporters aren't doing that? I've done it. I've done right. it. They need That's to do right. it and expose what goes on in these psychiatric facilities to the world, Maxine. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I wish that Eric Adams would be a person enough to say, you know what? I was wrong in what I said. Right? But, yeah, but, you know, politicians, uh, and this includes Democrats and Republicans, they never admit they're wrong. God forbid they admit they're wrong. It's somehow going to take away from them. 
Oh, God, that was such a serious conversation. The horrors of Willowbrook, it's still running through my mind. You know what I need, uh, uh, Broadway, Billy? I need that Coney Island song again. I need to revive myself because that's what Maxine was speaking about at first, the movie that was made in 1953 about Coney Island. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. You're my Coney Island, baby. Unfortunately, I hung out more at Rockaway Playland than I did at Coney Island. <laughs> I don't look, I was in Coney Island, too, with my Supreme Cuisine cousins, troublemakers. What we did under the boardwalk, oh, what a bunch of jadrules those cousins were. Joey G, the Cheech from Howard Beach, Lenny Beans, Beyond Gino, I go through, right through uh, Lenny, Cousin Lenny. Cousin Leonard, oh, God, don't get me started. But they tried to get me involved with. Thank God uh, I was raised good by my mother, Francesca, and my father, Chester. Thank God what they tried to lure me into. The Venus flytrap. No way. Anyway, let's go to Jacqueline in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jacqueline. Good morning, Curtis. I have a question for you, and I hope you'll give me some sort of an answer or an explanation, because my mind is really boggled. I don't understand. How is it that when you were campaigning in many of the areas throughout the boroughs that have been plagued over the past two years by violent crime, murder, muggings, robberies, uh, innocent children, the elderly, hardworking people have been killed, gang violence, mm-hmm. gang shootings. How did the, the communities not rally around in support of you when for decades you and your guardian angels have been supporting the police in those areas when the dope from Park Slope, as you so appropriately refer to him as, turned his back not only on the police but on those very communities as well? Well, and, and after you answer that, I have a second part to that same question. There is one community in particular I can't express to you how disappointed I am and how badly I was beaten by Eric Adams in a community that I invested so much time in my life. I went to elementary school there in St. Matthews on Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue. I went to Brooklyn Prep, the Jesuit High School on Nostrand Avenue off President and Sterling. Uh, I had dealt with the Lubavitcher community for many, many years when they were under attack, uh, when it was uh, almost rivaled, a pogrom. And there will be people tomorrow when I'm marching with the Guardian Angels in the annual Support the Israel Day Parade who remember that. We were the only ones who came to the aid of the Lubavitchers for 30 days and 30 nights on Kingston and President. We were there round the clock. And I would have thought that I would have gotten a fair share of the votes and I had to sit down with their mockers uh, and their their shot callers. And they said, Curtis, you know, we're giving our support to Eric Adams. We made a deal with him. 
Oh, so you made a deal. It's like, where was Eric Adams when you were getting attacked? Your own Jews didn't come to defend you. Oh, I got all hot and heavy, Jacqueline. It's a, don't, don't get offended, Curtis. This is just, this is just business. I said, oh, it's monkey business. That's what it, no, it has nothing to do with monkeypox. We're going to be talking about that coming up. But that probably was the most disappointing, Jacqueline. I lost it overwhelmingly, the Lubavitcher vote, but I won in Borough Park. I won in Midwood. I won in Flatbush, a predominantly Orthodox vote, Brighton Beach. But people say to me, how did you get killed in Crown Heights? You were the only one there when nobody came for them. That is a shunda. <sighs> well, I know you say you lost fair and square. Personally, I'm not so sure about that. Well, that's what my but... wife says, too, because every time we're walking in, she oh, I voted for you, I voted for you. I said, but Nancy... So few people voted. Only one out of every five registered voter in New York City voted. And that included a lot of Democrats because there's a preponderance of Democrats who didn't even come out to vote for Eric Adams. Well, the other thing I don't understand, how was it that he was even permitted to run when for years his tax returns have shown that he's a New Jersey resident? And how did he even how was he even eligible to be Brooklyn Borough president before that? Jacqueline, his mentor. Remember uh, in the campaign, he said his mentor was David Dinkins, who had become the first African-American president. When David Dinkins uh, was running for office, he had run for Manhattan Borough president twice and beat Andrew Stein. He was the city clerk. He hadn't filed. He hadn't paid taxes in four years, Jacqueline. He hadn't filed. He hadn't paid taxes in four years. And he went on to become mayor of the city of New York. That tells it. That tells you all. So yeah, he's had problems with his taxes. There's no doubt. There's uh, there's some uh, crazy uh, technology going on that he won't release his tax forms. We know he's not a wealthy man, Jacqueline. We're not talking like a Michael Bloomberg. I mean, he may have some wealth, uh, but there's something that is wrong in the way he's filed. Remember, he he blamed his uh, tax accountant, who he said was living in a homeless shelter. I hope that person didn't become budget director for the city of New York because he had him file his taxes a second time and it was messed up. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. How, do you, how, do you, how are you able to run for the mayoralty when you're living in Fort Lee in apartment 22H? Uh, and the media did not nail him on that. They did not nail him on that. But it's old news. It's old news, yeah, Jacqueline. We got to move on. Do you think you might run again? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I do know that uh, when I was uh, – in uh, Whitestone, and uh, uh, I was over in uh, College Point the other day. I was in Flushing, a major, major Latino police conference. They gave me an award in the Guardian Angels in Flushing uh, just last night. And people were handing out buttons and bumper stickers that said, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. Mm. So let's, uh, let's have it play out. Let's hope, Jacqueline, that, in fact, he's able to turn the city around. He's off to a very bad start. Uh, but I think by uh, July 4th, he's got to have done something to turn this crime around. I'm even more concerned about Rikers Island because I've been locked up on Rikers Island. All of these uh, electeds, appointed officials, Democrats and Republicans, they haven't been to Rikers Island. They have no idea. You know, they go out there, the inmates act up because they want to act crazy. You know, like it's one flew over the cuckoo says, I will kill you. And then, oh, don't, don't, don't kill me, please. But I'll do anything you say. And then they give them uh, 
defecation education. Pow! Right? Oh, my God. I need to be tested. I may have Ebola, flesh-eating virus. Oh, monkeypox. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that coming up. Eric Adams assures us, oh, there won't be any monkeypox in our city. Ha-ha! <laughs> that says to me, we better hunk it down. Do you even know what the hell monkeypox is? Is it like chicken pox? Remember when we went to chicken pox parties to get chicken pox to build up immunity? We didn't have smallpox parties, that's for sure. Because <laughs> we would have been in a grave six feet under in a pine box. I think about 300 million people have died from smallpox since 1900. 300 million we got to find out more about this monkeypox. Uh, could be some you know, monkey business. I don't, yeah, 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 yeah. It does involve monkey business. You ah! can act like a man. What's the matter with you? Yeah. Apparently, uh, some guys have had the urge to merge with one another. I don't know. They're bisexual, homosexual. I don't know what the hell's going on. But here we go. <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? It's all right. Look, you didn't know. Uh, who the hell knew about monkeypox? Hey, look, Eric Adams assures us. No problem. We got the best health department in the world. Really? I don't think so. Maybe we'll get Dr. Fauci to comment on it, right? Dr. Fauci. No worries whatsoever. Do you know that you have to wear masks with monkeypox? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Not again. I think it's monkey business. I really do. Just don't have sex, okay? We don't have to worry about it. I'll go into it in great detail. I I, I promise you I will. Uh, let's go, if we can, to T calling from Newark. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC-T. Uh, yeah, uh, Curtis, the artist is Renee and Angela, and uh, don't send me no belly button lint. Oh, that yeah, oh, you nailed it. That my <laughs> my favorite now, song. Now, Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. Let me ask you a question. So I called you last week, and I did my poem, "A Killer." <clears throat> it was in response to the you know the the racist shooting and and all of that there, and, and I was calling this time to see if anybody liked the poem because the poem was very uh, in-depth and it spoke a lot to the gun violence that's happening all over the country. And and I was trying to see if it was on your podcast. Let me tell you something. Of course it is. Every word that drips from my lips, that drips from you callers' lips because we don't have guests are ingrained in those podcasts that you can find at wabcradio.com. But you have struck a chord with me, T. You knew, as the host of The Quiet Storm here, that I was spinning that stack of wax in honor of Eric Adams, who has that big smile all the time. He's got a great smile, the pearly whites, but... It just struck me that it was Renee and Angela, as you said. What a great song. Am I right, T? Am I right? No, absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm probably one who could say that what that song probably has caused a, a, a lot of births in, in, in the black community. 
and and uh, so yeah, that song is always going to be a your smile. It's a it's an awesome song. The singers Renee and Angela were phenomenal, and they they made some other music as well that that is very classy. And, and so I really appreciate you playing that because that's one of my favorite songs. Your smile. Let me tell you something, T. I think I'm going to have to convince our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who has said that he's interested in having a music station. He hinted at that. That I think I'm going to say to him, John, I know you think I already do too much radio. A lot of people do. I'm not a thoroughbred. I'm a Clydesdale. You don't fill up my lineup card. I end up doing something else. But if he does, Buy a station specifically for music. I'm going to say, John, I want to do the white quiet storm. Curtis Lee was style. The Caucasian persuasion. The snow bro. I want to compete against WBLS. Against the spirit of Frankie Crocker. Vaughn Harper. Lenny Green. I could take it to them. I could take it to them. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Here we come. Walk down the street. Yet funniest works from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And people say we monkey around. We're too busy singing. What happened? What happened? Hey, requeue it up. Requeue it up. Hold on a second. While you're doing that, don't play it yet. Don't play it yet. Let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, Chris. Hey, uh, do you remember around, like, 1995 when um, I started working at the Brooklyn Pier? And um, it was when Giuliani got elected. And remember that fire over in the post market? Oh, you mean uh, near the South Street Seaport next to the um, fish market? Yeah, and I heard the sprinkler, the, the chain for uh, the sprinkler of the chain truck. Yeah, well, the uh, actually at that particular point, uh, Rudy Giuliani was going to come in with his guys and take it over from uh, Vinny, the Chin Giganti and the Genovese crime family. So the Chin and his... Uh, Guys, Benny Eggs Mangano, they tried to burn it down. And then Rudy rolled in with his guys, his deputy mayors, the police, shotguns in hand, and took over the fish market, which eventually was transported up to Hunts Point. Did, oh, did they ever find out who was responsible for that? Uh, there was no doubt. The Genovese guys torched it. Uh, but uh, all Rudy did was he said, if anybody here has a license to sell fish, 
uh, and you are affiliated with organized crime or you have family members with organized crime, you're no longer going to have that license as we move you up to Huntsboy. He did the same thing in private sanitation uh, construction. He cracked down big time. Hey, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, too, uh, where did you learn how to fight? Uh, in the streets, uh, you know, I had martial arts training. I started with judo at a young age. Uh, I remember uh, leaving Canarsie and taking the L train, the lousy line, and then switching uh, on the Hamburg line, the M train, over to Fresh Pond Road. I think I was in, like, second grade. I used to ride the trains myself. A lot of people did, and I took judo lessons and then eventually karate lessons, but no matter how much uh, you take in martial arts lessons, it's really how are you going to fight once you've been knocked out, once uh, somebody's hit you in the head with a bat, once you're stung God, once you're all of a sudden wobbly or you're on the ground. And the only way you ever prepare for that, you can't do that in a gym, you can't do that in a dojo, uh, you, have to, you have to catch a few beatdowns. Uh, in order to give a beatdown, you had to have caught a few beatdowns, and I certainly had my fair share. And that's what toughened me up, Mike. You was a tough How many times you got knocked out? I, I don't have enough uh, toes uh, and uh, fingers because there's, there's something called a standing knockout where you're on your feet, but you're knocked out. I mean, I've been hit sometimes, sometimes by a fist, sometimes by other objects, where I could feel my brain mass crash into my cranium. And I'm, like, knocked out, but still your body moves around. It's like a chicken, you know, when you, you cut its head off and it's still moving around. The body somehow continues to function, your survival mechanism. But I could say at least half a dozen times um, I would have been given a standing count uh, because I was knocked out while I was standing, but somehow was able to keep my wits about me. Wow. Yeah, but well, look. I, 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 I told you stand up. That, that, well, Mike, what happens, and people don't realize this, when guys are trying to get you, they're not confronting you face-to-face. That occasionally does happen. But oftentimes, they're what I call, they jap you. You don't see where they're coming from. They come from behind. They jump out of a car. They're swinging oh, yeah. bats at you, sticks, pipes. You're knocked on the ground. They're giving you a beatdown. And now you got to somehow roll out of that. You can't get up and start fighting them because you'll be dead. You'll be a vegetable. you got to run like there's no tomorrow. Hopefully you caught a look of one of them or you hear about them. And what I would do is I would figure out who they were and where they lived because obviously when they were hanging out with their crew, you had no shot at getting them. And I would hang out in their driveway or hang out in the bushes, and they'd always come back half in the bag drunk. And the next thing they knew, they were missing their full front teeth, and they had no idea who did it. <laughs> the worst thing, <clears throat> I almost got mugged walking out of one of them. Uh, I was on Houston Street walking out of one of the, uh, you know, constructed covered, the sidewalk covered. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they were, they were waiting there, you know. Oh, and, yeah. You know, we, were just, we were just come from a restaurant feeling good, you know, had a few drinks, and one jumped out, you know, grabbed my jacket, and I was like, well, I tried to whip around his weasel. And then another one came, like, right in, you know, the setup. Yeah, I was dealing with my youngest son. Uh, he uh, had a situation where he got rummed up a bit. And I said, no, nah, I can't. I can't teach him what I would do. It's a different world. <laughs> he, 
Oh, that's right. Nobody goes to jail now for anything. You almost you got to kill somebody twice before you even get locked up. But I realized the way I grew up with a lot of street smart is not the way my three sons uh, are going to be able to grow up. Hopefully they can defend themselves if they're preyed upon or if they're able to come to the aid of somebody who is being preyed upon. But I recognize what I went through is not anything they're going to go through, and I certainly shouldn't be encouraging that. Their mothers would not at all appreciate that. Although if I had it my way, <laughs> I'd take them in the middle of the toughest neighborhood, leave them there, say, okay, try to find your way to the subway. Naturally, I would watch them at a distance, but it would toughen them up because they'd start crying. They'd have a breakdown. They'd have an X-lax attack. Hey, it's what happens. But then you realize how really stupid that was because most people in those neighborhoods you shouldn't be afraid of. They will come out. They will help you. uh, They will assist you. They will be concerned about you. uh, And then all of a sudden you realize people are people. It doesn't matter where they are. You just got to know how to avoid the bad people. And feet don't fail me now. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now, let's see. If, uh, we gotten back on track here because, oh, you know, what happened? Man? They sabotage. It is, this is definitely Frank Morano telling you. Sabotage. Cut it short. It's probably his board operator, Matt, you know, and Alex and that Felipe or whoever that guy is. He's got a crew of like six. We have two. It's Avery, uh, our phone screener and overnight producer, and actually you, uh, Broadway Billy. Uh, so we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen without the music. Oh, he's working on it. So that means that'll take him a month of Sundays. You know, by the time the program is over at the break of dawn at six, Avery will have it fixed up. Uh, but anyway. Tell him he doesn't have to. He don't have to worry about the song. Let it go. Let it go. I, I can I can deal without that song. Let's talk about this monkeypox because it is the rage of the news, and I don't think you knew anything about it. I certainly didn't. Our mayor decided to weigh in on it right away, Eric Adams, and I'm saying, how could you be so sure that people are not going to get monkeypox in our city, especially from some of the things that I've read? In fact, let's open up the phones uh, to anyone out there who uh, seems to know what monkeypox is, how it's created, and why it seems to be spreading from Africa to Europe and now to North America, to Canada and the United States. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So when I first heard about this monkeypox, because it was headlining the news, I immediately said to myself, oh, hopefully this is not smallpox because, boy, that's contagious. It's a virus in which you get a fever and a rash. It's person-to-person contact. Uh, Was eliminated, yes, because we had a vaccine. But that threatens your life, smallpox. In fact, from 1900, 300 million people were killed because they... They were killed by smallpox. They just could not survive that. And I think by 1980, almost all vestiges of smallpox were gone because of global vaccination. Now, the other pox that I am much, much more familiar with, and I think many of you are, is chickenpox. 
Because so many of us had it when we were kids. You know, with the rash, the blisters. And it, too, had a vaccine and eventually was eliminated. I think it was, like, by 1970, 72, uh, the vaccine had pretty much stopped uh, chickenpox. But I notice it's beginning to creep back more and more. And we had chickenpox parties. Chickenpox parties. And if I remember correctly, and again, I need a little help on this, ladies and gentlemen. That's why it's so important that we have callers chime in, not so-called experts or people who think are self-appointed experts. So I'm pretty sure I remember from the smallpox vaccine that it would leave a bump, like a scar on your, uh, your, uh, below your shoulder. And that was a way of preventing you from getting smallpox. But it was almost like it was burnt into your arm there. If I am incorrect, uh, please give me some constructive criticism and correct me on that. I always felt chicken pox was like a Siamese twin to measles at the time, even though I realized measles uh, could be a lot more serious than chicken pox. I wonder if any of you ever actually had a chicken pox party for your children or grandchildren uh, or were involved yourself in growing up probably as baby boomers uh, being exposed to chicken pox because you were being brought by your parents or your family members to get chicken pox so that you could develop an immunity against further problems with chicken pox. And I wonder if any of that has to do with monkeypox, although I happen to feel that monkeypox would suggest that you get it because you're involved in monkey business. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to John in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, John. Hey, Curtis. Um, all I know about monkeypox is that it can only be spread through um, fluids like uh, like saliva or like uh, other bodily fluids, blood, whatever. And uh, I know it came from it came from rodents, I think, and um, monkeys in Africa, if I remember correctly, but. That's all I could tell you about monkeypox. All right. Well, that's helpful. Uh, you know, obviously, um, I was not at all assured by our mayor, Eric Adams, that people are not going to get this because my initial inclination, once I heard more about it, uh, John, as you mentioned, it comes from uh, close contact and exchange of bodily fluids. So here we go again. Unprotected sex probably is uh, part of it. Or maybe sharing items, you know, the same clothes or you're sleeping in the same bed. Uh, again, I'm not as familiar as I should be. But uh, anytime you can get any kind of a malady, a disease, a virus through sex, we know that people are not going to give up having sex. We know that. Right, John? <laughs> I will never. Right. People are going to have sex. They're going to get letters from the Department of Health that suggests that uh, they be subject to tracing, which means that you have to try to be honest and let the Department of Health know everybody that you've had uh, sexual contact with so that they can inform those people that you have been diagnosed, I would think, with monkeypox. I think eventually it's going to come to that. Uh, but let me get uh, let me do a deep dive into that right now. You've been very helpful in getting us jump-started, John. One more thing, Curtis. 
isn't it kind of um I think it's strange timing that uh, monkeypox is coming out now, so close to the midterms. Might have to do some uh, mail-in voting. Huh. Well, I would say, unlike uh, coronavirus and its variants now, COVID-19, I don't think that's going to be a problem, John. I don't think that's going to be a problem, I think it has to do more with sexual transmission. So let me see if I can put this in perspective. We know it's coming out of Africa, its place of origin, two places, the Congo, where it seems everything comes out of Congo, wealth, riches, gold, emeralds, all the things we use now to make batteries come out of the Congo used to be the Belgian Congo and Nigeria. And apparently the virus originates in wild animals and can jump to people. Most human cases have been in parts of Africa. But the disease can travel as humans travel. And apparently the area with most infection rate now is the UK. United Kingdom, parts of Europe. We've seen cases in Canada, cases here in the United States, few here in North America, but you know that's going to grow enormously. The illness, monkeypox, was first identified in 1958 when there were two outbreaks of this disease in research monkeys. Notice it's always in research monkeys. They they claim they need monkeys and animals to research on. I can't tell you how many times these poor creatures have been in cages uh, where their life is just miserable. They're getting jammed with all kinds of needles and it being forced to take all kinds of medicines. And a lot of times they end up getting sick and as a result spreading diseases that are developed in these so-called labs. Now, we're not talking like Wuhan in red China, which uh, Dr. Fauci and the United States was subsidizing. We're not even talking uh, about it, as some have suggested, might have been going on in the Ukraine. I don't necessarily buy into that, but some others have. But it's always taking place with animals that we're testing on. And I'm saying, you know, why? Why do we continue to test on animals? It just seems to me to be so barbaric when there's so many other remedies that we can take to trying to find solutions. Now, the uh, symptoms of monkeypox, it's in the same family as smallpox. Now, I know you say smallpox, you say, oh, my God, am I going to die? Most patients only experience fever, body aches, chills, and fatigue. People with more serious illness of monkeypox will develop a rash and lesions on the face and hands that can then easily be spread. The incubation period is from about five days to three weeks. Most people recover within four weeks without needing to be hospitalized. Monkeypox can be fatal and is thought to be more severe in children. People exposed to the monkeypox virus are often given a smallpox vaccine. And that's why I'm asking some of you, I seem to remember the smallpox vaccine as Uh, being uh, almost creating a scar on your arm, a bump, a scar, something uh, of that type. That that was back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, if memory serves me well. I don't think I ever got a smallpox vaccine, but I probably did. I got all the vaccines that a kid had to get in order to go to school. 
So now, you're going to take a smallpox vaccine to act as a vaccine against monkeypox. It's been shown effective. The World Health Organization, here we go, who, has estimated that there are thousands of monkeypox infections in about a dozen African countries every year. And then you ask yourself, well, what a different, what's the difference about these cases? Because remember, we went through this with Ebola, the flesh-eating virus, when uh, Barack Obama was our president. And remember, I'll never forget, Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie, who was governor of New Jersey at that time, took a volunteer, excuse me, took a nurse who had gone into the Belgian Congo, oh, the Congo I keep calling it the Belgian Congo, and spent time there dealing with uh, those who had come down with Ebola, the flesh-eating virus, really horrible virus, and then was going back, remember, to Vermont. That's where her home was. And Chamu El Hefe Chris Christie forcibly quarantined her at Newark International Airport, which was absolutely ridiculous. He was just headline hunting, which then stymied so many Americans from wanting to volunteer their time to go over there and deal with the very fast-spreading Ebola flesh-eating virus. That was bad on Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie's part. But it's the first time monkeypox appears to be spreading amongst people who didn't travel to Africa. Some of the cases involved men who had sex with other men. You knew it was going there. Monkeypox has not previously been documented to have spread through sex, but it can be transmitted through close contact with infected people, their body fluids and their clothing or their bed sheets. By nature, sexual activity involves intimate contact, which one would expect to increase the likelihood of transmission of monkeypox, whatever a person's sexual orientation and irrespective of the mode of transmission. So it appears that you have to have some kind of close contact needed uh, for the transmission of that disease to take place. Hopefully uh, this was some uh, relevant information. I just didn't like the way our mayor, Eric Adams, handled it. No problem. We're not going to have monkeypox. We have the best uh, Department of Health anywhere in the world. That's nonsense. We're going to have monkeypox, especially if it's sexually transmitted. And I'll go more into it because, (laughs) you know, we catered to a lot of party people, people who are going to clubs till the break of dawn. And a lot of folks use poppers. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it. It Originally, it was uh, used by gay men in clubs and bathhouses. But it's now become a party drug for all people. Whether you're gay or lesbian, you're straight, you're heterosexual, you're bisexual, you're trans, uh, pansexual, whatever. Poppers are now the rage. And from what, what my knowledge is of when they were really debilitating to a lot of gay men, it increased the transmission of the HIV AIDS virus because it enabled guys to have sex like six, seven, eight, nine times with different partners, which is like almost unheard of. And it's chemicals. And it's now the rage in clubs and amongst all kinds of people. And it really has to be uh, cracked down on, but it's not going to be cracked down on because, you know, anything goes nowadays. 
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony in Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, uh, Tony. Good morning, Curtis. Yes, Tony. Well, um, the scar that you're talking about, that's from the polio shot. Uh. Um, I got mine about 63, and I remember it left a big scab, and to this day I still have a scar from it. And uh. one of the doses was a cube of sugar the medicine was in it. You got a shot and a cube of sugar the next time. Hmm. So it's sort of like a placebo, right? No, it was like um, a booster. Mm. I don't know why they didn't have to give you a shot, but the medicine was in the sugar cube. Wow. So you didn't have to get an injection. You just uh, sucked on the sugar cube. And the, the second one, yeah, and the booster. And the first one, you get the shot. So that was the that was the polio vaccine. Right. Do you remember getting a smallpox vaccine? No, hmm. um, but I do know that people our age, it's worn off. It doesn't work anymore. So we would need to get a booster for the smallpox, too. Huh. Wow, so many vaccines, so many viruses yeah. out there. But let's face I it, know. if not for those vaccines, so many people would have died from smallpox. Imagine 300 million people have died from smallpox since 1900. 300 million. I that's, know, that's amazing. That's mind-boggling. Yeah. And um, the monkeypox is related to chickenpox. And uh, so I don't know if you have an immunity or not because you had the chickenpox, but they are related. And <laughs> they don't mention this, but the two prime places to get the, the pox at are the face area and the genitals. Uh, so is that like uh, genital warts or genital herpes? Yeah, something like that. But you get, you know, I guess like blisters. Oh, God, is that, that, that's, that's got to be painful. I got to imagine when you get diagnosed with uh, genital warts or genital herpes and you have all these bumps that you got to go to a dermatologist and somehow they have to extricate them because – that could just spread even more. And then if you have contact with any other people, you'll end up spreading it to those people. Gee, what a hot mess. You know, it almost makes yeah. you want to become asexual, become a Trappist monk, and never engage in the urge to merge again. I know what you mean. <laughs> but as you heard our previous caller, I said, probably the best way to avoid Getting or spreading monkeypox is just not to have sex. And the guy said, I can't give it up. I can't give it up. You know, when AIDS first showed up, it came out when I was a newlywed. So I had just gotten married. And uh, I was glad that I was married then and, and not have to worry about getting AIDS from dating. Yeah, but then later on you found out that if somebody were infected with AIDS and you had intercourse with them, let's say it was a man and a woman, you could get it that way. It could be transmitted. And then people who were using needles and injecting drugs, uh, they were transferring it. And then all of a sudden you realize it wasn't straight, just guys with guys having sex, unprotected sex. And you started to scratch your head and say, wow. Maybe the only the only way is to lead the life of an ascetic 
No drugs, no sex. Yeah, the life of a monk sounds safer. Ha! And, you know, <laughs> most people are not going to go for that, Tony. Wow. Let's go to Jimmy in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here as we discuss this growing problem of monkeypox that the mayor said, not a problem in New York City. We got it in check. I don't think so. But go for it, Jimmy. Well, my brother Curtis, I'm going to tell you something. This is Fauci's name all over it. His fingerprints are all over this. Here's another Democratic plot to get what they want. I don't know. Why do they hate this country so much? But I'm going to say it straight out. This guy should be put in jail. He should be stoned in the pit. He should be brought to the desert and stoned in front of the masses because this Fauci is right behind this pox thing. They will do anything to keep Democratic power in place. And you know I'm right when I'm saying this. But wait, 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 Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, this monkeypox has been around for a while, apparently, since 1958. Guys, my friend, that's why he chose this one, because it's not going to be this new thing that he created. In a lab, this is something that's been around. This is something that he can get away with this time. So you now think, you Jimmy, you think uh, nefariously uh, Dr. Fauci and some of his uh, associates at the CDC uh, Center of D- Disease Control are actually responsible for building the hype on monkeypox? Yes, and I do believe that they're responsible for the million people dead as we stand today with the uh, other disease they created in a lab. Absolutely, my friend. There's no, if you think these Democrats will not stop at anything, they will do anything, sir. I respect you. You are a smart man. I don't believe that all the people I love and listen to on 77 ABC ever even have this nefarious, you know, like this idea that, like, what are, what, what are these people doing? Well, 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 Jimmy, at, at this point, it's not Dr. Fauci who has taken the lead on this, on monkeypox. I'm sure he's going to be having a press conference soon and give us his observations and what the CDC says and the Biden administration. But when people say, oh, no problem, monkeypox is not going to spread, even though there's one or two cases, we know that where there's one or two, there's more. It just hasn't been diagnosed yet. And if it's sexually transmitted, especially uh, male-to-male sex, well, it's going to spread. It's going to spread. There's just no way you're going to limit it at the numbers that it is right now. You got to come up with a remedy. Hopefully, it doesn't have debilitating side effects. Hopefully, it does not have the impact that smallpox has had on generations. We'll continue to uh, discuss monkeypox. Some people are taking it very lightly, no biggie. I certainly am not. Because uh, we've seen this happen before, that's for sure. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here we come. Walk down the street, we get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Got to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, when I first heard uh, this monkeypox virus, I thought it had to do with the monkeys. 
You know, back in 1966, a lot of people don't realize it was a group more popular than the Beatles, more popular than the Rolling Stones, more popular than Jimi Hendrix. Who's the number one group? See if I can remember. It was Davy Jones, you know, the Brit. Michael Nesmith, who just passed away uh, from Texas. There's uh, Peter Tork. He's uh, passed away. I think the only living guy is uh, Mickey uh, Dolenz, the drummer. Still alive and still out there in concert. But Jimi Hendrix hated them. You know why Jimi Hendrix hated them? Because he was the opening act for the Monkees when they were touring America. And he was getting booed on the stage because people didn't want to hear him riff on his guitar. They wanted to hear the Monkees. And then I remember the Monkees TV show, remember? It was like on for two years. And when they went to England, they went on tour to England. The Beatles met them and John Lennon said, It's the greatest comedy team since the Marx Brothers. And Michael Nesmith and John Lennon got along splendidly and were jamming together. But Jimi Hendrix hated the monkeys. I thought monkeypox had something to do with the monkeys. I couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong. Well, let's go back to the phones. Now, while all of this is taking place, the New York City Health Department is keeping a close eye on cases of Legionnaire's disease in the Bronx. It's always in the Bronx. Because they're not cleaning the vents and they don't have proper circulation. Four cases have been confirmed. Since May 9th in the hybrid section, test results on several other people are still to be determined. So far, no deaths have been reported. Legionnaires can cause flu-like symptoms. How do you know it's not monkeypox? How do you know it's not uh, COVID-19? How do you know it's just not regular flu? How do you know it's Legionnaires' disease? But that Legionnaires' disease, you know, it's... Always because they're not cleaning the vents, they're not cleaning the circulation, the water towers, all of that. We've seen it over and over and over again. And I bet you they're not doing inspections and then all of a sudden it hits. And the Department of Buildings and everyone else, the Department of Health, they scramble. They just had a regular way of doing it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Danny in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Danny. Hey, Curtis, love your show. You tell it like it is. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. All right. So uh, my question, uh, Curtis, is how did they come up with the monkeypox? Okay. So the virus it was first identified in monkeys. They believe in laboratories who were in cages. I feel that's so barbaric. So many of these viruses uh, come out of these labs. Uh, But it rarely spreads outside of Africa. So uh, this is what has them concerned because uh, it's now spreading into Europe and into North America. And they can't quite figure that out, Danny. Okay. So the monkeys had it, right? And now now how did they transmit it to humans? Did somebody have sex with a monkey? Well, that's my, that was my first uh, impression also. You know, we thought originally like Ebola, the flesh-eating virus, uh, was transferred from monkeys first in the Congo, the same area. But it turned out you could get it from uh, eating monkey meat, which unfortunately they do in parts of Africa, and you could have contacted it that way. But, you know... 
It always seems to go back to sexual contact, uh, some of these viruses, some of these diseases. So right now it needs a little more fleshing out, so to speak, because we don't know the complete origin of how it was passed to human beings. Right, right. Okay, Curtis, thanks for taking the call. And this is the warning shot fired over the bow, ladies and gentlemen. Health officials at the World Health Organization, who, 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 said masks were effective at preventing the spread of monkey pox. <laughs> Don't throw your masks away. You could well have a Dr. Fauci press conference and said, oh, my little pretties, you thought you were going to take your masks off. Well, now we have monkey pox. Put your freaking mask back on. But they are assuring us that it is very unlikely that this epidemic will last long. The cases can be isolated vis-a-vis contact tracing. And there are also drugs and effective vaccines that can be used if necessary. Uh, we, we've heard that before, haven't we? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dave in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Hey, what's up, Curtis? Um, I'll tell you a story that just happened recently, and you, and you tell me what you think. So um, supposedly one of the side effects from the vaccine is shingles. Um, guy at work just had shingles on his genitals. He was out for about a month. Came back. He's okay. Now, supposedly shingles and this monkey, uh, this monkey thing are very similar. Okay, so what I'm thinking is there's outbreaks from this vaccine with shingles, and they're going to blame it on this monkey, uh, monkey thing. That's 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 where I'm going with it. Well, it's interesting you mentioned uh, shingles because uh, my mother in the latter part of her life had shingles. It's like um, a form of herpes, uh, and it is just so debilitating. I I think it's actually a reaction, as it was explained to me when my mother Francesca had it, a reaction to chicken pox, uh, which she had in her body. It causes a really painful rash. It really hurts, and it reactivates the virus because she grew up uh, in the 20s and 30s when they didn't have the vaccine for chickenpox. So uh, technically, uh, that could always be revived in a person. So I'm not an expert on that, but having seen my mother suffer for a few weeks with shingles and then hearing the doctor say, well, it probably traces back to when she had chickenpox as a young girl in the uh, late 20s. Uh, I, I definitely saw her suffering from that. That's for sure. And, and how about this timing with the uh, with this um, whole who meeting that they're having this week, where they're going to be able to take over uh, our health uh, decisions? It's kind of like perfect timing, don't you think? Yeah. Well, you know, there's always been this uh, debate about uh, who. And we're not talking about the rock group, uh, who, uh, but the World Health Organization, 
the uh, input uh, that they have to have as to whether we should be independent and autonomous, which uh, I should, uh, I would recommend. I mean, we could have a relationship with the World Health Organization, but I think we have to go our own route in many instances. But sure, it, it certainly uh, it can create a conspiratorial point of view. That's for sure, Dave. Right, right. That's all I. Man, I, I was just throwing that out there. But, that, you know, that just happens to someone at work. And uh, you started talking about this, and I was just like, oh, this is interesting. So I don't know. but uh, Well, yeah, Dave, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of viruses. Obviously, shingles is a virus. The monkeypox is a virus. There are all these viruses. Uh, after a while, you get vertigo from uh, hearing about it because... Uh, the, for the non-cognoscenti, for those who are not medical experts, it can really spin your head. Let's go to Howard in Babylon. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Howie. Hi, Curtis. I just wanted to talk about the ability of COVID-19 to mutate. And if all these other diseases had the same ability, it would be a worldwide disaster. No doubt. I mean, look uh, at the... Uh uh, hundreds, thousands of viruses that already exist, that if any of them began to spread and there wasn't a way to control them with medicine or a vaccine, it could be devastating. I mean, I looked at the figures. I had no idea that smallpox had killed 300 million people since 1900. 300 million oh, people. yeah. Oh, yeah. But the thing was, the, the disease doesn't seem to mutate. Once we found a vaccine for it, the death rate ebbed. But yeah. with this COVID thing, it, it keeps changing every time we get a vaccine. It shifts its ability to infect. Yeah, well, it's like an amoeba. You know how an amoeba can be cut and then just keep breaking off, and you cut it and it breaks off, and it just keeps replicating yourself. I'm sure eventually, at some point, uh, the origin of the coronavirus, we will be able to contain it. But because, remember... Donald Trump fast-tracked developing a vaccine. It didn't go through the normal mm-hmm. process, and thank God he did because nobody else was successful. The Red Chinese weren't successful with theirs. The Soviet, a.k.a. Russians, weren't successful with theirs. India wasn't successful with theirs. Only America was successful, and we were able to uh, mass-produce it and mass-export it. Uh, Pfizer took our money to develop it. Maduro went their own way, and... Uh, Johnson and Johnson, uh, not ready for prime time. That that one shot is, <laughs> has caused more problems sometimes than it's resolved. Took three Pfizer shots, and I'm wonder. I'm not worried. I'm just concerned to see if I end up getting something from it after all this effort. Well, there are side effects. They haven't been honest. Uh, I mean, I've talked to enough people who have received the shots and the boosters, and uh, some people. You know, they get the shots and the boosters. It knocks them uh, for a loop. Other people, it's sort of like, oh, my God, you would think uh, that uh, it was just another day uh, of work or another day walking around. They don't seem to have ramifications. I'm wondering long term, though, since we have this vaccine in our system, if there will be any long term ramifications. But then again, when we were first hit with it in March of 2020 and we went into a lockdown and pandemic, we had no idea what it was. People were frightened, Howard. People were being dragged into the ICU, the uh, ER. They weren't coming out. Eighty uh, percent of the people put on ventilators uh, died as a result. Uh, it was a frightening time. I mean, 
I never, I, I, I was not frightened by it because I've seen other diseases around the world, but America was not used to that at all, Howard. Americans were not yeah, used to Curtis. that. Yeah. All right, so I think, uh, Howard, you're safe and secure. I think you're safe and secure. Could there be ramifications in the future? Yes. But, yeah, I think Sid Rosenberg puts it best uh, in the morning show when Eric Clapton ended up getting diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. You know, it was he and Van Morrison who were part of the no-vax crowd. You know, Sid made an excellent point. He goes, look, uh, me and Eric Clapton, for years, uh, we both did cocaine. And the way they bring cocaine into the country sometimes is they'll uh, put it in a condom. Somebody will swallow the condom, and then they'll have to eliminate it out. And uh, we never asked questions of where this cocaine came from. We just sniffed it up our nose. But now all of a sudden we're saying, hey, this vaccine could kill us, could harm us. But we didn't have any problems snorting that cocaine, which is going to lead to a story that will be coming out. I contributed to it. I don't know if it will make the New York Post. They have a test now for fentanyl. It's a strip. Pretty much the same way when you think you're pregnant and you have a pregnancy strip. And I actually advocate that people test the drugs they're going to take to make sure that it's not laced with fentanyl. Because having a working knowledge of fentanyl, I've seen it for years. I've used fentanyl for my own pains uh, when it was medically applied to me. When I had chronic Crohn's disease, ileitis, colitis, simultaneously, the pain was worse than when I was shot with five hollow-point bullets on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr. and the Gambino crime family in the back of that cab in June 19th in 1992. I'd rather get shot five uh, with five more hollow-point bullets than to uh, have my chronic Crohn's disease inflamed. But it was fentanyl that actually was the best painkiller, even better than morphine. But if you start self-medicating with fentanyl, that's double trouble. If you're using drugs that are laced with fentanyl, how the hell would you know? So they actually have a strip now in which you could test it. And there are some states who are saying, no, no, we shouldn't do that. Well, they're going to use these drugs anyway. And there are a certain portion of drug addicts who are going to look to have a drug mixed with fentanyl because they want the ultimate high. I know it sounds weird, right? Like a dope fiend is walking around and saying, oh, man, I hope it's laced with fentanyl. I want that jumbo high. Yes, not all dope fiends, some. But I think it would be a hell of a lot better if people were taking uh, illegal drugs, if they could test it for fentanyl. Because a lot of people have no idea and they end up dying from it. Dying from it. And if you're a first-time user of an opioid, if you haven't used opioids like I have for years... You have a certain immunity after a while. But if you're a first-time user and all of a sudden you have that fentanyl, bingo, without your knowledge, it could knock the living daylights out of you. And it has. And then you need that uh, reversal, that Noxalon, and everyone's going to have to walk around with a canister of that. <sighs> wow. People giving me grief about that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Strips to test for... Well, what the hell? These drugs are decriminalized anyway. Who the hell gets arrested for this? They bring fentanyl across the borders. Anybody getting arrested for that? They bring it in from Red China in the in the hull of ships. Is anybody getting arrested for that? It's almost as if our federal government, our state, and our local municipalities have decriminalized all these drugs. It's rare that you see arrests 
except when it's really a lot of weight. I mean, I'm talking kilos worth. Let's go to Joe in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Giuseppe. Yeah, hi. Just curious. If someone caught his wife cheating, you know, then the next time she says, oh, I'm just working late. You know, would anyone trust these people with the monkey pox, the monkey virus, the next thing? It, it doesn't end. Like, how? why would anyone trust them? I mean, there is a chance it's true. There is a chance. But why would you? Why would you put your life in danger trusting known liars? Yeah, well, I don't think we have recourse at this point, Joe. It's uh, something that has been out there since 1958, but we really haven't seen much of it. Now it appears that it's spreading. We haven't quite figured out other than maybe uh, sex between guys, but we know what happens there. It's sex between guys, and then it's sex between guys and gals, and then it's unprotected sex, and here we go. That's how it spreads. You're not buying it. You're not buying it, Joe. What about car accidents? They've been around for a while. Do you hear people talk about that? 40,000 people a year die, young people, old people. Yeah, what about 3,000 children that go missing without a trace? And FBI doesn't talk about it like, like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, it's just the milk cartons. You know, where, where, are, the, where are the kids? I don't understand. We shut down the entire state of New York, according to Chuck Schumer, because of a 90-year-old man, because every life counts. 3,000 children go missing in this country alone every year, according to FBI. Look it up on FBI. No, 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 I don't, I don't doubt no it. No one talks about it. Where are these children? Shouldn't we shut down New York State? Well, you Disneyland can't. You can't. Has 700 children a year missing in Disneyland alone. Look it up. This is FBI statistic. Shouldn't that be enough to shut down Disneyland and find out where on earth these children go? Well, where do you where do you think where do you think they go? I don't know, but if it's worth it to shut down New York State, save one grandma, it's for sure worth it to shut down at least one state to find out where these thousands of children go every year for years. This is not just one time thing. And why so, wait, 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 you, so you, your perception is they're, they're being snatched up? That's according to FBI, and well, this is without a trace. I'm, just, I'm, I'm asking you, Joe, because you, you, you don't yeah. trust the government, and the FBI is part of the government, so why would you trust yeah, their I'm stats? Saying, according to them, why shouldn't we put it on TV every day on all the news? How many children gone missing this week alone? How many people died in car crashes in New York State this week alone? Where is Chuck Schumer? Where is he? Nowhere, because, you know, this is all, this is all uh, act. This is all theater. That's why Bono hangs out with the Pope. That's why he hangs out with Nancy Pelosi. What the hell a singer has to do with hanging out with the Pope? Why is Lady Gaga hanging out with a 78-year-old Joe Biden? I mean, are you hanging out with Lady Gaga? I, I don't know anybody who's a respectable person that, that's hanging out with Lady Gaga. I don't know any respectable priest or, or a leader that's hanging out with Lady Gaga. Okay? Mm, you, seem, you, 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 seem, you seem to have an obsession with uh, Lady Gaga here. There's quite a few people who uh, want to hang out with Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, to her credit, years and years and years ago when she had uh, her normal black hair, she's not a blonde by birth, would get on the uh, 
New Jersey Transit bus and go all the way to Parsippany every night uh, to uh, cut uh, all kinds of demos with her producer at that time, all the way out to Parsippany, New Jersey. And then eventually she hit it and hit the big time. But, boy, that's dedication. Imagine going to the Port Authority almost every day to catch a New Jersey Transit bus out to Parsippany to go into the basement of the uh, producer who was uh, trying to cut these tracks for you and practice, 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 and then just go through it and then eventually hit the big time. Now, what I didn't, I didn't like her with is Tony Bennett. (laughs) I, I didn't like that duet. Sorry. I like the original Lady Gaga when she first came on the scene. She, like, blew it up. Not this Lady Gaga. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. What we're going to have to do is, um, in the next hour, discuss uh, what's going on with uh, the uh, idolization uh, behind... Biggie Smalls, all of a sudden there is this uh, idolatry that is uh, circulating about Biggie Smalls in what would have been his 50th birthday. They're selling MTA Metro cards, which are really like limited edition. So you end up buying these cards, which you're never going to use to swipe into the subway or a bus, but it's limited edition. Uh, Lionizing uh, Biggie Smalls, and I got to say, now wait a second. Biggie Smalls. I know a lot about Biggie Smalls. I don't. I don't think you would want to uh, lionize what he's done. We're going to get into all of that because uh, the narrative of Biggie Smalls is, you know, grew up in the projects. Okay, his mother uh, from Jamaica, good mother. Uh, met her once, had a long conversation with her. I think his father uh, was uh, involved in some kind of construction or plumbing, and it was also a politician. Uh, then left the home. The kid went to Catholic schools, good schools, went to Bishop Lachlan. I wonder if Rudy Giuliani knew that, uh, that's right, Biggie Smalls went to Lachlan High School in downtown Brooklyn. That's where Rudy went, and his future deputy uh, mayor and long-term friend Peter Powers went. Except Biggie Smalls didn't get kicked out by the Christian brothers. He left. He rather go to Westinghouse, the vocational high school, where, uh, guess who else was kicking it there at Westinghouse in the time? Jay-Z. That's right. We'll get into all of that. (laughs) What a history here. As Curtis Lee was going to do the deep dive on Biggie Smalls, everyone's going for toots over him. It's the 50th, what would have been his 50th birthday. And I'm saying, wait a second. As we lionize him, as we uh, get involved in a form of idolatry, do we realize some of the things that he was in the forefront of participating in? And all of a sudden, do we completely forget the East Coast, West Coast feud that led to uh, a large body count being left on both the East Coast, the West Coast, including Tupac Shakur in Vegas, and yes, Biggie Smalls in Los Angeles. 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The ha, the ha. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight because I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Capri. Funk Master Flex, Love Bug Star Ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh, and if you don't know, now you know, you know, Everybody getting for Toots is selling uh, Biggie Metro cards, commemoratives, 50,000 of them at four separate stations throughout Brooklyn. Atlantic Avenue, Barclay Center. Scalpers are getting 40 bucks because they're limited edition. And then I see our Mayor Eric Adams uh, trying to crack down on crime, he says. And then he's promoting uh, hip-hop monsters and rappers, whether they're dead or alive, who promote crime and criminality and have themselves been really guilty of some heinous crimes. Crimes that... You can't just forgive unless a person would have thrown themselves on a sword and beg, beg by doing mea copas, mea copas, mea maxima copas, but that ain't happening. That's all these politicians, all these trendoids, freakasoids, jet setters, they want to be considered hip and happening, and they want it, uh, they want there to be a flow to uh, who they hang with. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you have an opportunity to make a case for or against the idolatry that is surrounding uh, Biggie Smalls, what would have been his 50th birthday uh, on Saturday. And the sort of gaga goo goo treatment that comes in the wake of his uh, fame, or as I say, infamy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I know a lot of you, you're getting out of clubs, you're on your way home, or you're going to after-hour joints, or you're out of a bar or a restaurant, and you say, oh, yeah, that's Biggie. Oh, that, uh, that's the bomb. That's juice. Oh, yeah, 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 Biggie. Juicy, juicy, juicy. Well, let's slow it down a little bit. Let's get back on track. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I'll never forget, I ran into a group of these young guys in bed And you know how much I hate the mafia, organized crime, La Cousin Nostra. I've made it well known and obviously exhibited 
many of my battles uh, with not just the uh, Gambinos and Lucchesis, but uh, with the Columbos, with the Genovese, with the Gambinos. And they claimed that they were the Junior Mafia. The Junior Mafia. I said, Junior Mafia? Well, what's the Junior Mafia? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Biggie. Biggie set it up. Oh, Biggie Smalls? Yeah, yeah. And Lil' Kim. Lil' Kim. I, okay. I said, uh... Junior Mafia, are you uh, thinking you're part of La Cosa Nostra? Are you lionizing uh, the Gambinos, the Gaudis? They said, no, 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 no. Junior Mafia means masters at finding intelligent attitudes. I said, you're kidding. The acronym is masters at finding intelligent attitudes. Why would you want to call yourselves Junior Mafia? The stigma, the stain of it all. Especially in the black community where Italian organized crime brought in uh, major supplies of heroin from their processing plants in Marseille, France, and from Sicily. Why, why would you want to have any, any attachment to the mafia, La Cosa Nostra, the Gaudis and Gambinos? And I couldn't get a straight answer. Couldn't get a straight answer from any of them. Maybe some of you out there can explain who are listening now why culturally there seems to be a bond between so many of these degenerate hip-hop uh, rappers and Italian organized crime. And I have, I have a feeling they have no idea. These Gavons, these Jadrules, these uh, made members of organized crime or the Buttons or the Capos or even those that are on the periphery, how badly they think of those who participate in the rap game and those who are people of color. <laughs> and yet they they idealize them. Uh, they, they name themselves after them. And they have no idea the private conversations and public conversations of a lot of these guys in describing uh, blacks in general, African-Americans or Hispanics. And somehow they have culturally appropriated these identities, which is maddening to me. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So let's follow the lineage here. Give me a little bit of music underneath there. Uh, uh, Broadway, uh, Bill Lee. Uh, I need that uh, little bit of that uh, that juicy, juicy. Just keep it nice and low there because he's kicking it. That's really what blew him up and got him international fame and attention. I'm saying to myself, I've heard some of his other songs, Big Papa, Hypnotize. I remember there was a time that him and Tupac Shakur, they were arm in arm. They were brothers in solidarity. And then, uh, if memory serves me correctly, once Sean uh, Puff Daddy Combs got on track uh, after graduating from Mount St. Michael's High School up in the Bronx, coming out of Yonkers. I remember he was holding uh, some kind of a rap uh, celebrity basketball game at uh, City University uh, at the um, gymnasium. Overcrowded. It was a stampede. Somehow, Sean Puff Daddy uh, Combs was not implicated in that like he wasn't in the shooting that took place at a club in Times Square when his uh, home slice was J-Lo and they were in that SUV escaping, going the wrong way, and they put the guns in the drop box. And the next thing you know, they're locked up. And Sean Puff Daddy Combs is showing his bodyguard a ring and saying, if you take the rap, 
you get the ring. And it turned out an aspiring rapper uh, ended up taking the rap for Sean Puff Daddy Combs shooting up that club. And that uh, aspiring rapper ended up doing time in the New York State penal system and then went back to Belize. Who am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Let's see if you can kick some trivia on all of this because I have followed these lines meticulously. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W-A-B-C. And remember, so you had Sean Puff Daddy Combs. He had the uh, Bad Boys. That was his group. That was East Coast. Then you had over on the West Coast, you had Death Row. And that's the group that Tupac ended up hooking up with. But it wasn't always like that. There was seemed to be peace and harmony between West Coast rappers and East Coast rappers. And then I'll never forget... I think uh, Tupac was doing a weapons charge uh, up in Clinton, the state correctional facility. And then he dropped a disc tape, and he was claiming that Sean Puff Daddy Combs, the bad boys, uh, and uh, in this particular case, Biggie Small set him up. He was at a recording studio in Times Square where he got robbed of all of his jewelry. If you remember, he was going in the uh, elevator, and then he got shot five times and somehow survived that. The last shot... Right through his three-piece set. And all of a sudden, he was at war with bad boys, Sean Puff, Taddy Combs, and Biggie Smalls. As it appeared that Biggie Smalls, Sean Puff, Taddy Combs, and bad boys were at war with the West Coast rappers who were part of <laughs> Death Row. What great names. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And so I always wondered when they tell a story of Biggie Smalls as they were repeating all day on Saturday. Nobody ever came up to me and explained why the hell a guy like this would be slinging crack to pregnant mothers and acknowledge it. I mean, how the hell could you brag about that? How could you talk about that? How could you rap about that? You came from a good household. Your mother was good and solid. She sent you to Catholic schools, elementary school. You went to Lachlan High School. The Christian brothers were training you. They didn't kick you out of their uh, academy in downtown Brooklyn. You chose. You chose to leave and go to Westinghouse, the vocational high school, where you were hanging with Jay-Z and Busta Rhymes. Oh, yeah, I forgot Busta Rhymes was doing this video, this rap video in Greenpoint. And all of a sudden, one group got out of a car, walked up to him, and blasted his bodyguard into the hereafter. I forget how many times they shot up that guy on the set of that rap video. And when 5-0 NYPD came up to Busta Rhymes and said, did you see anything? And this was a guy who was loyal to him to the day he died. He said, I don't know what you're talking about, 5-0. I didn't hear anything. You know, typical of the streets, snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. Buster Rhymes, a guy who, who who risked his life to defend him, gets whacked right in front of him by thugs. And Buster Rhymes saying, I, I don't know, 5-0, I don't know. Sort of brings us to the point of this whole discussion of the lionization, the idolatry surrounding Biggie Smalls is that he was killed in Los Angeles in a very public way, executed in his SUV, and to this day, There have been no arrests made, even though everybody spotted the guy who did it. 
He was dressed all in blue. He had a blue bow tie on. He rolled up in a Chevy right next to the SUV, and he just unloaded on Biggie Smalls. And you're going to tell me nobody knew who this guy was? Of course he was a crip. Dressed all in blue. People know who he was, but again, the code of the streets persevered. Snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. And just like when Tupac Shakur had been in uh, Las Vegas at the Tyson fight, got into a battle with some gangbangers from Los Angeles, uh, he's being driven down the street by the CEO of Death Row Records, and the next thing you know, a car is driving up and they're doing a drive-by on him, and in just a few hours... It was ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Although many people say, he's Machiavelli, he's alive, Tupac alive. And yet these guys were at each other's throats. At each other's throats before they both died. So supposedly best of friends. And then Tupac is doing a diss uh, rap uh, song about uh, Biggie Small saying, yeah, Tupac, uh, I had uh, sex with your wife, uh, Faith Evans. What the hell is that about? Is that keeping it real? Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Paul calling from Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paul. Well, oh, I'd just like to say a quick hello. I remember watching you on, on the Channel 5 or Channel 11, you know, bet, way back. In, you know, I lived in Connecticut since, you know, when I was younger and then moved around the country. But I say that what you were young when the Guardian Angels came out. No, no, wait a second, Paul. I, I thought you were saying that you had saw me originally on Romper Room when I was a little kid, about five <laughs> years old, where I was a doobie, not a don't be. Did you see me on Romper Room? No, but I, the big thing I remember, they all, I was going on the train to New York. I was maybe 13, 14 years old to go get a beer down there, but uh See all the sneakers always tied, thrown over the power lines. Now, do you know what that meant? Do you know what that meant, Paul, when you saw the sneakers tied, tied up and thrown over the telephone wires? I forgot, really. What do you think? Was it sure if they had passed away? No, what do you think? What do you think it meant? In fact, uh, we'll put that out as a booby price, ladies and gentlemen. When you've been driving down a street. And you see sneakers that have been tied up and thrown up on those uh, telephone lines. Is that a symbol? Does that mean something? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But meantime, Paul, where were you born and raised? I was born in Chicago, and I was raised in uh, Darien, Connecticut. I talked to you one other night, and I would uh Lived sometimes down in Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. So, so you would come uh, in. You would come into New York City from Darien. Uh, about what years? How, how old were you at that time? Uh, well, anywhere from nineteen when I was younger with my dad, nineteen seventy three to nineteen eighty five, eighty six. You remember going into Times Square? I, I, to go watch, we went and watched the ball drop, and they had a Jerry Garcia concert playing down at Radio City Music Hall. See, the only people that would ever come in to watch the ball drop to welcome in the New York uh, New Year in Times Square were people from out of, out of New York City. Almost nobody from New York City was there. Yeah, well, we hired a limo for the night. The driver pulled us right up there. Check it out. 
you know, that was then on it. It was they stocked the bar in the back and everything. <laughs> How old were you, Paul? About fifteen. Wow, wait a second. You were boozing up at fifteen in the back of that stretch limo with your daddy? No, we're just a friend. Oh, a friend. I see, I see. And you were coming down for the Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia. Yeah. And do you remember where the concert was, Paul? That was at Radio City Music Hall. Ah, now, you didn't happen to drop any acid while you were watching the dead. Oh, well, not at that concert, but at a few other ones I did, and some mushrooms. I can talk about it, you know, I've, that's why I got kicked out of the military because I, I told them I only smoked marijuana twice, and then they found out I did everything a little more. Then I had to go home after. So now, when, when you would go to the Grateful Dead concerts when Jerry Garcia was alive, what was it like uh, watching the concert while you had taken shrooms, uh, psychedelic uh, shrooms? Yeah, you sort of explain to us. Nice. The music sounded great. You know, all the girls are dancing around. And, you know, it was fun as long as, you know, the security wasn't getting out of hand. People weren't getting uh, beat up by the security or something, you know. Like, I was okay. I never had a problem at any of the concerts. So when you took the shrooms, about how long did the feeling last? I call it the psychedelic shack uh, attack. About 10 hours. Wow. So did it leave you with a nice buzz? Uh, were you imagining things? Were you seeing things? Uh, give us, uh, sort of explain it to us. You could see, a, I could say I saw a hallucination one night after a concert. We're going to look for a place to camp. And I looked down on the ground. It looked like there was a person laying there. And I put my hand right through the person. So that, you know, that could be a, an effect. Was there anything that ever frightened you when you were under the influence of shrooms? I'd say that did. And then on, you know, under that, normal... That under a little... Right, under normal circumstances, it would last about 10 hours. Yeah. And usually you're drinking a little beer and smoking some marijuana. So that used to help. So uh, everything down. that was uh, how long ago? That was back in the 80s? Yep, from, say, 1980 to 1986. The last time I saw a concert was 1993. I was working in California near San Francisco. These hippies said if I ever made it out there, drive up from Haight-Ashbury. There's a McDonald's, and they sell some marijuana out back in the park there. Then I went up there, and they said, oh, go, there's a concert tonight. Go down to Oakland, California, and there's a concert tonight and so you did yep do you remember what group was performing in oaktown oakland oh it was oakland california was the grateful dead oh so you were there and it was jerry garcia still alive yep he was still alive ah man you see now you got washed out of the military because uh because of your use of uh drugs at that time it was before I, I was I had I had used before I went in. I was working on a boat in the Bahamas, and then I signed up. And they said, "Just come on, let's go." I did, got they got the results of my test, and I I didn't do anything while I was there. But you know what I had done before affected me. And then you uh, traveled the country whenever you could, if I had work for a company. 
worked for. Now, what, what, like what, underwater sonar what, type work. What was it? The, what was it about Paul? People who would follow the Grateful Dead when they go on tour, when they go on concert, and they would spend their life like almost going from town to town, city to city, just to follow Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. <laughs> well, it could be an adventure, that's for sure. But unless you have it all organized, like I had a friend in Massachusetts, I'd call and he had a bus and he'd say, come up, I'll give you a ride down to the concert, wherever it is. You know, that's, it was something, you know, going to all the different coliseums for, in every major city, you know, it could be fun. And were you hooking up? Town were, for you, the weekend. were you hooking up with the women while you were there? A couple here and there, but mainly I had a girlfriend from a school I went to up in the mountains in New Hampshire. Man, I'm telling you, you see what Jerry Garcia and the Dead meant for you, Paul. Now, you know, well, it's a lot of they had all the it's, you know the sound huge speakers stages. You know, you start seeing that they're leapfrogging the stage. They'd have one band set up for one night at one place, and then the next night, like, they might be in Niagara Falls, and the next night in Washington, D.C. Now, uh, at the time, uh, Al Gore and Tipper Gore, his wife, claimed that they were deadheads, that they would occasionally go to concerts, especially when the dead were in proximity to D.C. and Maryland and Virginia. Did they strike you uh, as being deadheads? I, I really barely remember him. You know, but if they had, a, you know, like in Madison Square Garden, sometimes they're, you know, people out there, if they're well off, have like a box seat, you know, like a sky box in the Coliseum. They may be in there relaxing in a nice air-conditioned place or something. Now, did you, you ever know, have are a... Are you going to go see her down in the front row? Did you ever have an inclination to go to fish concerts? Because uh, once the uh, dead uh, had broken up, once Jerry Garcia had died, uh, it seemed that a lot of their followers ended up following fish, which was somewhat of a similar band coming out of Vermont. Did you ever go to any of their concerts? No, I didn't make it there. They had a concert in uh, Phil Lesh at Gathering of the Vibes, it was called, in Bridgeport. And my friend had worked for a radio station, WPKN, up there, and he got me a pass to go into a place where I could get all sodas and, you know, kind of healthy juices and something to snack on if you're hungry. That was nice. Wow. Well, I do appreciate you sharing us your stories uh, on the road with the Grateful Dead and Cherry Garcia, Paul. Oh, well, thank you. You know, they have the legal marijuana here in Connecticut. I guess all the subjects you talk about, they were legal. But have, have, it wasn't have, legal have, yet in Connecticut, but I had to get it for medical use. All right. So uh, it's not legal yet for the recreational use of marijuana in Connecticut. It is in Massachusetts. But you to buy it. Right. But you buy it. It might be legal to, if you're you want to, like, go in a smoking area to smoke. It, but, you know, as far as buying it in Connecticut, it's still under the control of the medical marijuana guidelines. Well, and how old are you, Paul? 55. Well, you're kicking it. You're kicking it. Yeah. Well, 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 stay in touch. Stay in touch, All Paul. Right, I'll give you a call. Well, thanks for talking. It's always nice to reach out and say hello. You know, thank you. 
You got it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Alex calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Alex. Hey, how you doing, Curtis? I've had better days. I've had better days, Alex. I hear you, man. It's a late night out here in the Heights. It's beautiful. Lots of people hanging out. Good weather. I wanted to, uh, I was listening earlier. You were talking about the, uh, who was it? Uh, it was Shine that was shot up the club that time, back in the day. Puffy was running away with J-Lo at the club that night. That's right. Now, you think it was Shine who shot up the club. Many people believe it was actually uh, Sean Puff Daddy Combs who shot up the club and Shine took the rap. So that uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? I, I, I feel like uh, I don't feel like Sean Puffy Combs is the guy. I feel like he's the kind of guy that uh, is. The, you know what I mean? He doesn't he doesn't show me as the gangsterish type. He seems more of like the you go do the dirt for me kind of guy. Well, there's no doubt, but he also had that shade uh, in his background. He would do things. So uh, we know he was going to that club in Times Square with J-Lo. That was his home slice. And uh, we know also that Shine was uh, his protege and was moving up the ranks. And something happened in that club. My assumption was that uh, Sean Puff Daddy Combs uh, got into a fight with one of the patrons, pulled out a gun, blasted away. Nobody got hit. Uh, Shine took the rap. Then when it went to court, because uh, Sean Puff Daddy Combs went on trial in uh, criminal court down at 100 Center Street. I forget which uh, attorney he had representing him, a guy who had represented a lot of mobsters choking on their lobsters. Anybody happens to know that? That's uh, that's good trivia that will lead to a whole host of different conversations. Who was the high-priced, uh, well-renowned uh, attorney to many uh, an influential and nefarious uh, person, including members of organized crime, who was representing Sean Puff Daddy Combs in that shooting incident in a club in Times Square, in which he made uh, a getaway? In his SUV, I think it was a Lincoln Navigator. They had a drop box there. They put the gun in there. He drove up the wrong side of the street. They got collared by the NYPD. And then Sean Puff Daddy Combs was seen in the jail cell talking to uh, his security guy and offering him uh, one of the rocks on his fingers in order to basically uh, be hush, hush, mush, mush. I think it was soon after that that uh, J-Lo decided to do the bird. Uh, she was no longer going to be hanging out with Sean Puff Daddy Combs. That was a close call. He beat the rap in court because the witnesses from that club, they all said, Sean Puff Daddy Combs was in that club? You're kidding. Oh, I would have been able to identify him if he was in that club. I know. I know P. Diddy. Meantime, they were all lying. They had uh, instantaneous amnesia. And he was able to uh, beat the rap. Shine took the rap. He ended up going upstate doing time, then went back to his country of birth, Belize, where I believe he was the uh, son of the prime minister. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Remember, put it on your, uh, put it on your calendar. As we cruise into this week, uh, I'll be uh, entertaining all of you during uh, your lunch and your brunch. Monday through Friday, right after the Bill O'Reilly 15-minute update, which starts at 12 noon till 12.15. 
And then I'll do a rip and read from 12.15 in the afternoon to uh, 1 o'clock. Then Lieutenant Colonel uh, Greg Kelly comes on from 1 to 3, followed by uh, James Golden. Uh, no, excuse me, my Kumbadachich, Rudy Giuliani. Can't wait to listen to him in just a few hours at 10 with Dr. Maria because apparently he gave nine hours of testimony to the January 6th uh, House Committee. Nine hours of testimony, which I think just occurred, if not on Thursday, uh, on Friday. You got, you're going to want to hear his uh, interpretation of what went on. And then it's James Golden from 4 to 5. Uh, the Rush Hour, as a brilliant name, the Rush Hour, uh, basically for the many years that he had worked uh, as the aide de camp, the phone screener producer for the Rush Limbaugh show. Until Rush uh, passed away to the hereafter and went up uh, high in the sky to the Radio Hall of Fame. And then, of course, it starts all over again, 5 o'clock on Drive Time, John Katsimatidis and his roundtable discussion with his many guests, Democrats and Republicans, with common sense as they discuss the issues of the day. But for all of this week, Monday through Friday, it's appointment radio. Spread the word. I want to make sure you're listening. Because this is in honor of uh, former Mayor Ed Koch, who has been slimed by the New York Times, which recently, above the fold, had a story that said the mystery of Ed Koch. Critics emerging who were saying he wasn't gay enough, and he was a gay who was homophobic. I couldn't quite figure that out. Uh, But you had Caroline Maloney, who's now going to take on Jerry the Whale Nadler for the congressional district that's been left uh, behind with reapportionment. There's going to be a real dog and cat fight there. But Caroline Maloney was the person who had actually suggested that the 59th Street Bridge, a.k.a. the Queensboro Bridge, uh, be renamed the Ed Koch Bridge. And now she's reneged on that, including with Tom DiNapoli, the state controller. How quickly they forget. Well, when I do the 45-minute updates uh, for brunch and lunch, uh, it'll be in honor of Ed Koch, who first did that uh, after uh, he left being the mayor. He actually had the highest ratings in the station for a while when Rudy Giuliani was mayor. He had helped Rudy become mayor, along with myself and uh, the king of talk radio, Bob Grant. But he would come on for 45 minutes to a rip and read from 11 11 45. Then uh, it was 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. Paul Harvey was so good. Then Rush from 12 to 3, and then the King of Talk Radio, my mentor, Bob Grant, from 3 to 7. And for that first year, Ed Koch had higher ratings. Then he decided to uh, work without Slim Shady Sharpton against Michael Bodicic, Rudy Giuliani, and his ratings plummeted. See, that's the way Ed Koch was. He could flip, he could flop. He could just as easily support you and then uh, a year later be your worst nightmare. Uh, But it'll be uh, in his honor this week as he is getting slammed by so-called fair-weather friends. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Where he's sticking you and taking all your money. Ah, the 
salute to all thugs and thugettes out there. By Biggie Smalls, degenerate hip-hop uh, monster, who was uh, credited with all kinds of positive contributions to society all Saturday day long. It made me nauseous. made me want to projectile vomit. And I was thinking to myself, with all the bad that's going on in New York City with all the crime, it sort of just reminded me as uh, Biggie ended up uh, getting wasted in uh, his uh, SUV vehicle outside of the NAACP Achievement Awards in uh, Los Angeles. And that crime still has not been resolved. Just like uh, Jam Master Jay, it was incredible there. They walked into his recording studio in Jamaica because he had uh, not paid off uh, on a um, consignment, a kilo of cocaine, I believe. And in front of a crowd of 20 people who were in his recording studio, they blasted him to the hereafter. Just only recently has an arrest been made that's eventually going to go to trial. And I got to tell you, the code of the streets remained in place for decades. Snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. So what I want to talk about right now are all the measures that supposedly state law enforcement... And local law enforcement is imposing on those who are driving around as we speak, especially when it comes to uh, your ID in your four wheels. Because uh, the city and the state claim they're going to crack down on all of those who uh, cover their license plates uh, and have false identification. <laughs> I gotta tell you, <laughs> they're cracking down on motorists who use fake, obscured, or covered license plates to avoid paying tolls. I mean, everywhere I go, I see that. And I'm sure some of you have out there too, especially like tonight. I see uh, guys, thugs, driving around with cars that have paper plates. And they've had them for a month of Sundays. So right away, my impression is it's probably a stolen car, but they rarely, if ever, get stopped by 5 the police. And I'm not just talking about here in New York City. I'm talking about further upstate in the Mid-Hudson uh, Valley area, across in New Jersey and parts of Connecticut. It seems to be systemic. And then there are others. They use that plastic covering on their license so they blow right through the tolling procedures, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't account for the money that has to be deleted from their debit card or their credit card or their account with the MTA, the money taking agency, or the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority, and they get away time and time again. The other day, I was right on Woodhaven Boulevard. These Dominican guys, uh, so many of these Dominican guys, pull this off. They drive around in cars that are not properly licensed. They have Texas plates. Uh, if you look at uh, the tags on the car, they're all expired or they don't exist. The other car uh, had a Pennsylvania plate that was barely hanging off of the back, and you knew, you just knew it didn't match up with that vehicle and that driver. And yet there were cops who were rolling by who didn't even bother to take a wink at it. And do what should have been done, aggressive policing, aggressive policing. That's how you get these thugs off the street. And I know it isn't necessarily the cops. 
It is their superiors. It's one police plaza. It's the mayor who speaks with forked tongue. He wants enforcement, but then again, he doesn't want a confrontation and then possibly a street demonstration or an explosion and a return to the summer of 2020. But I'm telling you, it's got to be done. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And you can see it when you're driving around. The paper plates, they're like everywhere. Paper plates. How do you end up driving a car for months on end with paper plates? Plates from Texas? Plates from Pennsylvania? Get out of here. It's such a scam. And there are all kinds of reasons that 5-0 cops can use to do a traffic stop. At least they used to years ago, and it was very effective. I don't know if many of you are aware. You can't have interior lights on in the vehicle while you're driving. They could use that as an excuse to stop you and pull you over. Or anything hanging from your rearview mirror. You know, all those uh, those trees. Uh, that they could claim are blocking your ability to see through your rearview mirror. Tinted windows. How many of you see tinted windows out there where you can't see the driver, you can't see passengers, you can't see through the front of the vehicle, you can't see through the back of the vehicle, and I'm saying to myself, come on. You would need an electron microscope to see who is driving that vehicle. They have illegal tinted windows. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In fact, I need to get into a mood here. I need a little uh, I need a, a little Dr. Dre here and Snoop Dogg there as they're driving in their, uh, in their Impala there in Long Beach uh, doing hydraulics there. I, I think you could get that. Uh, do your best there, Broadway uh, Bill Lee who's come out of retirement in order to assist us here at WABC, where we're short-staffed compared to Frank Morano, who has six employees at his beck and call. The golden child, the untouchable, he can do no wrong. The future and the here and now of talk radio, according to the owners and operators and the suits. And then there's our crew. I mean, we are scaled down. It's just Broadway Bill Lee uh, on the boards. And it's Avery, who is our overnight producer and our phone screener. And that's it. And we're able to compete with the Frank Morano crew, just barely behind in the ratings. So we can make that difference with your help. But you got to continue to listen to Frank Morano all 20 hours, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, to rat him out to me. And you got to keep listening to me in all the different hours that I'm on the radio because that's all contributed to my overall ratings number, which puts me number two at the station, number two only to Frank Morano. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. That's it. That's it. Now I'm in the mood. Be talking about these tricked-out cars there, the music booming. Used to be during Rudy Giuliani, you'd be driving around in a tricked-out car, man. NYPD would have you on the side, man, writing you up like there's no tomorrow. Calling in the tow truck. Take it to the pound. Take it to the pound. <laughs> These guys are toying with their plates. And, you know, you could also jam them up. I know there are cops out there, off-duty cops. There are cops on duty, nodding their head, retired cops. You could nail them for distracted driving, anything, texting, on the phone, eating, drinking. Whatever happened, you used to pull. I got pulled over for having a taillight out. 
Boy, they don't do that anymore. I look at some cars, both taillights are out, the headlights are out. I'm saying, oh, my God, you can barely see that vehicle. It's like a phantom at night. And the cops, the police, 501 are pulling them over. And these cars all tricked out. It's like you got to be kidding. There's got to be at least half a dozen traffic violations in that moving ticket book. And nothing, nothing gets done. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then if you notice, <laughs> and this is the other one, the big, the big crime wave is young men driving around stealing catalytic converters. Getting underneath the belly of your car and taking out that catalytic converter because it's worth more chopped up than it is in the belly of your car. But you know the way it is in New York City now, and we're talking all five district attorneys, they're all fake, phony, fraudulent fagaces. It's not just Alvin Bragg. He's actually advertised what he won't prosecute. The others have their non-prosecution list, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. But if you steal cars, it's no bail. As long as violence is not involved. You can keep stealing these catalytic converters, stealing cars. Car theft is skyrocketing. Catalytic converter theft is skyrocketing. And if you get arrested, you're just going to be remanded back into the streets with a disappearance ticket, a.k.a. an appearance ticket. You're not going to get remanded to jail with high bail. Could be a robbery three in which... uh, Somebody just left their purse there, and you just happened to purloin their purse. You're going to be released. Robbery two, which meant you just took it off that woman's shoulder. And robbery one, which is you took it with a weapon and used some form of violence. And even then you end up getting a chance to walk. So if the crime was committed and it wasn't a violent crime with injury, guess what? You're not getting a uh, bailable uh, offense at all. You're going to be cut loose with a disappearance ticket, and that's why crime just continues to escalate and escalate. And it's all about cars now. It's all about getting under the belly of a car and grabbing those catalytic converters. So let me take you up to Inwood in Washington Heights. Hey, whatever happened with our caller from Inwood who was beef with Avery, says he ain't calling no more. Because Avery insists on putting him down as calling from Manhattan and not inward. Anyway, so the homies are up there scouring around in the wee hours of the morning in Inwood and also in Washington Heights, and they're looking for the catalytic converters. So 5-0 actually caught him. And you know what happened? Two of the thugs took off in a black Mercedes Benz. The other two hopped into a white Mercedes. Notice they have white Mercedes and black uh, Mercedes. You think they own those cars? Hell no, they stole those cars. And they're probably from Jersey. And then they used it to ram into three marked police cars. Three marked police cars. Cops confirm charges are pending against two people. Want to bet they're going to get cut loose? Here it is. They smash into three, three marked police cars. Right? That's a violent act. They'll get cut loose. And the uh, two suspects who fled in the black Mercedes towards New Jersey across the George Washington Bridge, man, they're gone. (laughs) Man, just give me a... I know exactly what you got to do. It's all about this kind of crime. 
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Doug in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Doug. Yeah, how you doing, Curtis? I've had better days, Doug. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't uh, necessarily agree with uh, much of your politics, but I agree with you on this crime issue. But I want to preface my remarks by saying I grew up on Fordham Road on Valentine Avenue, and I used to see you when you worked at that McDonald's on uh, on Fordham Road. That McDonald's opened up in uh, 1974. I remember it was a big thing, and I used to see you going up to the subway station on Jerome Avenue. But uh, you asked a question earlier, and I was working for the courts at the time, and I believe it was Ben Brassman who represented uh, Puffy Combs. That is correct. And, that is absolutely and, correct, Doug. And and uh, the assistant district attorney, I believe his name was Matt Bigdonis, and uh, Brassman put on a sterling performance. I mean, he's a great great lawyer and uh but getting well let me let me give you a little insight on that i have a little bit of knowledge in the voyeur when they were talking to potential jurors because obviously a lot of people know who sean puff daddy combs is so they interviewed a person who was very close to me at that time it was one of my i forget what is it my third fourth fifth wife uh, third wife (laughs) uh it was mary and so she was in the jury pool and she was answering their questions, and then all of a sudden, Benjamin Braffman looked and said, Mary Sliwa, are you related to Curtis Sliwa, the head of the Guardian Angels? She said, yeah, I'm, I'm his wife. She said, oh, dismissed. Dismissed. Because <laughs> you know she, she probably would have nailed him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, this crime, and in fact, I live up in Inwood, and the, the crime, I mean, it's rampant. It's it's all over. People forget what happened on Fordham Road during the pandemic. They tore Fordham Road up. Not one person was prosecuted. I know uh, a lady who ran a, uh, a pawn shop up there. They went in there, beat her up, tried to kill her. Cops were around the corner. Her family went to Fordham Road. They, they were on uh, 188th and Valentine. Ran to Fordham Road. Cops wouldn't come. You know, it was like a stand down. My thing is, the people who did that are still out there. They're still out there. They're not being prosecuted. And also, with regard to the cars, you're right. I see the Mercedes-Benz and and with the paper license plates. But also, what happened to stopping people when their windows are too dark? I see that all the time. They used to do that all the time. That every one of those cars I see, the windows are too dark. And uh, that's a good reason to stop them. Yeah, no, no, no. The tinted uh, windows are everywhere, tinted in the front, in the back, on the sides. It's illegal. How do they pass reg- registration? Well, because everything is so lax. Now, you mentioned the 4-6 precinct and the uh, the looting and shooting and riots that took mm-hmm. place uh, in the summer of 2020. And I remember yeah. a very good friend of mine was a deputy inspector there, Richard Brea. Uh, who was a Dominican. He went to Richmond Hill High School. He then became uh, deputy inspector at the 3-3 precinct in Washington Heights. And then they said, we need you over at the 4-6. Did a great job. And so they changed the rules. And he asked the police commission, he said, okay, I understand this is a paramilitary organization. You change the rules. Do you want us to chase them? Do you want us to hold them down? What do you? What am I to tell the men and women when they shape up? 
And the police department in one police plaza, they didn't have anything in writing because naturally that would have implicated them. So we lost the great deputy inspector, Richard Brea, who I would have recommended if I had been uh, elected uh, mayor of the city of New York, if not a high chief in the department, uh, maybe even police commissioner himself, because, you know, the new majority minority in the police department are Hispanics, soon to be the majority and they're they're rarely represented in the higher ranks because of the same fear that for many years the predominant Irish cops had of Italians. It's like, well, they might be associated with organized crime. So it prevented them from uh, getting promotions. Likewise, especially with Dominicans, a lot of Dominican cops now, really good hardcore cops who know the streets, yeah oftentimes prevented from going any further than deputy inspector because a lot of the old cops, white and black, say, well, you know, they could be affiliated with Dominican drug dealers from the island, from Santo Domingo, narco-terrorists, which is a real shame because I've seen them out in the streets. Man, they are really aggressive, and they really take control of the situation, and they're being prevented in many instances from rising up the ranks. Yes, I I have. Uh, cop friends from the three four who who are Dominican and who are excellent cops. I see them in the community; they're well respected, and uh, it's a shame that they're stigmatized like that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But uh, especially the tinted glass; it is so obvious, it is so glaring. Here, the car is all tricked out. The music is pulsating; it's making the walls outside shake. It's so loud. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see in. That's you say true. it's a walking advertisement for a tow truck from the NYPD to come and take it to the pound, and nothing is done. Not because the cops don't want to do it, but they've been told, don't agitate young men in the community because we don't want there to be any blowback if all of a sudden there's a confrontation and then there's a fight in the streets and then it's no justice, no peace. So just leave well enough alone. And you know, young men with high levels of testosterone crashing through their cranium, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. Oh, yeah. I see people running. I see young guys driving these cars. They don't obey red lights. They run through red lights. And I I will say this. There wasn't that much of a police presence on Dykeman under the former mayor, whom I detest. But under this mayor, it's much more of a police presence in uh, on 207th and some of the side streets there and on Dykeman. But the people are running red lights. They have the tinted windows. There's shootings. There's, I mean, hey, listen, I was in CVS the other day. A guy walks in. He goes, <laughs> he, he gets a whole case of beer, and he walks out. They're trying to stop him. And then and finally the lady said, don't, no, don't, don't. He might have a gun. Just walked in and picked up an entire case of beer and walked out. I mean, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, we see, um, because it's a chain store, their attitude corporately is, oh, let them take it, let them take it, don't get involved. Uh, we've seen situations at Best Buy where the uh, yeah. workers have actually tackled people carrying out 72-inch big screen TVs, and the workers have been fired. Fired! Hmm. And you say to yourself, what the hell are you talking about? It, it, once the, the thugs and thuggettes know that in the street, they're going to come in with shopping carts and clean you out. They're, they're like 
sharks smelling blood. And I'll tell you, uh, at the Target on 225th Street, I was there uh, recently, and they had a police officer working there. And I, I said, you, you're working security? He said, yep, full uniform. I was like, you know, if it, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Well, you see, the department does have a program where if you want to uh, work additional hours beyond your normal shift, uh, you can be sort of subleased uh, to a private concern where some of the money goes to the department. Obviously, the rest of it goes to you. Uh, the uh, owners and operators of those businesses are paying a pretty price to have a trained professional police officer from the NYPD there off-duty working in uniform. But I guess they factor it that it's a hell of a lot better to have a cop in uniform standing there in a CVS, a Dwayne Reed, a Walgreen, than to have a normal uh, private security officer who's already been told, don't get involved. Don't get involved. Well, what's the point of having the private security officer? Let them take actions. Let them do what they have to do to prevent somebody grabbing their Alvin uh, Bragg swag bag and going up and down the aisles uh, just shoplifting, knowing that there is absolutely no consequences if they get elected other than to get a disappearance ticket and then to come back and do it again and again and again. Up next... Oh, it's all about Frank Morano and that scam. I mean, that uh, contest of his in which you have to get 10 answers in a minute and you can possibly win $1,000. Wait till you hear the contestants and how really lame they've been. New York proud. New York loud. With New York attitude. All here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. For the Music Man, starring on Broadway, I think it's the Winter Garden Theater, Hugh Jackman. Do you know that they are charging $95 for standing room? $95 for standing room. What a ripoff. And then the seats are so small, so tiny, so diminutive to begin with, you got to take a reverse mortgage to get... A seat for the live show. And yet some of you, oh, I got to see the music, man. You Jackman, oh. But the reason I choose this song and the uh, whole showcase that surrounds the music, man, is because the focus is a Professor Harold Hill who comes into a town and bamboozles the local people saying, oh, 
You know what you need? You need a band. Band in the high school. You know, build up morale. Everybody will be proud. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to get those instruments. If you just give me the money, I'll go out, come back. I'll train him in the instruments. And then naturally, he's a con artist and he does the birth. In many ways, Frank Morano reminds me of Professor Harold Hill. That's right. Why, why would Frank Morano remind me of Professor Harold Hill? who is the figure that Hugh Jackman is playing on this latest creation of The Music Man at the Winter Garden Theater, where if you get standing room only, it's $95. Are you a schmuck? Are you a putz? Yeah. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, oh, oh. I'll get a payday loan. Oh. How crazy have you become? And now they're talking about Mr. Wardrobe Malfunction uh, replacing Hugh Jackman, Justin Timberlake. Really? What, is he going to have Janet Jackson up there? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Some have continued to call me morning, noon, and night because of the urgings of Frank Morano, who uh, in a very coy and uh, suave way has been trying to get people to text me to sext me, that's right, to uh, send uh, all kinds of uh, messages my way, even by pigeon, knowing that I have 100 pigeons that follow me all over the city, to try to get me to run for these many congressional districts that are up up for re-election or election. The main one being the 3rd Congressional District, the old Tom Swasey District. He's running for governor. Go ahead, knock yourself out, Tom, against Kathy Hokum. Hokum because she's full of nonsense, not Hokel. And Jumani Williams, who is so far to the left, he wants to eliminate all police, all uh, prisons. Yet, he lives in the safest area in the five boroughs of the city of New York, in the active garrison of the United States Army compound, Fort Hamilton, in the shadow. Of the Verrazano Bridge, the height of hypocrisy, that sanctimonious hypocrite. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, others have said, Curtis, don't go for the bait. He's put his favorite cheese in the trap. Because you know Frank Morano, or as he calls himself, Frank is uh, totally addicted to all kinds of cheese, starting with Velveeta. Oh, he loves Velveeta on his silver cup white bread. Oh, yeah. Low budget, and then he works his way up to Limburger cheese, but he is a fromage addict. As Eric Adams has said, Mr. Uh, I am a, uh, a vegan. Well, maybe not a vegan, a vegetarian. Well, maybe not even that. I have fish. Uh, but cheese is worse than heroin. You could be a hardcore dope fiend looking for that vein, cooking your... Uh, your heroin right in that spoon now, strapping yourself up for an injection, and do you realize that eating cheese each and every day like Frank Morano is more addictive than shooting heroin, and it's worse for your health. My God, where the hell did he get that? He said it. And let's face it, Frank Morano eats cheese morning, noon, and night. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So I'm calling this segment 
because I am trying to be lured into a Venus flytrap into the belly of the beast because I really do believe that Frank Morano, although he makes very good arguments, that I would be a much better congressman than anybody running in the third uh, congressional district to replace uh, Tom Swazi, pretty boy. And that I would be a much better congressman than uh, the former mayor, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, Bill de Blasio, and Mondaire. Yeah, Mondaire Jones, who's running, who lives way up there in Westchester in Rockland County, right? <laughs> he, he's been bum-rushed out of a district by fellow gay Democrats, right? This guy Maloney who controls uh, the DNC, all the money raised to help reelect and elect new Democrats to congressional districts. He happens to be gay himself. Richie Torres uh, from the Bronx, he's gay. And he's complaining to Maloney, the gay leader of the DNC, raising the money for the House seats, that you're being unfair to gay Mondaire Jones. So Monday Jones has decided he's going to run in the 10th CD against comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, because he is going to have his power base in Greenwich Village, right in the bar, Stonewall, where the riots began. Go ahead, knock yourself out, Monday. Frank makes a very good case. The only thing is how many times have we caught him shooting uh, slings and arrows at my back every chance he gets. Because I'm the guy whose ratings are rising faster than anybody else here at WABC. The analytics indicate that. I am just three points behind Frank Morano, who has been doing the other side of midnight uh, now for, what, two years. I've been doing this for less than six months. Because remember, I started doing this... Uh, few days after I lost the mayoral election to Eric Adams, that was November 3rd. Then I really didn't get started on the weekends uh, until about a month later. So I actually, uh, at the rate I'm going, uh, my uh, ratings for the other other side of midnight will supersede Frank Morano's. So I think he wants me out of his hair. I think he does. For instance, I've been listening intently with the help of all of you who have been writing him out. To this scam, I mean this uh, contest that he runs uh, every morning at 4.30, Monday through Fridays. You listen 1 to 5. I need you to listen all four hours. And if you can't listen uh, to the appointed time of his show, get him on the rebound side. Get him on the podcast by going to wabcradio.com. Take meticulous notes. Write them out to me. And I will uh, shed the light of day on his uh, hypocrisy at times. But also what I believe is a a contest here that appeals to the uh, lowest uh, segment of intelligentsia. I mean, we're not talking Mensa here. We're not even talking a general diploma in high school, which meant that you could uh, breathe and exhale. That's it, general diploma. We're not talking regents diploma or vocational high school diploma. We're talking a regular diploma that you actually just breathed and opened up your eyes. And he continues this. I call it Frank Morano's Morons on Parade. Frank Morano's Morons on Parade. To the tune of 76 trombones. Because he reminds me so often of Professor Harold Hill. For instance, let's take Mike. Mike uh, was calling in. Uh, He was trying to participate in this scam. I mean this contest. In which you have to guess 10 uh, questions correctly in one minute. 
and you can win a $1,000 prize. If you don't get all 10, you get a concession prize that a lot of our listeners have called up and complained because they're still waiting. I get it. I get it. It'll eventually get there. Snail mail as opposed to FedExpress, DHL, uh, you know, uh, private postal service. Frank Morano is a believer in the United States Postal Service, which could take a month of Sundays. You know, he'd be in the back room of the main post office on 33rd and 8th as a bundle blesser as the bundles go by on the uh, <laughs> on the conveyor belt. Frank Morano would be blessing the bundles. That's mostly what they do. But I want you to listen to poor Mike from Pennsylvania who got screwed over, not, not just once by Frank Morano and his crew, Matt on the boards, Alex, the phone screener, Felipe, I don't know what he does, and about two others who are nameless and faceless, but they're all part of that wrecking crew. Look at how they twist Mike from Pennsylvania in the wind. Meet today's contestant, Mike, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hello, Mike. How you doing? Uh, Mike, have you heard this segment before? Yes, they did. David told the guy. Don't get me nervous. With it. It's not that hard. It's not that easy. You know, not that hard. It is. That's right. It's not that hard. Don't get nervous. Uh, all right. So let's get started. The timer will begin after I ask you the first question. And then uh, when you get a question right, we're just going to move on to the next one. You ready to go? Yeah, go ahead. Let's go. I don't want to keep you from anything, Mike. You sound like you're in a hurry. Okay. Um, n- all right. Name a word that rhymes with B. Oh, sure. B. Rhymes with B? Uh, C. As commonly used, what does UFO stand for? Unidentified object. We'll take it. Right. Yeah, okay. Who nominates, who, who nominates the justices to the U.S. Supreme Court? President. Who defeated David Dinkins in the 1989 race for mayor of New York City? Giuliani. What former WABC talk show host founded the Drudge Report? What's his name? The guy's name is Drudge. What two countries applied to join NATO this week? Finland and Sweden. What actress played the bride in the Kill Bill movies? What was that? I didn't hear you. What actress played the bride in the Kill Bill movies? I didn't watch the Kill Bill movie. All right, you want to make a guess? Uh, is it Thermo, Thermo, whatever her name is? It is Thermo, whatever her name is. That is correct. Um, but uh, so you got seven right, and we uh, ran out of time. You did very well, though, Mike. Um, but oh, we. <laughs> well, you get a giant case of satisfaction and. Uh, a uh, a piece of d- the other side of midnight merchandise. Give, uh, Philippe, grab Mike's information from the Keystone State, since um, he doesn't have to worry about voting in primaries anytime soon. He'll want to. He'll he'll want something nice. Let's get him something extra nice. So thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Philippe. Um, there was a discrepancy. What on UFO? No. On what? On the, Uma Thurman. No, on the eighty nine question the, the dinkins oh yeah that was my error actually um he said julianne i know but he he was right i'm i was wrong you know you know what we should let him play again tomorrow because i screwed him up i said who defeated david Dink- dinkins in the 1989 race for mayor 
And David Dinkins won the 1989 race for mayor at defeating Rudy Giuliani. So he was right if I asked the question properly. Right. If, right. If, if, if I asked the question, who defeated Dinkins in the 1993 race for mayor? Giuliani. He would have been Giuliani. He's right. Or if I asked who lost to David Dinkins in the 1989 race for mayor, the answer is still Giuliani. So, you know, I, I feel bad. Let's let Mike play again tomorrow. Let get Mike's information. Let's let him play again tomorrow because he did well. He got seven right. You know, uh, we were a little liberal on that UFO acceptance. But then he backtracked, didn't he? Backtracked, yeah, he corrected, so he corrected it. He corrected it. it. You know, and um, you know, I like Mike. He's a spirited guy. He's my kind of listener. So um, we'll let him play again tomorrow. So think of that. Frank messes up, right? Frank messes up. Says. Who beat David Dinkins in 1989? Frank, he messed up. And it's his board operator, Matt, who had to straighten him out. So his poor Mike, who gets pimp slapped around the first time, is given a second opportunity to compete in this scam, I mean this contest, in which you have to get 10 questions correct in order to win $1,000 in just one minute. And it is uh, 4.30 in the mornings, Monday through Fridays, from 1 to 5. That's uh, Frank's uh, other side of midnight. Listen to what he does to this poor guy a second time. And we're going to welcome back Michael in Pennsylvania. There was some controversy over a question yesterday involving Rudy Giuliani. And we don't want any controversy with our contestants. Although Michael did answer it correctly, even though there was a problem with the formatting of the question. Michael, welcome back. Thank you, Frank. All right, Michael. How you are did, you? I'm well. You did very well yesterday. We're going to see if you could do even better today and uh, try and uh, win the $1,000. You know the rules, so I'm not going to bother repeating them. You ready to go? Okay, let's go. Let's ahead. How many toes do you have? Ten. Who was Batman's sidekick? Robin Hood. Robin Robin. How many innings are in a baseball game? Nine. What WABC talk show host is filling in this week from 12 to 1 p.m.? Oh, wow. <laughs> haven't been listening. Uh, between 12 and 1, Curtis? No, I'm sorry. It is Dominic <clears throat> Carter. Dominic Carter. Uh, we've yeah, mentioned it yeah, on this I, show I, as well. I was going to say, hey, then I, didn't, I, I, I didn't get to hear the whole show today. I was going to say Dominic, but I figure Curtis is the one who fills in all the time. Yeah, well. Wait. Is that Dominic's normal time? No, he's on midnight to 1 normally. This week he's on 12 to 1 p.m. 12 12 to 1 p.m.? Yes. You said 12 to 1. P.m. I said p.m. No, I said p.m. I said p.m. Mike, I'm putting you on hold. Talk to the judge and uh, and give Philippe your information, and we're going to give you something interesting. We're going to have to take this case to a jury. I feel like if we had Michael on every day, there'd be some controversy with the question, right? Don't you? Don't you get that impression? Yeah, because now I got to go check to see if you actually. No, I said p.m. I said twelve to one p.m. That's exactly how I said twelve to one p.m. That's how I said, and that's the only slot where there's rotating hosts. True, everything else is kind of locked in. All right. Now, here again, Frank Morano messed up. 
I've been telling you that this week I will be on from 12.15 to 1, Monday through Friday. Bill O'Reilly comes on midday for 15 minutes. It's very similar to what Ed Koch did years ago when he was no longer mayor and Rudy was uh, mayor. It would be Ed Koch on from 11 to 11.45, followed by Paul Harvey for 15 minutes. This is a little bit in reverse. It starts at the 12 p.m. hour, noon hour. It's for lunch and brunch. You can listen to me for 45 minutes. So uh, Broadway Bill Lee, Frank was wrong. Dominic was not on from 12 midday to 1. He was on from 12.15 to 1. So... He's going to torture this guy, Mike, from Pennsylvania, even though Frank messed up twice. And he should know better. So he didn't give him the kind of prize that he should have gotten. And you notice how he just hustled him off the air once Mike started to challenge him. And he said, no, you said 12 to 1, which he did. Oh, man. That is so – that he bogarted this poor guy. He Notice he hosts the contest. He messes up on a regular basis. And then it's the poor contestants who have to pay the price, like Mike from Pennsylvania. But it gets worse. Here is Jeff from South Hold out in East Long Island. Thank you, Chris Libertini. Let me say hello to Jeff in South Hold. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Frank. Jeff, it seemed like you were doing a lot of conversing with Avery Brooks before you went on air. Was there some controversy about your eligibility? What's going on? No, he didn't seem to know where I was coming from. I live in South Hold, New York, which is out on eastern Long Island. Oh, seemed to be a little... I'm very familiar with that. Um, do you listen to us on 107.1 FM out there? Uh, generally, I listen to you on 770, but I sometimes flip over to uh, to the FM. All right. Well, good. We're, we may have some big news to announce on Monday with respect to uh, the some new programming that might be coming to the, uh, the FM station. Stay tuned to Monday's show for that. All right. Jeff, I imagine you've heard this contest before. Every night. Okay, great. So I won't uh, overly explain. The important thing to remember, don't get nervous. And if you get a question right, we're just going to keep going so that we can get through all these. You ready to go? I'm ready. All right. How many letters are in the English alphabet? 27. 27. Jeff. Jeff. That's the giveaway question. Jeff. 27 letters in the English alphabet. What's the 27th letter? C? No, that's the 26th. Oh, man, I blew it. Jeff. Jeff, I, I don't know where to begin, Jeff. I, you know, um, all right. Well, I'm, I, 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 you seem like such a nice guy. I feel bad, but unfortunately... Our time together has ended, so I'm putting you on hold. And you may not know the alphabet well, but um, we're going to give give your information to Avery, and we're going to give you a hat, which... i got to get out of here. i got to get out. Is there some place to go? Is there some place I can get away from all of this? Which fortunately has um, everything spelled for you already. So, Avery, if you would, take Jeff's information. Wow, he blames Avery. You notice how he blamed you, Avery, just like that caller who says, well, if Avery's not going to write that I'm from Inwood, I'm not calling up the show anymore if he puts down that I'm calling from Manhattan. Well, Inwood is in Manhattan. So Frank Morano 
attracts these morons who didn't know how many letters were in the alphabet right out of the box. And that's supposed to be the easiest question. And then it gets worse because he has on his guests, you know, they come in studio here. Uh, they have like a hen cluck, you know, Frank Morano and his guests like that. Uh, who is that? That Chiavo lady, you know, who thinks she knows it all. Oh, I'm this big bad. I'm a comedian. You know, I'm a graduate. I've had a... Uh, uh, graduate degree, you know, from Rutgers University, I'm a Scarlet Knight, whatever it is. And then notice how she's asked to take a quick test by Frank Morano, who devises these simpleton questions, these moronic questions. And listen how she does. Who first discovered gravity? Just shout it out. Who first discovered gravity? I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> Come on, the apple. What's that? The apple falling down from the tree. Oh. I can't. Oh, my God. Now I'm drawing a blank. See, when it's somebody else, I can answer these questions. All right, what's number five? Um, <laughs> uh, number five? I mean, what country is directly to the south of the United States? Seriously? Really? Yeah, exactly. Okay, South America. No, that's a continent. <laughs> It's Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, uh, this is this is this is not meant to be this difficult. So it was Sir Isaac Newton that discovered gravity. Oh right. Yes. Yes, I do know that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I still uh, want the other questions. No, too, oh, too bad. I'll, I'll give them to you off air. I'm not wasting questions on on, on, <gasps> on you. No, well, because I can use them tomorrow. Oh, means, I know. see. I see. I I'll, see. I'll give them to you off air. All right. Wasting idiot questions. I mean, can you imagine that? This is his guest. This is a person who's supposed to be an expert. Didn't know Sir Isaac Newton. Okay. But then didn't know that the country south of the United States is Mexico. We just hear that constantly. Title 42, Title 42, border with Mexico. What a total moron. And these are friends of Frank. And then he has his other guest. Dave, come on. And then they they end up going off on you, the callers, you, the listeners, you, the loyal, the loyal participants to the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC. I always go blank on trivia type questions. That's the thing. I've noticed that with listeners, they get uh, they get flustered. Wow. Listeners get flustered. What about your guest, Frank? That guy, Dave, is a guest of yours. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Carol in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol. Hi, Curtis. Uh, how you doing? I just wanted to tell you about Frank uh, weeks ago when he had a baptism and he couldn't find uh, a place, you know, to convenience for his family. And I don't listen to him that often. I heard him that day, and he said that they have to. Uh, we went here, we went there, and and he's a certain religion. And then when they found the place, it wasn't his religion, and and they went there. And now he's saying that he's that religion. You can't change religions like that. Well, remember, Carol, he's of a generation now where if they want to identify as a woman one day, they can. As a transsexual, the next day they can. He believes he can identify with whatever religion he chooses given the day. So you're right. 
He was birthed a Catholic. Then he said, oh, I don't like being a Catholic. He then became a wannabe Catholic and Episcopalian. Oh, I don't want to be an Episcopalian. Now he claims he's a Methodist. God only knows what he's going to choose uh, next, Carol. But you're right. He, he had the baptism in a Methodist church. I mean, that's the kind of church that Bush 43 would go to, Hillary Rodham Clinton. What the hell was Frank Morano doing in a Methodist church, Carol? Yes. I know that's yeah. I don't understand. And, and Curtis, I want to tell you, he 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 cuts people off short. He could be very rude. Oh, extraordinarily yeah. obnoxious, rude, erudite, pretentious, full of himself, and yet he is a protected person here at WABC, Carol. If you were to say that to management, they would say, oh, you can't be talking about Frank Morano. He's the golden child. You know, he is the untouchable. Mm-hmm. This is, you, right. you, you, you see the problems that we have to deal with here? Yeah. And now uh, you're climbing the ladder like you're right before him now in the ratings. Yes. He can't stop you. I know he wants to stop you. Well, see, that's why he's trying to divert me, Carol. He's trying to get me interested in running against Bill de Blasio for Congress in Brooklyn or uh, for the old Tom Swazi seat out in Nassau in Suffolk County because he knows the moment I announce, I say officially I'm running for Congress, they take me off the air. It's the FCC rules and regulations. And then he'll have this field all to himself, Carol. Nobody will challenge him. Nobody will call him out. Nobody will cite his many faux pas, his many failures, his many mistakes. Right. And Curtis, when he said that uh, from from 12 to 1, it was um, somebody else, I believe he did that on purpose. Yeah, because it's not 12 to 1. He it's, didn't want, yeah. it's 12. He didn't want... Yeah. yeah, 12 to 1, right, Curtis? Right, it's 12.15 in the afternoon. I'll be on this week, 12.15 to 1. That's the normal time yeah. because Bill O'Reilly is on from 12 to 12.15. So Frank right. messed up on poor Mike from yeah. Pennsylvania twice because he didn't want to give yeah. him the $1,000 prize. Oh, he's it, really messing up. Curtis. Well, you see, the last time he had to get a payday loan in New Jersey. You know, it's illegal in New York, so he had to go over to New Jersey to get a payday loan, and then he figures this time if he uh, has to cough up the money, he'll have to borrow it from his friends in the Gambino crime family, John Gotti Jr., and, you know, they charge quite a vig. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, he's dug himself a hole, Carol, mm-hmm. and he is so ob- obstinate, he is so stubborn, that rather than acknowledge that he is wrong and he needs to alter his ways and correct, take some corrective action, he stubbornly just digs in all the more and wait, coming up. You would think, who is the animal expert here at WABC? Why, it's my beautiful wife, Nancy, right? Animal rescuer. We do the Animal Welfare Hour. It's the only animal welfare show here at WABC. In fact, it's the last hour I do on the weekends where WABC stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, 11 to 12 later on today. It's the most called in, most requested, most desired of the many hours that I do. 
And so you would think that if you had a problem involving animals, like anybody who works here, right, if it was Broadway Bill Lee or if it was Avery or anyone else, that you wouldn't go to a vet, you wouldn't waste your money, you would just call up Nancy like our callers do, and she gives great advice. No, not Frank, my quantum eye. He thinks he's better than everyone else. He thinks he's so pretentious. He knows it all in many ways. He's just like Comrade Bill de Blasio, who was a part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly destroyed the city that we love. And now he wants to get elected to Congress from Brooklyn and the lower part of Manhattan so he can destroy our country and the House of Representatives over my dead body. So Monday, all day, my wife is remarking how he keeps trying to go to the litter box and... Crouch down like he's trying to urinate or defecate, but nothing's coming out. So she's very concerned. This is her firstborn. He just had a birthday uh, May 1st. I think he was 13. Now, they were able to uh, take some uh, measurements. I don't know if it was a sonogram or a CAT scan, whatever it was, and look at his insides. And they said that... um, that it's uh it I forget what it was. It's very thick. And they think maybe he was just constipated. It could be that. Or he's also been experiencing diarrhea. They think it could be irritable bowel syndrome. Open phones if you want to jump on board. You hear that? He's talking about his cats. He's got three cats that he shares with Rachel as a uh as a uh, help Carmine grow, who's now 36 pounds on my dad, he was birthed uh, right at about uh, Thanksgiving Day. Remember, by the midwife uh, who was provided by um, Vinnie Ignizio, who at that time was in charge of Mount St. Laredo for the uh, Catholic Charities. He's now with the Board of Elections. Uh, and naturally, the uh, nurse Ratchet, who was from the hospital. He was 13 pounds then, Carmine. He's now 36 pounds. But... You would have thought Frank would have picked up the phone. He's talked to my wife, Nancy, before about things that, that of no consequence. You know, Frank, he likes to hear himself talk. Do you think, Broadway, Bill Lee, and do you think, Avery, that Frank should have been talking to Nancy? This is a cat issue. It wouldn't have cost him any money. He's always claiming he doesn't have any money. But, boy, he's always at the casinos, right? Losing money, shooting craps, you know, playing poker. Playing twenty one blackjack, and he, he, but you see, he doesn't want it known that Nancy knows more about the cats than him, even though he acknowledged right there he knew nothing at all about what was bothering this cat. Nancy would have nailed it in a second, in a second. See what I'm dealing with here? He doesn't want people to think, oh, I had to rely on Curtis's wife for anything. Because I'm pretentious, I'm the best, I'm not like the rest, I know everything. Wait, coming up, you're going to hear something that is so mind-blowing out of the mouth of Frank Marano. It's shocking, his lack of knowledge. And he had to be corrected by his own guest. I mean, it was humiliating, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Look, I've been in situations before where I have to admit, admit, you know, I was slow on the draw. But, Frank, this was so humiliating. 
1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The power of information. The freedom to talk about it. With New York Attitude. Talk Radio 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, Bobby Darren. Frank Morano is probably out at some uh, cigar bar there, lighting up some uh, illegal cohibas with John Gotti Jr. and members of the Gambito crime family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look. Look, it's, it's what he chooses to do, right? As long as he's not involved in organized crime, right? But he's like on the periphery. He's on the periphery. But you can't tell Frank that. Can't tell Frank that. And then maybe out of the many times that I've listened to Frank Morano, and I urge all of you to do it, not only Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5 in the morning, that's five days a week, four hours a morning, 20 hours. I need you to rat him out to me. If you can't listen uh, to him uh, at the moment of the program, you got to go to the podcast. You got to listen to it religiously, meticulously, and cherry pick from that things that I need to know. Rat him out. Eat the Parmesan cheese. A big, thick. Piece of Parmesan cheese. And one of the callers did. I'm not going to name the caller because uh, Frank Morano, you know, uh, will be uh, kvetching and will probably ban this caller. And I, I don't want that to happen. But the caller pointed out, he said, what a knucklehead Frank is. You know, uh, he used the term that Governor Murphy uses to uh, talk about his constituents. Why you didn't vote for Citarelli in New Jersey is beyond me. But anyway. I want you to listen. This is Frank's guest. This is a week before the full moon, the blood moon, the event that so many people were talking about, that you were reading about, that you were watching on TV, that my own uh, wife, Nancy, who is uh, nicknamed Lone Wolf, went into Central Park, remember, right after she finished doing the animal welfare hour last week. 11 to 12, as she will do in just a few hours before I'm forced to pass off the 50,000 powerful watts of sound to the buffer. Oh, and boy, do I have it in for him. A lot of you callers have ratted him out good, Dominic Carter. Like two peas in a pot, like a soup in a sandwich, like a horse in a carriage. Like they're teaming up against me. I want you to listen to Frank here. So obstinate, so pretentious. He has his guest on. He's talking about solar system, space, unidentified flying objects, little gray aliens, and, of course, knowledgeable about the lunar eclipses, the full moons, the blood moons. Listen to pretentious Frank Morano have to be pimp slapped down. You know, on this great phenomenal ratings that you're knocking it out of the park and out of the stratosphere, on 77 WABC, my friend. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that, and uh, we're very blessed to have the, the greatest audience in the world, and uh, I think it's in part guests like you uh, that are helping to attract them in such wide numbers. So thank you. All right. So uh, yes. break down for us exactly what we're seeing. What's the moon doing right now? 
Well, unfortunately, it's not happening, Frank, until Sunday. This is an mm. eclipse that's going to take place Sunday. But it's great to be with you and the listeners. You can <laughs> act like a man. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Notice Frank was, he was befuddled. What? It's Sunday? <laughs> can I hear that again, please? Now, this is his expert guest. You would have thought he would have left it to the guests, but oh, no, Frank, he's always got to be, it's one-upmanship. He knows more than even his guests. You know, on this great, phenomenal ratings that you're knocking it out of the park and out of the stratosphere on 77 WABC, my friend. Well, thank you very much. I I appreciate that, and uh, we're very blessed to have the the greatest audience in the world, and uh, I think it's in part guests like you uh, that are helping to attract them in such wide numbers. So thank you. All right. So um, break down for us exactly what we're seeing. What's the moon doing right now? Well, unfortunately, it's not happening, Frank, until Sunday. This is an Mm. eclipse that's going to take place Sunday, but it's great to be with you and the listeners. See? (laughs) What can I do? What can I do? The guests tried to cover up for Frank. He knew how humiliating it was. You talk about humiliating. Remember, we had the ratings party hosted by John Katsimatidis and uh, Marco Katsimatidis, owner and operators of Red Apple Media, our parent company, and our general manager, Campo di Tutti, Chad Lopez. It's a great night. Frank Morano shows up. He's wearing his pocket protector and his lapel pins. You know, he looked like a real geek, a nerd, a schlemiel, a schmageggy. God, the people were taking pictures. I said, Frank, you don't want to be seen like that. It's like, my God, you know what you look like? You, you look like a white Urkel. God, Frank, what have you done to yourself? Oh, he's all happy there with his pocket protector, his label pins. And then, I believe this uh, to be true. Just as... Um, Elon Musk has indicated that about half of President Joe Biden's followers on Twitter are bots, are not real followers. I believe that a lot of the listeners that have given the Frank Morano the ratings advantage over me are bots. They're not real. They're all bots, that's for sure, but they're bots. I, I am going to demand that the rating service analyze each of Frank Morano's rating points, because I'm only three points behind. He's 20, I'm 17, and the rest of the station follows. But that you will find in that 20 points, that means 20 radios out of 100 are listening at any given hour. And some of those are bots. They're bots, but they're also bots, just to push up his numbers. And I've only done this once before, ladies and gentlemen, but I swear to you, I I, I have to do this. I did this to the Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, Art Bell, when uh, we were constantly at war. I had declared a radio jihad against Art Bell before the attack of 9-11. I am going to perform exorcisms of Frank's brainwashed listeners on the airwaves. I am going to have a Catholic priest join me since Frank Morano has left the church. No longer a Roman Catholic. He is in search of a religion. 
every other week he's uh, something else. You know, it's like, oh, if I identify as a transgender, then you have to treat me as a transgender. So if he identifies as a Methodist this week and a Presbyterian the next week, we have to somehow identify him with that religion. I think it's time that I do an exorcism of Frank's brainwashed listeners. With the help uh, of my cousin, who many, many years ago became a Catholic priest, he's since retired. But he will come out uh, specifically to help me with this. We, we, we have to save many of you listeners who are sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys of Frank Morano. Anyway, to the phones we go. To Jill, calling from New Jersey, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jill. Hello, Curtis. Yes, Jill. Pleasure to hear your voice and not Frankie. (laughs) Okay, I just want to say, you give Frank way too much credit when you say he's a member of the Gambino crime family. Because he is the biggest putz, the biggest nebbish, the biggest, what you said, schnurr, uh, Oh, he is a schnorrer. You're right about that. That's the word I left out. He is a schnorrer. Yes, you're right. And the whole bit. And to think of him in the mafia, it's given him too much credit for actually being a man, being macho. And he's. Yeah, but you know something, Jill? I want you to do this, and I want all of our listeners to do this when time permits, to go on the page uh, of the website that promotes uh, the many podcasts of all of our. Uh, hosts and hostesses, including some of the specialty podcasts, like my own with my oldest son, Anthony, who's an intern here, father and son, Anthony and Curtis. But Frank Morano, you'll look at a picture of him when he does his Mob Talk podcast. He looks like he's one of them. Jill, you got to look at this. Oh, I couldn't believe it, Ben. <laughs> you know how he, typically he's like he was at the ratings party. He had the pocket protector on, the lapel pins. <laughs> he looked like a real geek, a shlemio, a nerd, a shmagegi. And yet in this, he's got the gladiator suit on, you know, it's shining. Uh, and he's got that tough look. And I said, wow, he might really have some of that Gambino flowing through his veins and arteries. Check it out. Do me a favor. Check it out, Jill, and the rest of you. Check out all the podcasts at WABCRadio.com. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Johnny calling from Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Uh, good morning, sir. I have an answer to the question and answer period for Mr. Morano. First of all, you scratched this idea that you read uh, Morano's. The best 10 questions in a minute, and you answer it all. How about we get 10 questions for Frank, 10 questions to the caller calling in? This is an act of sabotage. Johnny from Jersey City is making uh, many cogent remarks, very concise remarks. And I noticed Broadway Bill Lee, uh, you had no control of that. That seemed to be, again, automatically created by Matt, Frank Morano's board operator, to interfere with Johnny. Let's see maybe if we can correct that. Let's try to uh, – Johnny, are you there? I'm still here. All right. It, apparently, Matt, who is the board operator for Frank, uh, has triggered off an automatic uh, dispenser that 
somehow interferes with your your call? Are you, you speaking on a a house line, a home oh, phone? I'm speaking on a hardwired line. Wow, that's incredible. I, I, I think it should be the same for Sid. It's it's very easy to say you have a minute to answer these, and don't get nervous. Well, let's just put it on the opposite. Hmm. Ten questions, which are created by the station somewhere. They ask ten questions to Frank, ten questions to the caller. Whoever gets the best out of ten wins. The same for Sid. Now, Bernie uh, doesn't make a difference. He's, just a, he's pretty much of a genius. But when, when Sid is asked ten questions, they don't even give him, they give him precisely prepared questions. In fact, on his last show this week, he wants to kill the program. He doesn't even want to answer it. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, see how it's triggering. And he, he, he was he was crystal clear. Matt has uh, somehow, through technology, put in some kind of psyop that triggers this off to our callers. You know, Frank was doing cover, complaining about Verizon. Oh, you know, uh, Dan, the man, our head engineer, gave a ticket item to Verizon. He was huffing and puffing like he was going to blow down the tower. The 50,000 powerful watts of sound Frank was. It's all a cover. This is his uh, board operator, Matt, who I believe is responsible for this. Let's go, if we can, to Rocco, calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rocco. Uh, hello, hello, Cotus. I, I just want to, I, I have a, a, a question and a um, advice afterwards, but I'm going to listen to your answer first. Is your beef with Frank uh, real? Uh, or is it just a just a promotion uh, for both of you guys? Because you spend enormous amount of time, uh, kind of like I don't know, criticizing you. But uh, is it, I just want to know if it's real or not. Well, I have to, Rocco, because as you know, I've been doing talk radio for 32 years. I gave uh, Frank an opportunity to uh, do talk radio. And uh, instead, ever since I came back from uh, losing the mayoral election to Eric Adams, he's done everything to sort of box me in, which is so unfair, Rocco. You know, just give credit where credit is due. I'm not the ratings leader here at WABC. Frank is. He has a 20. I have a 17. But I'm, I'm closing on him quickly. And now he's trying to make it so that I can't I can't overcome his lead. I'm down to two people. I had a hire uh, Broadway Bill Lee, get him out of retirement. He was a fixture at WCBS-FM for many years. Avery here is our overnight producer and phone screener. He's got to multitask. I have only two people overnights. Frank has six. That, that's that's not fair, Rocco. That's not fair. That's, well, as far as manpower, that's that's true. That's, uh, that's not fair. But just let it go. You're the... You kind of look like a, a hero in uh, in New York, so just just let it go. So my other question is: Are you planning to run for political office again? Because if you are, do not hire your previous campaign manager. He did a terrible job when you ran for mayor for the mayorship against uh, Adams. Well, I will tell you this, Rocco: one person who I will not hire if I ever run for political office again is Frank Morano. Wow. Yeah, look at look at these texts coming in. He must be texting as we speak to people. Yeah, encourage. 
encourage encourage Curtis to run for the third congressional district, the Tom Swasey district. Encourage Curtis to run against the Blasio. He hates the Blasio with a passion. He'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So I can leave leave WABC here, where I'm gaining on Frank Morano, where I'm soon going to be the ratings king. Hmm. I think I see his strategy. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Hey, Curtis. Yeah, um, I was driving uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday was the Preetness, and I was driving down past Frankie Morano's house, and all the cars, there was some dirty cars double. When that company has very high... He had parking the cars. He had Carmine, like, dressed like a ballet, parking the cars. Now, now, hold on a second, Pete. Hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. What was that interference, uh, Broadway, Bill Lee, and all the years I've known you from the days at WCBS? This has never happened to you before. You're very consistent. You're very focused. You never let that board out of your sight, and yet it came out of nowhere. I truly believe that Matt, what's Matt's last name there? You know, he hides behind that. Gets or Gates or something was able to trigger off something within the mechanism deep in the bowels of your uh, board that you you have no control of. Uh, Do do you realize, Bill, that's never happened to you in all the years at WCBS-FM. You're an iconic figure there. God, never. Something, this is sabotage of the worst type. You see, because what they do is they inlay these technological, we'll call them speed bumps. So here you have Broadway Bill Lee, considered the best in the business. That's why I begged him in Fort Myers. He was retired. Uh, his retirement home was right next to uh, the great uh, sports broadcaster, Warner Wolf. I begged him, please come back. They got me down to one person. They wanted Avery to do the boards to answer the phones, and to do the overnight production. That that would be unfair to anybody. And you were kind enough to come back, but now you got to do a deep dive here. This is treachery beyond anything I have ever seen before. Technological tre- treachery in which it seems we have the whole Murano team stacked against us. The deck is stacked against us. But we're going to forge ahead, and we're going to talk about how You can join my ever-growing fraternity and sorority of insomaniacs that you don't need sleep aids because I'm going to keep you pumping and jumping until the break of dawn. That's my mission here at WABC. So don't you dare go to sleep on Curtis Sliwa because if you do, you'll be missing something that you will regret for a month of Sundays. If you're up late on the weekends, this is what WABC sounds like. Eileen from Queens uh, fell asleep on me just uh, 24 hours ago. Do I do this to people? Do I put people to sleep? Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Weekends, 77 WABC. Check this. 
this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Nobody at WABC plays jams like this. No, 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 you don't post nerdly. No, you can't touch this. Not after you said Earth, Wind, and Fire was better than Sly and the Family Stone. Ixnay on that, or Dominic Carter, who tries to sing at night when he's on from 12 midnight to 1, like keep him in the shower stall. Or Frank Morano has the corniest songs. As a lead-in to discussion, and I'm not even going to go through all the other hosts and hostesses. They just can't touch Curtis Sleep. AM WABC. I don't care what they have at WBLS. Could be the spirit of Frankie Crocker or Vaughn Harper. Can't touch this. Because this is the Caucasian persuasion, the snow bro. I got to tell you, I got to ask John Katsimatidis and Marco Katsimatidis, our owner and operator of our parent company, Red Apple. They could put me on loan to WBLS, Inner City Broadcasting, uh, that Percy Sutton created years ago when he came from Texas. That's right. He's not a local. Oh, man, him and Dinkins and Basil Patterson and Charlie Rangel. You can't touch them, Eric Adams. All four of their suits would knock your eyeballs out. But anyway, I digress. I believe I heard our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, say that in developing uh, Red Apple Media from coast to coast, that he was interested in purchasing a station to be music and music alone. And I will lobby him heavily. I will say, you gotta, you got to let me do the Curtis Lee with Quiet Storm. I'll compete against BLS. They're considered the best, not like the rest, on the FM dial. Because I'll, I'll be quite specific, FM. Freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and of course, Frank Morano. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for our final Curtis Lee with Booby Prize of the night, 
group and what great jam is this that I'm playing here as part of the Curtis Lee with Quiet Storm. You could keep that underneath uh, Broadway Bill Lee. It is stimulating. It makes you almost want to have that urge to merge. Not quite. But it puts you right on the cusp. You really get a sense that passion can unfold at a moment's notice and completely encapsulate you. Yeah, I think some of you have gotten so excited you'll never go to sleep. But don't worry about it. There'll be plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. What else can you do? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, for the final uh, trivia booby prize, what great group is this and what great song is this? That I have uh, kicked off the Curtis Lee Quiet Storm exclusive to 77 AM WABC. Our number is 1 800 848 922. That's 1 800 848 WABC. And now we're going to go into the whole reason that this program exists. My entire focus is to keep you with me until the break of dawn. I heard that promo that played right before we began this hour by Chris Libertini, the voice of WABC, who hap- happened to encapsulate encapsulated Eileen from Queens, who snored on me, actually went to sleep on me. That will never, ever happen. Oh, no, 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 no. Because you're going to wake up. You're going to be revived. You're going to be invigorated. You're going to be motivated. You're going to be clean of thought and of mind. And this energy source that I'm transmitting to you over the 50,000 powerful watts of sound will carry you throughout the day and the night. Many of you have said, I don't know where you get all your energy from. Well, now I'm transmitting it to all of you. I am turning you into members of the ever-growing fraternity and sorority of insomaniacs, better known as those who suffer from insomnia, who are listening to me at this very moment. And I'm going to help you, because too many of you have been told by doctors and family members and friends and co-workers that you need sleep aids, that you toss and you turn... And you have a lack of sleep. So what do you generally do when you wake up in the wee hours of the morning? You turn to me. Saturdays from 12 midnight to 6. And so nice they let me do it twice. Sundays from 12 midnight to 6. And then if all of a sudden you awaken in the middle of the night, you've got a friend of your own here in Curtis Lee and our crew here. As short-shrifted as we are with Broadway Bill Lee, an iconic, well-regarded figure in this business for years, on loan from WCBS-FM, and of course, Avery, a multitasker extraordinaire, who's constantly lambasted by Frank Morano. Every time we lend Avery to Frank, because, you know, he's got to have six people. If he doesn't have six people, he feels like, oh my God, he's lacking. You know, it's everything for Frank. Well, let me tell you something. I want to explain to all of you listening out there that there's something missing in your life if all of a sudden you're going to sleep through the entire night and cut seats. And I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen. 
so that you're you're not going to be nodding off any longer. Oh no, oh no, and you will be revived. You will be refreshed. You will be revitalized. You've got to understand. I've done the calculations, the analytics on this. 36% of people throughout the United States who hear our 50,000 powerful wants of sound and 12 other countries who also are listening to us simultaneously have experienced sleep problems during the pandemic. And 12% of U.S. adults reported changes in sleeping habits because of pandemic stress. So right away, what do the psychologists, the psychiatrists, the medical doctors say? They want to give you drugs. They want to give you drugs and put you to sleep. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like many people with insomnia, do not turn to sleep aids. Don't get those over-the-counter antihistamines, the Benadryl, the Somonex, the z I guarantee you put those medications aside because if you use them long term, you're going to become addicted. One day, somebody will say, oh, my God, you're a dope fiend. You're on Somonix. You're on z You're on Benadryl. And then all of a sudden, it's going to affect your melatonin, your hormonal regulation, and your body's sleep cycle. Entrust yourself to get on that voyage that I take you on, 12 midnight to 6, Saturdays and Sundays, in which it's going to be effortless. You're going to feel as if you're floating on air. Your eyes will be wide awake, and you will be cognizant and cogent. And then on occasion, in the middle of the night, when you have that bathroom trip, to the little boy or the little girl's room, you will suddenly hurry back because you don't want to miss anything, any of the words dripping from my lips. The world of sleep aids is clearly a confusing one. And I want you to give it up, especially all of you folks who believe that, like the Kennedys, you have to take Ambien at night. Remember Patrick Kennedy racing uh, to think that he had a houseboat up in Congress and crashed into the barriers at 4 in the morning? Remember Kathleen Kennedy, who was married to uh, Andrew Evilize Cuomo? Remember how she took Ambien and crashed uh, there in Westchester? I forget and exactly what uh, what particular... A route she was taking, I think, the Sawmill River. And you understand what Tiger Woods went through all those years he was popping Ambien. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen to WABC instead. Yours truly, Curtis Lewa, in the overnights, the other other side of midnight. And, of course, Frank Morano, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. 20 hours of the other side of midnight. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to George in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, George. Curtis, good morning, Curtis. How are you? Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Visit at Shalimar. Excellent, excellent. Shalimar, do you happen to know the name of this particular song? Yeah, this is for the lover in you. Yes. Now, was this not a good choice here, George? I'm sorry? Wasn't this a excellent choice, George? Oh, please, are you kidding me? They have uh, a bunch of them. There's uh, 
Uh, next time, a second time around is uh, Make That Move. Oh, man, there's a lot of good songs by Shalomar. You know, Jody Wally started with them, and Howard Hewlett, and some guy named Daniels who looked like Prince, the third guy. That's right. But uh, They had the jerry yeah, curls, remember, when you used to have to wear yeah. the bubble head there for the jerry curls because yeah. you had the grease that was, like, coming down the side of your face? Yeah, but you got to watch out for the fire. That's right. That and the process, because the process could, like, explode oh, yeah, on you in that bubble head. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something, George. I'm all geared up. I'm ready to battle WBLS. They could have that quiet storm. Oh, this is good music, man. This is really taking me back. This is in the 80s. This is great. Damn right. And I'm telling you, George, the only thing standing in our way to rating supremacy across the AM and FM dial. It's WBLS, and I'm ready to take him on. Because, you know, Frank Morano playing uh, Al Jolson. Oh, Al Jolson, yeah. That ain't going to do it, man. That is not going to do it, George. <laughs> anyway, George, I want you to uh, sort of lapse back. Don't go to sleep, because I'm going to take you to the no, break no, of dawn. No, cool, yeah. To the break of dawn. Just, and just playing that music. And just enjoy the vibe. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Avery, make sure, Avery, that you get uh, the information to George, who nailed it. Shalimar, this is for the lover in you. This is the kind of music that towards the wee hours of the morning, you may all of a sudden be on the cusp of having that urge to merge. It's And then, of course, we've got to talk about all of you out there who suffer from sleep apnea. And I think that's why Eileen from Queens was snoring the other day. Uh, I didn't want to be so personal about that. It afflicts 22 million people in the United States and causes frequent wake-ups. Although not on that occasion. She didn't wake up. She continued to snore through my program. If you're up late on the weekends, this is what WABC sounds like. Eileen from Queens uh, fell asleep on me just uh, 24 hours ago. Do I do this to people? Do I put people to sleep? Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Weekends, 77 WABC. It was purposely done by Chris Libertini, who is the voice of WABC, to add insult to injury on that. That is not going to happen. That is not going to happen, I'm telling you. I know what my mission is. I believe that Eileen in Queens, and yes, Juan, remember the Bolivian uh, from uh, Boston who fell asleep on me, it wasn't because of the content of this program that keeps you jumping and pumping. It's because they, like 22 million Americans, suffer from sleep apnea, which causes frequent wake-ups, but then causes them to snore so loud that they need to put a machine over their face. Should have had that machine on so we... I wasn't so personally embarrassed. But I am telling you that some of you out there have been uh, bamboozled and mesmerized by doctors into taking sleep aids, especially Ambien. And I'm telling you, don't do that. 
how many people who have taken Ambien were 90% more likely to be involved in car crashes and that their increased risk was on par with that of driving drunk. Yes. So what you need is the stimulation that I provide on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In fact, I'll go this far without any uh, medical documentary evidence. But I believe this kind of stimulation, theater of the mind, the most personal and intimate communication that you could ever, ever have, You have friends who are with you 24-7-365 here at WABC. And I believe if all of a sudden you get into that Venus flytrap of taking Ambien, that you more than double the risk of developing dementia and acting like President Joe Biden out there in Korea saying, where's the kimchi, huh? Where's the kimchi, huh? And there are some of these sleeping aids that can cause physical dependence where people need higher doses over time to get the same effect, and then you become a dope fiend for Ambien. Withdrawal syndromes and symptoms, and then it's more difficult than ever falling asleep when you actually have to get a few hours of sleep. I acknowledge that. You need a few hours of sleep. Just don't do it on my dime, huh? You know, Frank Morano, who uh, from time to time uh, has fallen asleep after eating his uh, valuable fromage from France, as he says, and drinking his wine, 99 cent chemical uh, Julius uh, G. Uh, Gallo wine with the, not corkscrew, but, you know, the, the, uh, the turn it uh, top the term it, aluminum top, that I believe Frank Morano one time woke up right here at the desk at WABC while doing the program, and there were candy wrappers near the console here and popsicle sticks right here, and he had no idea how the hell he got here. You see? You get next day drowsiness. Don't go that way. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Barbara, who's calling from East Chester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Barbara. Hi, Curtis. Yes, Barbara. I li- you have me awake all the time. <laughs> You're keeping me awake, but it's fine. Well, I've uh, I've made that commitment to uh, John Katsimatidis that my job is to keep people up to the break of dawn, and I am fulfilling I am fulfilling okay. that promise to him. Very good. I love your stories. I, I love listening to you. I think you're wonderful. Thank love you. all the music, yes. the stories. Oh, that's very important very to, to integrate the music in with what you're talking about so that yes. it works on your subliminal mind. That's correct. So correct. I can relate to all the stories and music, and it's just great. It's great. So I just want to say how happy I am to listen to you, and I always look forward to it, to hear when you're on. It's just a pleasure. Now, uh, where were you born and raised, Barbara? I was born in East Chester. Hmm. And how long, have you been a, how long have you been a listener to WABC? Oh, going way, way back. Bob Grant. Yes. Uh, 
and of course, uh, I mean, Cousin Brucey way back, and I mean, all the way back. Boy, that is a that is a commitment that you have made to uh, this great yeah. radio station. I still have I still have the transistor radios. Oh, <laughs> in fact, if uh, folks want to go to Instagram, the WABC Instagram at uh, WABC Radio uh, Instagram, you can actually see my first two radios I had posted on Friday: Sony radios, the smaller one, and then the boombox. Yeah, yeah. I still have a little, it's a GE. I don't know if you're familiar with that oh, one. Oh, sure, General Electric. Yeah, I have that one and the Sony. Yes, yeah, and yeah. The, the terrestrial, uh, pretty soon it's going to be like a dinosaur. They call it the terrestrial radio, but <laughs> let's face it, that's the best way, if you have it, to listen to it. And then if yeah. not, you have the stream on your laptop or your computer, the app now where you can hear it crystal clear if you were with the penguins in Antarctica. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to salute you, Barbara, and so many out there who have remained loyal, not only when we were spinning stacks of wax and we were the top 40 station in the nation with Cousin yeah. Brucey and Herb Oscar Anderson and Harry Harrison and a great lineup of DJs, but then when we flipped the script, went to all talk, right. and then were wise enough to bring back the King of Talk Radio, who was in exile out at WWDB in Philadelphia, and he just right. blew it up here. He blew it up. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, thank I you. Real quick, look yes. out for a letter, okay? A look letter. out for a letter. A letter. Is that from the IRS? <laughs> I'm always looking for a letter from the IRS, and it's not because they're going to be sending me any money. It's because they want more money. Well, that's true. That's true. Is it from a bill collector? <laughs> of which I have many. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. I'll be looking. I'll be looking, Barbara. Okay. Thank Good you. Good talking to you, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Stay loyal. Well. Stay loyal. Healthy. Yes, I will. You, gotta, you have to get a little sleep, though. You have uh, to. Medjit, medjit, poco, poco. Little, little, little sleep. Enough so... Right. To keep the tiger in my tank. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Good talking to you. Pleasure. Ladies Bye. and gentlemen, I am on a mission now. I understand, according to all the analytics, that the only thing that stands between us and total supremacy of this radio market, this vast radio market in the tri-state area, is WBLS, Inner City Broadcasting. And I know, having listened to them years ago... The era of Frankie Crocker and Vaughn Harper. That I could take him out. I just need to get the signal from high up. The Curtis, go for it. Take him out. They've been there too long. Too long. They have been the signal of FM superiority to AM. AM stands for active-minded. Need I tell you again that FM, the acronym, stands for Freaking Morons, Feeble-Minded, Fornicating Madly, Free Marijuana, and of course, Frank Morano. Ah, that's Eric Adams' theme song. Guy is always smiling. I think that's what catapulted him to victory in the very heated, contested Democratic primary against Maya Wiley, who never smiled, and Kathleen Garcia, who barely smiled. 
And then naturally in the general election against yours truly, uh, yeah, I could flash the pearly whites, but not like Eric Adams. He's always smiling. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> Turns out the swagger man never had a plan to deal with crime and it's escalating, but according to all the papers today, as you wake up, rise and shine. <laughs> Because you see, you don't have to rise and shine when you're with Curtis Slewa. You're already on cloud nine, huh? You're already on cloud nine. You're going to see that behind the scenes, as I've been telling you for months and months and months, Eric Adams is not secretly, but very publicly and openly running for the presidency of the United States. When he first uh, announced his candidacy... He went out and had to fundraise because he had 13 Democratic candidates he had to supersede. And he would tell the fundraisers, you know, I got a 10-year plan to be president. And they said, oh, that sounds good. You mean two terms as mayor and then two years to run for president. And he has um, escalated that el rapido in looking at the condition of President Joe Biden. All the Democrats saw, ah, that could be me. Yeah, we'll take care of Pops. We'll send them back to Scranton in a long-term senior citizen home care unit. And watch. They're going to be jumping each other's bones to take his place. That'll be Eric Adams. Yeah. But remember, you heard it here first. I told you what was going on. So many of you said, Curtis, you're upset. You lost. You can't get over it. Why do you keep harping on this? Because it's important. It's important, ladies and gentlemen. And I think what I'm going to have to do is by July 4th, that'll uh, be about six months that he's been in office. I think we're going to have to give him a a report card. It's no more, maybe, possibly, could be. I haven't had enough time. Gee, in six months, if you still have more violent crime than in any six-month period of the Bill de Blasio administration, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Ah. Uh, uh, according to uh, Little Birdie, apparently Eric Adams, our mayor who loves the nightlife. Yep. <laughs> this swagger man certainly has a plan about nightlife in the city. He uh, left Club Zero Bond at approximately 3.08 this morning. I don't know if he went out to uh, apartment 22H in Fort Lee, where he has been known to reside, or Trump Tower with the two brothers, one of whom went to jail for extortion, the restaurant tours. Well, who knows? But he'll be, be up. He'll be up bright and early. That's the plus he's got going for him versus comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who wouldn't get up until the late hours of the morning only to go work out at his uh, YMCA there in his beloved Park Slope, come to City Hall and sleep for an hour, and then bag it early. At least Eric Adams doesn't do that. But I will tell you, the next big issue that is taking place affects something that is very important to some of us, not all of us. But according to the New York Post, Christopher Columbus has had his personal security team pulled by the NYPD. What do I mean by that? The five... Christopher Columbus statues in New York City are now without protection, and it's just a matter of hours, days. 
before they get desecrated. When we come back, I'm going to describe what is transpiring. Nobody seems to care, but I sure care, and I have a remedy. Because I don't just moan and groan and complain and kvetch. Uh, I kvell, kvell, as I will be kvelling when I'm walking down Fifth Avenue in just a few hours. In the annual Support Israel Day Parade, as I have done with the Guardian Angels each and every year. I'll be joined by Andrew Giuliani, who is my candidate to win the Republican nomination to become the gubernatorial candidate to take on Kathy Holcomb and naturally my Kumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani. And I know that many of you listening out now, yeah, you'll be along Fifth Avenue as you always are. And now that the lockdown and pandemic are over, it's been a long time since we've had to support the Israel Day Parade, but it's back. And even though it's going to be hot and it's going to be sweaty and humid, if you have the physical ability, you got to come out and you got to support the state of Israel. Because, again, the whole focus of the state of Israel, its existence is under attack by its many enemies. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Just a few hours with the renewal of the support, the Israel Day Parade. I'll be out there with the Guardian Angels, as I've always been. And I'll be joined uh, by Andrew Giuliani, my candidate, to uh, win the Republican gubernatorial nomination. And I'll be side-by-side with my Kumbadachit, Rudy Giuliani. We'll be strutting our stuff up Fifth Avenue. Hope to uh, see you there. If uh, physically you can deal with the heat and the humidity. But, you know, for those uh, who will be uh, aligned along Fifth Avenue towards the reviewing stand, if you happen to be on the other side of Central Park, over near Columbus Circle, uh, Christopher Columbus, who was under attack, under siege in the summer of 2020 when... uh, Mr. Floyd was killed at the hands of the Minneapolis Police Department in South uh, Minneapolis. Then uh, 40, 40 of the Christopher Columbus statues across the nation were desecrated, attacked, destroyed, removed. And now the threat has once again come upon those five that are in the five boroughs of the city of New York. The New York Post is reporting that the personal security team of the NYPD assigned to each uh, of these Christopher Columbus statues has been pulled. And we've been told that it'll be a video camera that will be trained on these statues 24-7-365. Yeah, maybe they'll work as effectively as the the, uh, cameras in the subway stations, most of which are not working. Boy, I got no faith in that. And who is sitting back at the local precinct watching the video 
while vandals may be desecrating these Christopher Columbus statues, you know it'll be a dollar short and a day late. Well, let's look at it. The biggest uh, statue is right there, the iconic symbol at 59th Street, Columbus Circle. No police protection now. Then you go outside of the uh, New York State Supreme Court building in Brooklyn in the shadow of the Brooklyn Borough Hall. You see the Christopher Columbus statue. It'll certainly come under attack. Then uh, there is the uh, Christopher Columbus statue in Central Park itself. Guaranteed to be desecrated now that it does not have police protection. And you better believe in AOC land. All out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the justice warriors who hate, who loathe, who despise anything affiliated with Christopher Columbus. That they will lay siege to the Christopher Columbus statue on Hoyt Avenue and Astoria Boulevard in the heart of Astoria, which is the congressional district of uh, AOC. And then, of course, there is the bust, not the statue, the bust of Christopher Columbus. I believe that's Murphy Park in the Belmont, Arthur Avenue section of the Bronx. Used to be the Italian section. Now it's the Albanians and the Macedonians, and they protect that uh, bust. Uh, The Albanians have taken baseball bats out when Black Lives Matter was rampaging through the streets in the summer of 2020. It was the Albanians who stood strong and said, you are not desecrating this bust of Christopher Columbus. But I have an answer in terms of what could be done other than uh, using badly needed police resources uh, because with early retirements and retirements, our NYPD police department is being depleted and we're down to 34,000. That's a dangerous level. It needs to be up to 40,000. And there are 4,000 cops uh, slated to be fired because they did not and will not take the vaccine. Uh, Eric Adams, who was a hard rock when it came to that, said, Tough noogies, you don't get vaccinated. Healthcare workers, cops, firefighters, sanitation workers, civil servants, you're fired. But he can't pull the trigger on these 4,000 cops because without 4,000 cops, that puts our numbers down at 30,000. And there are four times as many criminals roaming the streets and gangbangers. And that would be a slam dunk for crime. In the summer, when violent crime always goes on the uptick. So he's put that on hold. But I have an answer about what we can do to preserve Christopher Columbus without continuing to have it in neighborhoods where, quite frankly, it isn't appreciated, it isn't welcomed, and it's just a target out there that, if not attacked immediately and desecrated or destroyed, will soon uh, face that fate. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's first go to Janet, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Janet. Hi, Curtis. You're a blessing. I've been listening for the past four hours and haven't answered the question or no one's called in about what the symbolism of it, the sneakers that are thrown over the wire. Uh-huh. Could you please answer it before you go off the air? Now, Janet, have you uh, noticed from time to time when you're driving around uh, that there are sneakers, old sneakers, yes. sometimes new yes. sneakers that are tied together, yes. that are thrown That's up over the wires? Right. I never know what that meant, and I'm hoping you'll tell me before you go off the air. Well, remember, if I don't tell you just before I go off the air, I return quickly this afternoon from 3 to 5. 
And then uh, after 3 to 5, I come back four hours later from 9 to 11 with the news stories of the day and my commentary. And then the most requested, most phoned into, most uh, interesting of the many hours that I do. Yes, Yes. Nancy answers questions. How come you won't answer this question? Mm, Because, Janet, there should be others out there who know this answer, and I think they're holding out on me. They're holding out. I cannot believe with the mass... uh, number of folks who are out there who every day pass telephone lines festooned with sneakers that have been tied up and tossed over. They have no idea what the symbolic symbolism is of those sneakers. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Rich, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rich. Hey, what's going on, Curtis? What's popping? Hmm. What's popping? I was talking about poppers earlier, how it used to be a uh, uh, a inhalant for gay men in bathhouses and clubs. And now it's being used by everybody, everybody in the clubs, gays, straights, heterosexuals, transvestites, you name it, pansexuals. Everybody's using those poppers. I hear you, brother. How you doing, man? All right, now I understand you have an answer to a question that I've been drilling down on for the last three hours. You know, I think I got the answer. I don't know. I could be wrong. I believe that the uh, sneakers, it goes way back, like uh, way back in the days. But uh, usually they transformed it. It's like, I think it's to show other people that this neighborhood is, is, uh, you know, it's uh, bedroom. That they run this neighborhood. Ah, that's very, very good. Uh, there are a, a trinity of answers to that. Three separate answers. A number one, it is drug okay. dealers and gang members throwing up those sneakers to let you know that's their turf. Uh, proceed right. at your own risk. Number two, it is uh, individuals uh, who, uh, towards the end of school, remember we used to go for gym. And in order right. to get rid of your old sneakers, because you always promised mommy or daddy would promise you a new pair of sneakers for gym the next year, you would take the old sneakers and toss them up there, particularly if you had skippies. Oh, my God, so humiliating. You couldn't wait to get rid of them. Going back into the 70s. Right. And then, lastly, when you were a had a JD card, you were a juvenile delinquent, and you kept... <laughs> Busting the stones of the cops at your local precinct. They kept seeing you again and again and kept checking off your JD card. Finally, they take you way out. They take your sneakers off your feet. They throw it up on the telephone wire and say, okay, tough guy, walk back to your house. You'd be walking through the neighborhood in your socks. And everybody would say, hey, what happened to Tommy? And Tommy would have his head down. He'd be like weak, soft, fold like a cheap camera. And uh, this accomplished the goal of letting you know that the cops ruled the streets and ruled the night. Oh, thank you so much, man. I Listen, I go way back, and I know what Geritol is. I know about flipping baseball cards, skelly, stoop ball, pinky ball, stoop ball, hand ball, paddle ball, stick ball, all that. Yeah, you know, those, those were the you, days. You, you know what? You were a blessing. To, you're, a, you're a blessing. To the city, and and let me tell you something. Don't 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 wrap your head around this guy. What's his name? Morano, whatever. I heard him, and there's things that he does. Certain signal uh, he signals certain parties 
and and he does that inadvertently to what you would call virtual signaling and so forth and so forth. Mm. And and I, I can't deal I can't deal with people like I can't deal with people like. Whoa, whoa, and then he's, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell. I never thought of him as dealing with virtual signaling, but. Uh, Avery, please get Rich's information. He has won a courtesy of a booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. Because we throw nickels around like manhole covers. But Rich is entitled to be rocking in his neighborhood the WABC baseball cap with Curtis Sliwa on it. And let me tell you something. If you're surrounded by thugs and they're threatening to beat you down, all you got to say is, yo, you see my homie Curtis Sliwa. When I let him know what's going down here, because I got a video cam here, I'm taping it all, and when he sees this, he's coming for his. Vengeance will be his. Oh, okay. Not vigilante, man. No, 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 no. Well, we were just playing with you, man. We, we were just fooling around. Oh, really? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frankie in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frankie. Curtis, your last caller took the wind out of my sails, but one thing was left out, okay? The sneakies on the on the telephone lines and the electric lines, this goes way back to Bob Grant. When he used to say it was wall-to-wall Bob Grant country, okay? That was that there was a Bob Grant listener on that block. Also, now it stands for something different. <laughs> that there's a Curtis Sliwa listener on that block. Except, uh, except now, Frankie, 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 uh, the sneakers are too expensive to be tossing them up on the telephone wires now, man. Do I I score a hat too now? Yeah, you know something, Frankie? We're going to make an exception to our very strict, stringent rules here over who can get a booby prize. But uh, uh, I'm going to put... Get rid of my Frank Morano hat. I'll send that one back. No, no, actually, keep that. Say, keep that when you when you you're dealing with people who are like soft, weak, you know, who are like nebbishy, schlubby. You want the Frank Morano hat because that's not intimidating. But when you're mad dogging and eye fornicating somebody, and you want them to know you're serious, man, you pop on that Curtis Lee with WABC cap, and they'll know you're serious as a heart attack, Frankie. All right, cause. All right, so stay on the line, uh, Avery. We have another Curtis Lee booby prize. He uh, weaned that out of me, although he couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong. It did not mean that whoever was living on that block was a listener to the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant, I can assure you that. And nowadays, with the price of these designer-made limited-edition sneakers, ain't nobody throwing them up on the telephone poles, the telephone wires. I can assure you of that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And let's go through the panoply of different options you have here at WABC. Mark it on the calendar. You have an opportunity to hear me during the week for lunch, for brunch. I will be on Monday through Friday, uh, right after Bill O'Reilly's update at 12 noon. He does 15 minutes, 12 noon to 12.15. And then I do a fifth, excuse me, 45 minutes of a rip and read. I'm not going to be taking phone calls. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be uh, speaking directly to the issues of the day. It could be cultural. It could be social. It could be personal. It could be political. It could be current events. It could be sports. It could be entertainment, which is the key to uh, talk radio, which is theater of the mind. 
for 45 minutes from Monday through Friday. And let me tell you something. You got to let everybody know they got to listen because this is in honor of a man who has come under siege, a man who was my enemy for many, many years. Under the orders of Ed Koch, who perceived me to be the leader of the Hells Angels, Charlie's Angels, the Vigilantes, uh, a gang. I was arrested close to 76 times and locked up in all kinds of places. Brooklyn House of Detention, Queens House of Detention, Kew Gardens, the old Bronx House of Detention, south of Yankee Stadium. And yes, uh, in the tombs, uh, 100 Center Street, right across the street, and uh, on Rikers itself. Because Ed Koch and his administration were out to snuff out me and the Guardian Angels by basically uh, making it so miserable for us, locking us up so often, that we wouldn't want to go out and continue to patrol the subways and the streets and the parks and the schools, risking our life in the interim to do so because there were so few police because of fiscal constraint. Eventually, uh, he resolved those differences with me. And when he came to WABC after he was mayor, he hosted the uh, 11 a.m. to 11.45 show mid-morning, right before Paul Harvey was on for 15 minutes. And in fact, it was such a good job that he was the ratings leader at WABC. And remember, at the time, Rush Limbaugh was on from 12 to 3, coast to coast. And then the king of talk radio, my mentor, Bob Grant, was on from 3 in the afternoon to 7. Yet Ed Conscious, 45 minutes, had a higher ratings point than Rush Limbaugh had and Bob Grant had. Because he did a rip and read and he did commentary and people loved it from the former mayor who had supported Rudy Giuliani against David Dinkins the second time. Even though in 1988 he had supported David Dinkins who barely beat Rudy Giuliani. And then for a year everything was great here at WABC. I remember because I was broadcasting in the morning with Angels in the Morning with my wife at that time, Lisa. And then within a year's period of time, he had a falling out with Rudy, as uh, Ed Koch was apt to do. You were a friend, then you were a foe, then you were a friend again. And this time, he decided to pal up with Al Slim Shady Sharpton against Rudy Giuliani, and his numbers, his ratings numbers plummeted. But it was still a good show. Still a good show. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Uh, 1-800-848-9222, as we... Uh, Plunge ahead to the break of dawn. It is breaking as we speak. Don't close your eyes. Don't go to sleep on me. Let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from Monroe. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hello, Mr. Curtis. Very nice to speak with you. The um, shoes on the wire signifies passing of a loved one. And by elevating their shoes, when they turn to earth, soul is closer to heaven. Hmm. Uh, Giuseppe, I'm, I'm trying to digest that. I'm trying to matriculate that. I'm trying to figure out the spiritual meaning of what is in hand in that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to restart your explanation of when you see Sneakers bound together, thrown up on telephone wire, hanging there. What that means? Go for it, Joe. It's a remembrance of a deceased loved one. It's a remembrance of a deceased loved one. It could it could be a family member. It could be a gang member. It could be somebody that um, lived on the block where the sneakers are up on the wire. 
um, it, you know, it's someone close to that area where they live. Hmm. Uh, I see you're very jaundiced, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. Uh, do you give a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Uh, uh, do a Julius Caesar on this. Uh, well, what do you think? Oh, you're like mezze, mezze, poco, poco, half and half, huh? Uh, you don't want to be a bad guy. Huh? You don't want to do a Julius Caesar in the Roman Colosseum, thumbs down, or feed the Christians to the lions. You don't want to do that, right? Uh, you know, Joe, I'm going to have to let you go. You couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Let's go to Fred and Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Freddie. Hello, Curtis. How are you? You're the best. I always thought that the sneakers were up on the wire because the athlete's foot, the guys had terrible feet. All right. So uh, let's look back. My father had athlete's uh, foot. He used to have Desinex uh, in his uh, athletic socks, the white athletic socks. He used to put so much Desinex in those athletic socks, I almost used to gag from all the powder that was in the air. But, uh, Fred, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, how close you are there. The the reason, again, I'm going to give you a chance to elucidate on that remark you state that the reason that people would toss their sneakers in the air like they just don't care on the telephone wires where it would hang in perpetuity was because of what? Athletes' foot. These guys were playing basketball all day. Their feet were horrible. You mean their dogs were talking? They were barking. (laughs) Fred, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Wow. Two guys in a row struck out swinging. I need a little music maestro here. Broadway Bill Lee came back out of retirement uh, from WCBS-FM. That's right, where he had developed his own reputation over the years. Again, an FMer. We had to convert him to the AM side, the active-minded side, because even though our sister station is WLIR out in the Hamptons, uh, FM still stands for... Freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and, of course, Frank Morano. Whereas active-minded, 77 AM WABC, which at dusk is heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right down to Davy Jones's locker and the Bermuda Triangle, it's a powerful signal. Number one talk station in the nation. And I'm hoping that our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, will in the future... Put together another stick for music and music alone. A sister station of sorts. Sure, it could be FM. But I want to destroy the sole entity that stands in the way of us being the only station in the tri-state area that is receiving listeners. I must take out WBLS, Inner City Broadcasting. No slight to the former owner, former owner and operator, Percy Sutton, who came from Texas to establish that great station. But I have conducted my own quiet storm tonight, in which I would have been prepared at his best to take on Frankie Crocker, Vaughn Harper, and their fabulous lineup. I think it's going to happen. Anyway, let's go to Rob, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rob. 
about the sneakers. Uh, they have no significance whatsoever. It was just something to do. I don't remember any particular reason that anyone ever did that other than to uh, just say those were mine or something like that. So now you saw an array of uh, pro kids up there, Converse sneakers, Skippy. Absolutely. Yeah, people used to do it, but for no, no particular reason. PF Flyers? Did you ever see PF Flyers up there? I wouldn't know that for sure what they were, although I do remember those sneakers. Uh, we, we were kids, kids uh, at the time. And then Converse. But, uh, you know, I had, I had one thing I've never heard anybody mention, a uh, little trivia about what we did as kids in the 60s and 70s, was um, we used to have something called chestnut fights, where, uh, you know, we knew the chestnut trees in the neighborhood, and we'd drill a hole in a shoestring, in a chestnut, and put it on a shoestring. And try to knock the other guy's chestnut off. I just wonder if anybody mm. else ever did that. That's uh, for future conversation. In fact, uh, let's give him uh, Curtis Lee with Booby Price. Take it on, Avery, there to finish up this portion of Forever Broadcasting, Curtis. I'll be back with all of you after I march in the annual Israel Day Parade. Hope to see you out there along Fifth Avenue. I'll be there with Rudy and Andrew. And then I'm on from 3 to 5, and it's so nice I come back from 9 to 11. And then the best hour of all of those, uh, animal welfare from 11 to 12. And then don't miss me during the week for lunch and brunch, 12.15 to 1, right after the Bill O'Reilly update. Because it's WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, as we made it to the break of dawn.